Good morning. For those of you out in our audience today, we start our meetings at 10 o'clock, um, but Comcast is requiring for us to start a couple of minutes late so that they can keep pace with the meeting as far as uh, broadcasting. Okay, so we got five. Let's roll, right? It's 10.02. We got him. We're good. Ready and. Good morning. It's now 10:02, and we're calling the meeting of August 22nd, 2017, to order. Could you please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? led by our birthday boy, Mark Bogan. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It is customary in our chambers that we recognize those brave men and women who serve both here and abroad. And we have a moment of silence for those whom we may have lost locally. Our moment of silence this morning, we would like to recognize that Michael York, the husband of Rose York, two, and two police officers were killed in Kissimmee, and recognize the woman who lost her life in the Charlottesville, Virginia protests. Additionally, the 13 people who died in Barcelona last Monday, as well as the passing of Dick Gregory and Jerry Lewis. Our commissioners, is there anyone else that wishes to recognize? Commissioner Lamarca? Um, I'd like to remember, if we could, uh, someone who spent a, uh, a lifetime in public service, uh, the former mayor of the city of Deerfield Beach, Jean Robb. I believe it was just after we uh, broke for the summer that she'd uh, passed, or right around then. And uh, her family and your thoughts and prayers, as well as the 10. Uh, uh, missing and, and possibly perished uh, United States Naval sailors uh, in the USS John uh, McCain. Thank you. With that moment of silence. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, I'm sure you heard the wonderful music coming from our speakers. Commissioner Ryan graced us with his selection, Positive Vibration by Bob Marley. The second song he chose is Going Up the Country by Canned Heat. Thank you for that, Commissioner Ryan. Before we move into the agenda, I would like to start with the Broward Means Business Moment by recognizing Broward, recognizing Eyebrow Spa. I will present the proclamation to the founder, Johan Hesman, Husman, and his family members that he has brought here with him, his sister, who, is, who I know is in business with him, as well as their father and other um, uh, members of their staff. Could you please come forward to receive the proclamation at the podium? 
For those of you who are new or just joining us in the audience today, our Broward Means Business Moment recognizes businesses in our community who we feel have created jobs and have driven our economy. We enjoy a 4% unemployment rate, and it is because of our, oh yes, see there? Got Commissioner Chip Lamarca cheering. And um, it's because of people that have aspirations like these and entrepreneurs, and so we honor them at the beginning of our meeting for a moment. The proclamation reads, whereas based in Pembroke Pines, Florida, Eyebrow Spa incorporated in 2008 and has been in business since 2010 with 14 full-time employees. And whereas founder Johan Hesman was raised in Pembroke Pines and attended Pines Middle and Flanagan High School. Following high school, Johan took business classes at then Broward Community College and earned her aesthetician's license from Sheridan Tech and whereas being a single mom made her work hard to pursue a career in the beauty industry, and through years of hard work in Pembroke Pines, her independent business evolved into Eyebrow Spa, the first spa dedicated to the beauty of eyebrows. Johan wanted to create a beautiful space in Pembroke Pines with a positive atmosphere where residents can come and relax while getting pampered. And whereas Johan has grown her business in Pembroke Pines over the last 10 years, she has gained a strong following of customers who have loyally followed her through her career, where she has hired and trained a talented team of seven beauty professionals, three front desk staff, and two managers to help to continue the expansion of Eyebrow Spa. And whereas Johan's brother, Johan Hussman, joined her as a business partner in 2016, and together they expanded salon suites to Eyebrow's first storefront location. Johan hopes to expand into a second location, possibly in East Pembroke Pines, Commissioner Furr's district, in the near future. Whereas Eyebrow Spa is pleased to have been successful in Pembroke Pines due to its, in part to its solid relationship with city commissioners and the mayor, who have taken the time to address concerns and provide quick resolution to small business regulatory issues. Whereas many of the Eyebrow staff reside in Pembroke Pines, Eyebrow Spa looks forward to providing employment opportunities to more residents in Pembroke Pines and advanced education for beauty professionals in the future now. Therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the board hereby designates Tuesday, August 22nd, as Broward Means Business Eyebrow Spa Day in Broward County, Florida. You're very welcome. And Commissioner, Vice Mayor Furr, can I have you come down and join us since the future is in your district? <laughs> Might be one of your former students? Okay. <laughs> okay. She's standing together with everybody you want. There you go.
On behalf of all of our staff and uh, my brother, Johan, uh, I would like to thank the mayor, Sharif, for recognizing our business and small businesses like us and all of the county commissioners. So thank you so much. I appreciate this a lot. <laughs> I would also like to thank um, the mayor and the county commissioner, and it's a great honor. Uh, just one small correction. My sister, Jahan, is actually uh, the founder of Eyebrow Spa, and it's her vision. And uh, I came in to it last year, but um, I'd like to thank my sister and my parents for also supporting us and helping us along. All right. Thank you. So we're moving right along. The we have two other proclamations this morning. The first proclamation will be presented by Sejan Curion and Lieutenant Dennett Thomas by Commissioner Bogan to honor the 71st year of Independence Day and Indian Heritage Month. Yes. Mayor, may I proceed? Whereas the people of Broward County, representing a wide array of various cultures, have a great tradition of celebrating significant milestones and events of historical importance, and therefore are proud to join fellow citizens of Indian heritage throughout Broward. Whereas it was in 1947 that India proclaimed independence and became recognized as the Republic of India. Whereas a growing democracy, India has proven to be a courageous nation seeking to establish as its basic fundamental principles those same values upon which the United States was founded. Whereas the local Indian community of Broward County, which includes both those who hail from India and have ancestral ties to India, continually demonstrates the greatness of culture, arts, traditions, and beauty of their homeland. Whereas Broward County welcomes the opportunity to promote a greater understanding of the various cultures of the world and this occasion, the 71st anniversary of India's independence. Be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the Board hereby designates Tuesday, August 22, 2017 as India Independence Day and August 2017 as India Heritage Month in Broward County, Florida, and calls for all municipalities and residents of Broward County to take the time to recognize and celebrate this special day. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner uh, Mark Bogan and the uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and the Commissioners. 
appreciate uh, this is a big thing for our community and on behalf of the community we want to thank you appreciate it thank you I have a veteran from the Indian community who has served the Navy and he's on uh, honorable discharge. I just want to thank you for allowing us and um, uh, I don't know what to say, but I just say thank you for what's going here. And uh, there's a lot of things going on from when I was going to work and also when I was going to uh, to uh, all these things. Um, thank you. Um, Commissioner Bogan, did you take the photo? Okay. All right. The second proclamation will be presented to Franz Hall, Consul General of Jamaica, by Commissioner Holness to celebrate Jamaica's 55th year of independence, which occurred on August the 6th. Commissioner Holness. No, it was just for you. You did? Okay. I was paying attention, but she was taking a picture. Thank you. Good morning. I'd ask my Irish cousin to join me up here in making this presentation. See, he wore green today, I wore green. I figured if he can play Bob Marley's music, then, <laughs> then I can wear some green. And, and Council General France Hall, uh, my cousin here would like to visit Jamaica. I don't know which one of the Irish towns he's gonna go. What do we have, about three Irish towns? We can work it out. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, Commissioner Ryan will join me in presenting this proclamation this morning to our Council General, France Hall. Uh, it reads, whereas, whereas Jamaica gained independence from Great Britain on August 6, 1962, after more than 450 years of British and Spanish colonial rule, the national holiday is celebrated annually by Jamaicans around the world. Whereas with 2.8 million people, Jamaica is the third most populous Anglophone country in the Americas after the United States and Canada, and the fourth most populous county country in the Caribbean. Kingston is the country's capital and largest city with a population of almost 937,000 persons. Whereas the predominant majority of Jamaicans are of African ancestry, with other mixed race minorities including Europeans, Chinese, Indians, Jewish, Lebanese, and Syrians, this multitude of ethnics Ethnicities led to Jamaica's motto, out of many, one people, and whereas following the 1965 U.S. Immigration Act, a new wave of immigrants entered the U.S. from Jamaica and other Caribbean nations. The number of Caribbean immigrants was estimated at approximately one million between the 1970s and the early 1990s, with approximately half of these migrants coming from Jamaica. And whereas during this time, a large number of Jamaicans settled in South Florida, and not too long after that a viable Jamaican community began growing in northwest Miami, Miramar, Lauderhill, and in Broad County. This gave rise to the development of a vibrant Jamaican business community consisting 
of professionals, doctors, attorneys, dentists, realtors, accountants, and a plethora of restaurants, more nightclubs and Jamaican shops selling most items that Jamaican migrants were accustomed to back in Jamaica and crossing over to American customers. And that includes jerk chicken. <laughs> it does. Whereas the expanding Jamaican community in Broward County became a magnetic force for other Jamaican migrants. From the mid-90s on, strong Jamaican communities grew not only in Lauder Hill, Pembroke Pines, and Miramar, but also in Sunrise, Lauderdale Lakes, Plantation, Cooper City, Coral Springs, Dania Beach, and Tamarack. <laughs> and whereas today the Jamaican diaspora in Broward County, South Florida, Florida and the U.S. is vibrant, making very significant tr contributions to all aspects of American life while continuing to serve their cultural homeland. Now, therefore, be it be proclaimed, proclaimed by the, by the Board, Board of County, County Commissioners of Broward, Broward County, County, Florida, that, that the Board hereby designates Tuesday, August 22, 2017, as Jamaica Independence Day in Broward County, Florida. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, thank you, Commissioners Holness and Ran, Madam Mayor, Mr. Vice Mayor. Uh, good morning to you all. Uh, com fellow, sorry, uh, Commissioners as well. Good morning to you all. This is really an honor, and on behalf of the government and people of Jamaica, and also on behalf of the approximately uh, 150,000 Jamaicans that are resident in the county of Broward, it is certainly a pleasure to accept this honor in recognition of Jamaica's 55th anniversary of independence. Uh, the Jamaican community in Broward is vibrant, it's alive, and we've continued to make a positive contribution to the development of Broward and to South Florida. And I must also say that it's certainly a pleasure to receive this honor today also with a colleague uh, country, India. Uh, Jamaica and India have close bilateral relations and a lot of our people are actually from India, myself included. My ancestors are also from India. So it really is a special moment uh, for us this morning to celebrate uh, with you and to receive this honor. Thank you so much. Thank you all for coming this morning. Before we start, I have a few public participation reminders. For those of you in the audience, uh, please turn off or silence your cell phones. Any members of the audience who wish to address the county commission on an item on today's agenda, please come forward and spill out, fill out a speaker form that looks like this over to my right on the dais. Once an item is called, there will be no further speaker signups and no one will be allowed to speak on it. I ask at this time, if you're interested, to please go and do so. When you're called upon, you will have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments brief into the subject being discussed. We ask that you address the commission in a polite manner and that you refrain from making impertinent or slanderous remarks or personal attacks. If you fail to do so, your microphone will be cut off and you'll be escorted out by security or law enforcement. We ask that those of you in the audience today respect the views of those speaking. As such, we do not allow any applause, cheering, booing, or catcalls. 
If you agree, just raise your hands and put up the fingers. Spirit fingers. Yay. Okay. Now this morning we're going to begin. I'll read the Tuesday morning memo. Consent items are items 1 through 102. Public hearing items of items 103 through 118. Regular and supplemental items are items 119 through 138. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections and inclusion of additional information. There are no withdrawals and deferrals. Scrivener errors. Item number 88, in summary explanation background statement, item number five currently reads, as recipient of $20,000, it should read a reduction of $20,000. In fiscal impact statement, match funds are required on the following grants. Item number two currently reads, home care for the elderly. It should read community care for the elderly. In fiscal impact statement, match funds are required in the following grants. Item number four currently reads, NCJJ Rape Crisis Center. It should read, NCJJ Rape Crisis Center. NJCC Rape Crisis Center, sorry. Item number 95, attachment of exhibit one currently reads, at-large positions available to all commissioners should read exhibit one, HIV Health Services Council letter 080417. Item number 119, delegation currently reads, Mr. Eric Kozlowski should read Ms. Erin Kozlowski. Item number 125, in the agenda report in Exhibit 1, insert after Brian Miller Olive PA the following, in joint venture with Lorente and Heckler PA. In Exhibit 2 on page 7, Section 13 of the Agreement for Legal Services between Broward County, Florida and the Law Offices of Steve E. Bullock, PA, the email address currently reads stephenabullockslaw.com. It should read sbullock at sebullocklaw.com. Additional information. Item number 12, this item is being requested to be removed, moved to the regular portion of the agenda so that it may be bifurcated to enable an abstention on one part of it. Item number 125, strike all references to Greenberg Trark PA in joint venture with Edwards and Feeney PA with the agenda report and exhibit one. Please delete the agreement for legal services with Greenberg Trark PA and exhibit two. Item number 125, signature pages have been received. Item number 126, Vice Mayor Beanfur, Commissioner Dale V. Holness, and Commissioner Mark Bogan request to co-sponsor this item. Item number 127, Vice Mayor Beanfur and Commissioner Michael Udine request to co-sponsor this item. Item number 132, Commissioner Chip Lamarca requests to be a co-sponsor on this item. I request without objection that items number 120, 122, 124, 125, 129, 130, 131, 132, 133, 134, and 138 be moved to consent from regular agenda. Item number 12 to remain on reg to be removed from to be moved to regular from consent. Additional material. <laughs> Item number three. Email information from BSO submitted by Aviation Department. 
Item number 94, updated federal legislative policy statement submitted by Office of Intergovernmental Affairs and Professional Standards. Item number 102, memo to the board submitted by Intergovernmental Affairs and Professional Standards. Item number 119, updated delegation request present presentation submitted by county administration. Item number 121, Scrivener's errors found within the 2016 Sunset Review recommendation submitted by Intergovernmental Affairs and Professional Standards. Item number 121, paren 2, memo to the board from Intergovernmental Affairs and Professional Standards. Item number 122 and 123, memo to the board submitted by Finance and Administrative Services Department. Item number 125, revision to bond council agreement submitted by, by Office of the County Attorney. Item number 127, House Bill 47, texting while driving law submitted by Vice Mayor Bean Furr. Item number 128, a list of scheduled events at the Miramar Amphitheater submitted by Mayor Sharif. Item number 135, Sun Sentinel Orlando and Wikipedia article submitted by Commissioner Mark Bogan. Item number 135, paren 2, letter to the board submitted by Public Works Department. Under public hearing items, item number 112, there's an email to the board submitted by Broward County Planning Council. Item number 112, paren 2, email regarding amendment PC 17-5 submitted by Broward County Planning Council. And item number 116, a memo to the board submitted by Environmental Protection and Growth Management Department. That includes the reading of the Tuesday morning memo. Minute Secretary, are you good? Okay. At this time, I'm going to ask if there are any pulls from consent by commissioners, I will start on my left with Commissioner Udine. Uh, item number nine, Madam Mayor. Commissioner Rich. Uh, yes, um, item number 10, 13, and 17 for uh, abstentions. Okay. We've pulled 12. And I also would like to ask if uh, I could please be added as a co-sponsor to item 126 and 127. Thank you. Minute Secretary, can you note that? Yes, Thank you. Commissioner Bogan. Uh, Mayor, um, while I don't want to pull anything, what I want to do is, is say that um, on item 135, with respect to my motion to discuss either modification or termination for the G4S contract, uh, which really was put on there because of the killing of 49 people, um, by an off-duty guard of G4S in June of 2016. There's been many allegations against G4S, um, which I met with them yesterday, which they deny. They, they claim a lot of these allegations are not true, and therefore I want to defer 135 and do a little more due diligence. So I'd like to defer number 135. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan? No polls. Vice Mayor Furr? 89, please. Commissioner Lamarca? 17 and 32. Commissioner Holness? Commissioner Geller? Yes, Madam Mayor, uh, just for, to, for conflict purposes. 18, breath. 21, 64, 66, 73. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Eight, uh, they can stop talking I'll, while you're talking. It was a deep breath. 18, I need you. Uh -huh. I took the deep breath. Okay. 21, 64, uh -huh. 66. Okay. 73, uh -huh. 76, uh -huh. 77, and 80. Okay. So, um, county administrator, do you have anything else for me to pull for, other than the Mon um, Tuesday morning memo? Okay. County attorney. I, I will address that. County attorney, anything else? Okay. County auditor. 
Okay. All right. And so for, from the public, what I have right now is I have um, item number 12. Hold on. I'm gonna have item number 112, which is already on regular, 111 already on regular, and 113 for questions only. And then I've got in the audience with us today, we have State Representative Richard Stark, who will be speaking on item number 127. Just wanted to recognize that he is here Madam, um, Madam Mayor, yes. Um, I'm sorry. Did, were you mentioning the polls because there were a couple of others? I only I have 12 no. from the. I'm, I'm doing audience polls right now. Okay. Thank you you. want to pull something else? No. Okay. So um, on my audience polls so far right now, I only have item number 12. And let's see if I have another one. It's 10. Nope. We're good. That's it, Mayor. Uh, yeah. Audience polls from consent is item number 12 so far. Everything else is already on regular, so they'll be heard on regular. I do have other speakers, but those are all on regular already. All right, so at this time, I'm gonna, I need to tell you what the motion's gonna be for the consent agenda minus the items that were pulled. So I have, I need a motion for the consent agenda minus items number nine, 10, 12, 13, 17, 18, 21, 32, 64, 66, 73, 76, 77, 80, and we're going to, and 89, and we're going to defer 135. Okay. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that that passes unanimously. Now what I'm going to do so that I can dispose of items, please exit the chambers quietly because I'm going to continue business. We have a long agenda. Now to dispose of some of the items that are just be, just were pulled for abstention alone. Nine. I'm going to take up item number nine. Uh, well, number nine. 10. No, nine is for abstention. Also. Abstention yeah. also. So item number nine, Commissioner Udine. Uh, I've served on the board of directors of Community and ba Bank in Broward since 2011. I own shares in the bank. The shares are not traded on a stock exchange. The county attorney's office has verified that an owner of the shares in the same bank owns a substantial interest in the vendor on item number nine, although the item only involves a work off on a previously awarded contract. To avoid a voting conflict or even the appearance of a voting conflict, I'm abstaining and will leave the dais until item nine is voted upon. I ask that the minutes, uh, clerk. Your, your microphone wasn't on at all. but. Did, no, it's okay. You got it. It went off at the end. Yeah. You saw it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, can I get a motion? All those in favor of item number nine, signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed. Okay. Let the record show that that passed eight with one abstention. Item number. Can I, um, uh, county attorney? Can I take ten, twelve, thirteen, and seventeen at once under Commissioner's Richard abstention? I, I think that 12 has been withdrawn to the regular agenda because of the public. Oh, the public, yes, that's true. Um, okay, so, so I'll I, take, can I take 10, 13, and 17 I, to dispose I, of those? It, it's legally appropriate. You may wish to ask Commissioner Rich if she wishes to have them taken separately. Um, 
I believe that all th those three could be the 12 can't because I'd have to bifurcate. Yeah, 12 is fine. Okay, so 12, yeah, 10, 13, 13 and 17, 17, I believe. Unless, wait, yeah, wait, is that all right? It, it's simply they can be taken at the same time, but they're different bases for the okay. recusal, so those simply have to be read in the record for each item. Okay. You can vote on them at the same time, though, after the recusal. Okay, so the only two that we can take on your abstention right now together is 10 and 13. 17, I think I have a speaker, which is Commissioner Lamarca. And 12, we have an audience speaker, so that's fine. Okay, I think um, one requires me to leave the dais and one doesn't. So I, Oh, okay, I'm so we'll take them separately. Be, 10 separate. is fine. Okay, okay. so 10. Okay, so item 10, I am on the board of directors of Kids in Distress. I do not receive any compensation for serving on that board, and I therefore have no actual uh, statutory conflict. However, to avoid the appearance of a conflict, I am abstaining on item 10. I ask that the minutes reflect my uh, abstention. I am permitted to stay on the dais for this vote. Second. All those in favor of item number 10, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that passes eight with one abstention. One abstention. Item number um, 12. 12 has been moved to regular. Okay. Right. Item number 13. Okay. 13. Um, uh, I am the county commission appointee to the Broward County Homeless Continuum uh, of Care Board. Pursuant to 24 CFR 578.95B, I am required to abstain from voting on this item I will leave the dais until the vote is concluded and ask that my abstention be reflected in the meeting minutes. Okay. Move it. Second. All those in favor of item 13 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that item 13 passes eight with one abstention. Okay. Um, the next item off of 17. You, well, 17, I got Commissioner Lamarca wanting to speak on it as well. Okay, so I'm going to hold off on that. Okay, okay, Commissioner Geller, all your items no one else pulled, are they only for, are they for the same type of extent, uh, abstention? Uh, 18 is for one reason and all of the rest are for a different reason. Okay, okay so on, let's go with 18. Thank you. On item 18, that set, merely sets a public hearing for issuance of non-emergency medical transport licenses because in my private law practice, I do represent a uh, ambulance provider. I uh, will be announcing a apparent conflict today on the motion to set the public hearing and will not be voting. When the actual item comes up, I will abstain and leave the dais. I will not be leaving the dais today upon advice of county attorney. Okay, so can I have a motion to approve? Second. Okay, all those in favor of item number 18 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show item 18 passes eight with one abstention. Okay. And the Madam Mayor, on 21, 64, 66, 73, 76, 77, and 80. Um, I had thought that I would have resolved all of my issues with my former law firm. I am pleased to say they finally have received all payments, are in the process of doing the reconciliation now, and by the end of the month, this will finally be behind me. But in the meantime, I am abstaining from items 21, 64, 66, 73, 76, 77, 80, which involve my former law firm from which I 
am owed compensation and pending final reconciliation because I am abstaining to avoid the appearance of a voting conflict, not an actual conflict. I will remain on the dais for these items. I ask that the minutes reflect my abstentions. Okay, so all those in favor of item 21, 64, 66, 73, 76, 77, and 80 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that, that those items passed eight with one abstention. Okay. At this time, I'm gonna go back to item number 12, which was pulled by Commissioner Rich as well as by the audience. Um, Commissioner Rich, would you like to speak first or would you like for me to have the audience come up first? Audience first? Yes. We haven't voted on 32 yet. Okay. So um, could Mr. Dennis Haas from ARC Broward please come to the podium? Thank you. Um, Dennis Haas, CEO at ARC Broward, who we've been serving individuals with developmental disabilities for 60 years. This is our anniversary year. And just wanted to take a moment from your very busy agenda to, on behalf of all the individuals that we serve in the community and my colleagues in the human services world, uh, thank you for the commitment uh, that this item reflects your ongoing commitment to the importance of human services and uh, this, this amount of funding and all the hard work that goes into assuring that these dollars are spent uh, with uh, outcomes uh, through the diligent efforts of your staff. So we just really wanted to say thank you very much. Thank you. You guys didn't get the memo, right? All right, there we go. Commissioner Rich. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, Dennis, for making the, that statement. I had the privilege of serving on, that children's, on the Children's Services Board for 10 years. And uh, seeing this, the county commission at the time that the Children's Services Council was passed to agree to maintain that funding, which is so important in this community. And we have an amazing group of providers and staff uh, working together to do the best uh, for the possible for children in our community. Having said that, item 12 uh, would be providing funding, is providing funding uh, to separate agreements to many entities, including Kids in Distress, which I have mentioned before I serve on the board. Um, so um, I will be abstaining on the, um, we're um, bifurcating it. I will vote on the uh, overall funding, but need to vote, uh, have the vote separate on Kids in Distress so that I can abstain. So, Mayor, okay. my suggestion is that you have um, a bifurcated item on number 12. Number one would be for kids in distress, which is the item that Commissioner Rich would abstain on, and then you would have um, a separate vote on all the rest of the items. She's not required to abstain on that. Okay, so, Commissioners, can I have a motion? Move it, Move it at a bifurcation for kids in distress, which will be the first portion of motion item number 12 that we'll vote on. I have a second on that? Okay, all those in favor of item 12A, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes eight with one aye. abstention. Okay, the remainder of item number 12, which we call 12B. I'll move the item. Okay, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. And that's the portion that Commissioner yes. Rich is, is voting on. Aye. So yes. let that show on a 9-0. Okay, thank you. That um, concludes item number 12. The next item that was pulled from consent is item number 17 that was pulled by Commissioner Rich as well as Commissioner Lamarca. So I'm going to let Commissioner Lamarca go ahead and um, go first, and then I'll go to Commissioner Rich for the abstention. Thank you, Mayor. 
my wife is uh, employed by the Crockett Foundation, which is a wonderful organization, but uh, it's also one of the entities that's going to be receiving funds from the Broward Sheriff's Office LETF item uh, if it is approved today. She will not receive any financial benefit from this item, but to avoid even the appearance of a conflict, I'm abstaining from item number 17. I ask the minutes please reflect my abstention. No. Commissioner Rich, <laughs> abstention. Okay. I serve on the board of the area-wide Council on Aging, which would receive funding um, if this item is approved. I do not receive any compensation for serving on the board, and I therefore have no actual statutory voting conflict. However, to avoid the appearance of a conflict, uh, I would abstain on item 17 and ask that it be reflected in the minutes. Okay. Commissioner Bogan moved the item. Had a second by Vice Mayor Furr. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed. Let the record show that that passes seven with two abstentions. Okay, so that concludes the items um, that were pulled for abstention. Now we're on to item number, oh, I see. I know I was looking for Representative Stark. I told him that at 1045 we would be taking item 127 out of order so that he could come up and speak. Uh, Representative Stark, could you please come forward? At this time, we're going to take up item number 127 out of deference to Rep Representative Stark so he can move forward with his day. Thank, Thank you, you for being here. You're ready. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Mayor, Vice Mayor, uh, County Commissioners, uh, staff, uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak before you today. Uh, we have been trying to change the law in the state of Florida regarding uh, texting while driving, which has become a, a danger on the highways. As uh, technology increases, so does distraction while people drive. Uh, the state did pass a texting law in uh, 2013, my first year in the legislature. Unfortunately, it is a secondary offense with uh, no teeth, and so uh, law enforcement really cannot enforce this law. Uh, I will note that uh, uh, Commissioner Rich uh, uh, told me it took 23 years to uh, get the uh, seatbelt law to primary. become a primary <laughs> offense. Uh, uh, Commissioner Ryan, I don't know if you were part of that, but uh, this, uh, this is a little history with the state legislature. Uh, but um, all studies show that this is necessary. I'm just going to give you a handful of statistics. And I uh, see I have a minute and 50 left, so I'll try to do it on time like you expect everybody else. But one in four accidents in the state of Florida due to texting. Texting more likely six times to cause an accident than DWI, driving while intoxicated. Average person text for five seconds. Five seconds at 55 miles an hour takes you 100 yards across a football field. Now just one last thing, uh, this year's uh, law is still being, it's still in house draft, bill drafting. And uh, one of the sections that is being added this year has to do with uh, racial profiling. Uh, the seatbelt law already has it. We hadn't considered it before the seatbelt law. And just an excerpt, uh, it says, you know, we, we don't sure what the final language is going to be, but each law enforcement agency in the state shall adopt department federal, excuse me, departmental policies to prohibit the practice of racial profiling. When a law enforcement officer issues a citation for a violation of this section, the law enforcement officer must record the race and ethnicity of the violator. The department shall collect this information by its jurisdiction 
and annually report the data to the governor, the president of the Senate, and the Speaker of the House. And this is just an excerpt, uh, but this is something that uh, must be addressed uh, based on the uh, climate nationwide. Uh, but all parties that I've spoken to in the legislature recognize that this is an issue that must be addressed and uh, must be uh, put into law. So uh, thank you very much, and I'm open to any questions. Anybody has a question for me before I? Yes, sir. Thank you, Representative Stark, for being here. So, Commissioners, I wanted Representative Stark to speak first on the item that I brought before the agenda, on the agenda today. Um, this item uh, I brought forth because uh, texting and driving is so dangerous, and it's something that I'm sure that we've all been on the road behind a distracted driver while they're texting, and um, they cause many accidents. And I just felt like it was important for us to um, take a stand and to make a resolution to support what they're doing in the state legislature, but also to specify that in Broward County that we, we, we have a zero tolerance for this. Um, and so with that, I'm going to come back to this day. As I know that um, Commissioner Lamarca asked to co-sponsor the resolution, as did a couple of other commissioners that I read in the Tuesday morning memo. And at this time, if you would like to speak on this item, I saw two hands go up. I saw um, Geller, Holness, and Lamarca. Oh, everybody. Oh, everybody wants to talk. Okay, so let me just make the cue. Geller followed by Holness, followed by Lamarca. Nah. Vice Mayor Furr, did you want to? Okay. Yes? Ryan? I want to follow the midnight. Okay, sure. You want to yeah, speak? Yeah, right. It was 20, but it's okay. Vice, uh, Commissioner Rich, yes. you also wanted to speak? Yes, I do. Okay. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Geller? Um, thank you, and I'd also like to be listed as co-sponsor. Um, okay. Uh, Representative Stark, I'm glad you added that last item. I was in the legislature during a lot of those 20 years, and one of the big issues why there was a lot of resistance on the seatbelt issue was the concern that it could be used as an excuse for uh, pulling over minorities because you say that, you know, oh, well, we pulled you over because I didn't see your seatbelt. I'm very glad that you've added the, the language dealing with the racial profiling. That eliminates the remaining concern that I had with that, and that's why I'm now happy to co-sponsor this. I, I also would like to co-sponsor, and, and I share similar sentiments as Commissioner Geller. The fact still remains, Representative Stark, that in Broward County, if you're black, you're more than twice, almost 1.9 times likely to be stopped for seat belt violation than if you're white. It's about 2.4 times in Palm Beach County. So we still have the problem. I hope that you'd go further and look to see how possibly penalties can be put in place for those who utilize uh, the power in their hands to discriminate against certain groups of people. Thank you. Commissioner Lamarca. Uh, Madam Mayor, uh, is it possible that I can respond to Commissioner Holness? I wanted to get all the comments okay, out of the way no and problem. then I'll have you, I'll, I'll give you time to respond. Okay. It, it, as much as I think that comments that have been made and the, and the adjustment that uh, Representative Stark has been made, I, I still have a tremendous amount of uh, trust in the men and women who wear the uniform. Um, so that's not what my comments are about. My comments are very clearly 
this is, uh, I've been on the EMS Council for the last seven years since I've been on the County Commission. We took up the Take Five to Stay Alive, Don't Text and Drive campaign uh, five years ago with uh, race car driver Gabby uh, Chavez, who is a Weston resident um, and graduate of, uh, I think, Western High School. Um, this has been an issue that's been very important to us here. We had, uh, we involved the Broward County Schools in doing uh, short films, short uh, videos about this issue. Um, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you know, um, the, the stats that Representative Stark mentioned are, are, are mind-boggling, but wouldn't you know, we're, uh, my wife and I were driving to the Broward Center on Sunday where we celebrated the Indi uh, Independence Day for India, and uh, there were thousands of people at the Broward Center, but coming around the bend at, at sunrise and US-1 where Searstown is, I couldn't help but to notice a car that was maybe not realizing there was a turn and was just going straight across all three lanes. Well. Uh, she was a young lady in a probably about a $400,000 Rolls Royce with her, with her phone like this just going straight for Searstown mm -hmm. until she corrected and almost <clears throat> hurt herself, other people, let alone the car. Um, it's an epidemic. People are all over the place on the road. It, it's, almost, uh, it's almost a certainty if someone's in front of you going really, really slow in the fast lane, they're texting and driving. Uh, it's almost a certainty if somebody's swerving. Uh, the, the one statistic I will I will repeat that uh, Representative Stark said uh, was how dangerously uh, close that the, this epidemic is that, that is making it worse than driving while intoxicated, driving while under the influence of, of any type of substance. Um, quite honestly, if you're not looking where you're going, you're going to hurt somebody, you're going to kill somebody, you maybe kill yourself. Um, so we, we do need a way to pull people over. So I appreciate you uh, being here. Thank you. Vice Mayor Furr. Thank you. I just wanted to applaud your effort. You've, since the minute you've gotten in the legislature, you've been trying to get this passed. And I appreciate your persistence. And when the, when the time comes, I wanted to know if you wanted to speak to the, you had added another part, from my understanding, having to do with school zones that is not in our backup. And, and when, you're, when you get a chance, I'd like to hear you speak to that. You put it in. Yes. Um, the next person, I have Bogan followed by Commissioner Rich, and then I'll go back to you, um, State Representative Stark. First of all, I commend you on, on, on the work, and uh, I'd like to be listed as a co-sponsor, Mayor. Gotcha. And I assume that the exception would be to me, so I can I can have sure. an exception or to the commission. No, but thank you for your work. I support it. Okay. Commissioner Rich? Yeah. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, well, uh, I've been really proud of your efforts, uh, Representative Stark. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, actually it was a little over about two decades of legislators trying to pass a primary seatbelt enforcement bill. Um, and uh, I'm just, you know, proud of the fact that I happened to be the one there, you know, to get it passed. And um, I have to say thousands and thousands of people lost their lives during the years that the legislature would not act. And uh, so I, I um, you know, I just pray that it takes a lot less time. Uh, it's already taken too long, but it takes a lot less time for you to get this primary enforcement done. And I am pleased uh, we did have the racial profiling included uh, in the uh, primary seatbelt enforcement bill. My friend uh, Senator Joyner was very involved with that. And uh, so I'm glad to see, obviously, that you have that uh, um, uh, as a component of this very important. So uh, we'll all be, um, you know, contacting legislators and do what we can do to help your efforts. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
Commissioner Udine, do you want to be on as a co-sponsor? You're the last one left. As a co-sponsor, and I'm supportive of this. Okay, got Let's it. Let's add tweeting, Yep, Facebook, you got it. Texting, okay, uh, so on item number 127, minutes secretary, um, we need to add uh, Commissioner Geller, Vice Mayor Beamfer, uh, I, Commissioner Holness, Commissioner Bogan, Commissioner Ryan, and Commissioner Rich as co-sponsors on this item. I just want to make sure we're reading into the record for that. Okay, the next thing, I want to go back to Representative Stark. Um, what Vice Mayor Fur was referring to was his, he had um, added in a uh, backup item to our agenda to, that just had a couple of lines in regards to the um, school zones and enforcing this in the school school zones with a double penalty. And so um, I believe that's what he's asking you to speak to. And he's asking the board to uh, make an amendment to the resolution, correct? Okay. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Uh, the uh, bill last year, uh, this, part, this part was added to the bill last year. Uh, for a violation committed in a legally posted school zone or designated school crossing, regardless of where the violation with respect to a prior conviction was committed, the amount of the fine prescribed for the violation shall be doubled. And I expect uh, we'll probably have it again in the, in the statute this year. Uh, there was one last thing I, I did want to mention uh, uh, regarding uh, a statement uh, by Commissioner Holmes. We happen to be on the same page. Uh, and uh, you know, I, even though there's uh, nothing uh, you know, published yet, uh, there is a bill being worked on, uh, I'm, I'm part of that, uh, to address uh, traffic violations and stops across the board regarding racial profiling, not just for seat belts and for, uh, uh, for uh, texting, but uh, just all across the board. And I'll, as soon as we have some language, I'll let you see that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Representative, for being here. Commissioner Lamarca, to close. Just, uh, <clears throat> I think Commissioner Udine was being a little modest. I think it was 2009, October of 2009, Parkland became the first city to ban texting while driving. And uh, I, I want to thank you for, I know this was something we were doing uh, by the time I got on here, you, you had already done it in the city of Parkland, so I want to thank you for that leadership. All right. Thank you. I have a motion on the item as amended. Second? Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes 9-0. Thank you again, Representative Stark, for being here. Thank you very much. Okay. The next item that's on our agenda was item number 32 that was pulled from consent by Commissioner Lamarca. And can I can I take a point of privilege, Debbie, yes. before you leave? Commissioner Case, I just want to acknowledge uh, Commissioner from Hollywood is here on this item. Uh, and just thank you for being here and supporting it. Which item, sir? 32. 32. She's she, going to, does she want to? Did you want to speak to that? No, I wanted to speak to Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner. And uh, although I don't, we don't know each other, Commissioner Case, uh, if this is your issue, I'm with you on it. Um, I, I just want to uh, pull the item really just to, to talk briefly about, uh, I think everybody on this dais, but uh, also in the public understands how important shore protection uh, is for not only our pristine beaches, but uh, our upland infrastructure, the billions in tourism and hospitality jobs that it represents. Um, I wanted to take the, the time to just uh, thank Dr. Gerardo. I see Nikki, uh, Nicole Sharp. 
and her team that have been tremendously uh, uh, supportive of, of these issues. But uh, I also wanted to recognize that Senator Latvala in uh, the Florida Senate uh, has just filed a bill to move what we accomplished over many years of hard work with county commissioners from around the state and our staff uh, to be $30 million a year last year wasn't quite where we were going. We're looking for $50 million a year in reoccurring beach funding from the state budget of uh, almost $86 billion um, and showed them what the return, return on investment is. I think it's 5.4 to 1. Um, it's a tremendous, uh, tremendously important issue to protect our, our upland infrastructure as well as drive our economy. So I want to thank uh, our staff and everyone involved in this issue uh, for their hard work and, and again pledge my uh, service and support to commissioners and District uh, 6 and 7 for their forthcoming beach projects, uh, as well as the uh, sand bypass at Port Everglades. Mayor. Vice. I'm sorry. sorry just County really Administrator, then Vice Mayor for. Uh, I'll wait till Vice Mayor's Go ahead. Time. Okay. No, I just, uh, um, while um, uh, the commissioner took the opportunity to thank our staff, I also wanted to uh, inform the board that Nicole Sharp was honored. Nicole, you're just out there somewhere. Um, by the, uh, the National F um, Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association for all the work that she's done. So thank you. Okay. And on that, uh, yes. And Nicole, you've been doing a great job. Your presentations to all the cities. You've, you've been able to explain what's going on very well to everybody, and I, you'll, you'll have to keep doing that for a while because <laughs> it's, it's pretty complicated. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted to compliment uh, and thank uh, Commissioner Mark for his work. He was just honored as um, legislator. Tell me what you got honored on. From the, in late September. Yes, you'll be, you'll be honored but as leg, legislator for, uh, legislator of the year for beach protection, whatever, yeah. something like that. Something good, something good. good, but 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 it was well it's well deserved. You've been up to the yes. Tallahassee, and you've been uh, advocating advocating for us from the get go, mm -hmm. and I know the uh, I know your constituents appreciate it, but so do mine. I'm sure Tim's do as well. Um, so, but I do want to, did want to thank our staff for all the hard work as well. So thank you, and thank you, Commissioner Case and City Hollywood, and I heard from City Hollandale as well. They were thankful to see this. Thank you. Can I have a motion on the item, please? Second. All those in favor of item 32 signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that passes on a 9-0. Next item off of our consent agenda is item number 89. That was pulled by Vice Mayor Furr. Thank you. This is a big day, actually. Um, this is something we've been working on for about three years. And what this does is actually blends the and allows for all 270,000 students at Broward County to finally use all the Broward County Public Library online resources. That is a tremendous, they don't know they have the keys to the kingdom yet, but they do. And for teachers, this is a tremendous opportunity to be able to utilize all of those for planning, for resources. And I just want to thank um, our director, Kelvin, uh, for, this was, a this was a technological breakthrough on this. I don't see him, I know he's over there he's somewhere. But we, we were having to get, th thank you, Kelvin. Uh, for the last three years, we've been try doing paper, all kind of paper stuff, trying to get this permissions and stuff. And really, with a flick of a switch, you figured out how to make this happen. So, uh, I know two years ago we had had, we were, had had gotten library cards for all the elementary schools. We were still working on trying to get all the middle schools and all the high schools. And with this one item, we doing them all at once. So, uh, kudos to the library staff and to our new director. And I'm thrilled with this happening. And 
Uh, I'd like to make a motion to pass it. Second. All those in favor of item number 89 signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that passes on a 9-0. Okay, that concludes our consent agenda. Now we're on to items that are on our regular agenda. Okay. Public and the public hearing, sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm getting there. I'm still trying to catch up on my paper. Okay. Public hearing items are items number 103 to 118. So we're going to go on to 103. At this time, I do have some audience speakers signed up on 103. Okay, I got two for questions, three for questions. Okay, so on item 103, I only have audience participation for um, questions only. So at this time, this is a public hearing item. It's a motion to adopt resolution of the Border County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, granting a new non-exclusive franchise to Cliffberry Inc. to provide vessel sanitary wastewater removal services at Port Everglades for a one-year term commencing on August 22, 2017. At this time, like I said, this public hearing is now open. Um, there's only three speaker sign-ups and they're for questions only. Is there anyone else from the public that wishes to be heard on item number 103? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to the stage. So move the item. All those in favor of item number 103 signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show 103 passes 9-0. Item number 104 is a motion to adopt the resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida. Uh, granting a new non-exclusive franchise to Cliffberry Inc. to provide vessel oily waste removal services at Port Everglades for a one-year term commencing on August 22, 2017. Again, it is a public hearing. I only have two public hearing um, speaking cards on item 104, and they're for questions only. At this time, I'm opening item 104 to the public. Is there anyone else in the public that wishes to be heard on item 104? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to this stage. Second. All those in favor of item 104 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that item 104 passes 9-0. Item number 105 is a motion to adopt a resolution of Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, granting renewal of a non-exclusive franchise to AFCO Agency USA LLC to provide cargo handler services at Port Everglades for a 10-year term commencing on September 27, 2017. I have no public speaker sign-ups. This is a public hearing. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to be heard on item 105? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to the dais. Second. All those in favor of item 105 signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show 105 past 90. 106 is a motion to adopt a resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, granting a renewal of a non-exclusive franchise to AFCO Agency US LLC to provide stevedore services at Port Everglades for a 10-year term commencing on September 27th. 2017. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to be heard on item number 106? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to this dais. Second. All those in favor of item 106 signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show 106 passes unanimously. Item number 107 is a motion to adopt a resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, granting the renewal of a non-exclusive franchise of the Port Contractors Southeast LLC to provide steamship agent services at Port Everglades for a five-year term commencing August 30th, 2017 and ending August 29, 2022. There are no public speakers signed up. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to be heard on item number 107? 
Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to this day. Second. All those in favor of 107, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. Item number 108 is a motion to adopt a resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, consenting to the assignment of a non-exclusive cargo handler franchise from Colory Transport Company, Inc., to Logistic Everglades, LLC, to provide cargo handler services at Port Everglades for the remainder of a 10-year franchise term, which expires on February 25th, 2024. There are no pub there's only one public speaker for questions only on 108. Is there anyone else from the audience that wishes to be heard on item 108? Seeing none, the public hearing's closed. Back Move to the it. dais. All those in favor of 108, signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. Item number 109 is a motion to adopt the resolution of the Broward County Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, consenting to the assignment of a non-exclusive steamship agent franchise from Colory Transport Company, Inc., to Logistic Everglades LLC to provide steamship agent services at Port Everglades for the remainder of a five-year franchise term, which expires on February 29, 2019. There's only one speaker signed up for questions only. Is there anyone else from the audience that wishes to be heard on item 109? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to this dais. All those in favor of item number 109 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show that 109 passes unanimously. Item number 110 is a motion to adopt resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, consenting to the assignment of a non-exclusive Stevedore franchise from Colory Transport Company, Inc. to Logistic Everglades, LLC, to provide Stevedore services at Port Everglades for the remainder of a 10-year franchise term, which expires on February 25, 2024. There's only one public speaker for questions only. Is there anyone from the public that wishes to be heard on item number 110? Seeing none, the public hearing's closed. Back Moving. to this dais. Second. All those in favor of item 110 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed, let the record show that 110 passes unanimously. Item number 111 is Madam a motion. Mayor. I'm sorry? Uh, on items number 111 and 112, I'm going to have to go through the same. The abstention process? Yes, okay, no problem. So I'm going to read, it, read the item and then you can go ahead and read Thank your you, statement. Okay, on item number 111, I only have one speaker who is the applicant signed up. Yes. I need to speak on 111 real quick. Okay, uh, after, after I read Daily the item, Joe, I I'll go ahead and open it up to the public and then I'll come back to the dais for the abstention and the um, discussion, okay? All right, so 111 is a motion to enact an ordinance amending the Broward County Comprehensive Plan to adopt Broward County Land Use Plan Map Amendment PC 17-4, establishing an activity center in the Pembroke Pines, Commission District 6. And I have one speaker on 111, which is Mr. Dennis Mealy. So at this time, I'm gonna open it up to, public com to the public. Mr. Mealy, do you wanna speak? Or you want questions only? Just for questions, I should have written that on there. That's okay if you stay in the front. Right there, because I have two persons on the commission that are going to speak on it. Okay, so I'll go for the abstain the the um, discussion first, and then you can abstain. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Okay, Vice Mayor Fur. Thank you. I just want to make sure this included the language that was submitted by Pembroke Pines. County Attorney, does that include the language that was submitted by Pembroke Pines? Uh, we, I would have to defer to staff on that item. Okay, um, Mr. Mealy can answer that question then. Um, uh, Dennis Mealy on behalf of the applicant. Actually, on the second page of your backup in the bold face print is the language that Pembroke Pines was requesting. The Planning Council staff has said they have no objection. So I hope you would include it. Thank you very much. 
That's it. Would you like to make a friendly amendment to the item, Vice Mayor? I'll make a friendly amendment to include that language uh, as um, already approved by the Planning Council and submitted by the City of Pembroke Pines. Okay. So we have a friendly amendment made to the motion to include the language from Pembroke Pines. I have a second on that motion. Now at this time, I'll have the abstention by Commissioner Geller. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Mr. Mealy and I are previously law partners. And again, pending, same language as earlier, um, pending resolution of my final payments, which should be this week. Okay. <laughs> are you leaving the dais or staying on? Okay, perfect. All right, at this time I had a motion and a second on the um, item 111 as amended. All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes eight with one abstention. Okay, item number 112 is a motion to enact an ordinance uh, amending the Broward County Comprehensive Plan to adopt Broward County Land Use Plan Map Amendment PC 17-5 in the City of Deerfield Beach, Commission District 4, the substance of which as follows, an ordinance of the Broward County Board of Commissioners to amend the Comprehensive Plan, amending the Broward County Land Use Plan. Okay, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have seven speakers, one for questions only. So um, I'm gonna open up the item to the public and then I'll come back to this dais. The, item, the public hearing is now open on item number 112. My first speaker is Bernard Parnas, followed by Al Ricky. And if you all can line up in the front row. I'm, so, I'm sorry, he didn't put that on there. I'm just reading, I'm sorry. Commissioner Bernard Parnas. Thank you. Um, Al Ricky, Dennis Mealy, Brad Watson, Martin Osborne, Jerry Lee, Stefan Hoyer, and Eric Power for questions only. If you all could line up and get you started right now. Okay. Commissioner Barney Parnes. Yes. Um, this is a simple question. I represent the constituents in Crystal Lake. Does this body want to listen to the constituents or the owner of the golf course right to do business. I represent the constituents. They're against building, but so is everybody that lives around any golf course always objects because they love the view and they'd like to see the golf course go on forever. We know that may not be possible, but your decision isn't very difficult. It's either the constituents or the money. That's what it comes down to. So that's your choice, and I hope you'll make it wisely. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker is Al Ricky, followed by Dennis Mealy. I am requesting a nine-hole nine golf course be maintained at Crystal Lake. No, golf is not dead in Florida, as the developers think. For this reason, that nine-hole golf courses are proliferating, and I have proven that the revenue that they will generate at Crystal Lake will be very profitable. A nine-hole golf course will be profitable. We have three condos being built right in the immediate area. Three. They're going to be two rentals 
and a big Horton development a few blocks away. This will generate golf players and we will generate enough players, new players, to the amount of about 432 that will pay revenues on a yearly basis of a million dollars plus. Now, I wanted to know, and the mayor of, of uh, Deerfield Beach asked me to get the cost of a nine-hole golf course, and I did. I contacted 18 nine-hole golf courses managers. The costs come in all around a quarter of a million dollars for a nine, to maintain a nine-hole golf course. They went as high as 600,000, depending on water, labor, etc. I used 550,000 as my cost. So, bringing in over a million minus 550,000 makes a nine-hole golf course very viable. There's a lot of nice things. First of all, the players that we have are the common people. They won't have a place to play because they can't afford it. I'm talking about the policemen, the teachers, the fire people, people that retired on limited incomes. I am urging that we have a nine-hole golf course. Now, the offspring will be that we already have the golf holes built. We already have a beautiful uh, a golf uh, club. I'm going to tell you that with a profitably, uh, a well-managed golf, uh, golf clubhouse with a bar, two bars, one outside, inside, uh, we will have a, a jumping place making money with extra activities. Thank you. So. Um, Thank you. I do have an expert about is... nine-hole golf courses. Okay, but your time is up. And yeah, I may, have may I have to just speakers. give me one more minute, please? I, this is I, so important. I but I cannot because I have eight of seven other speakers besides right. you. I appreciate you coming out. Our next speaker on cue is Dennis Mealy, followed by Brad Watson, followed by Martin Osborne. Uh, good morning, Dennis Mealy, 200 East Broward Boulevard, on behalf of the applicant. Um, as we've been working on this project, we've heard a number of things in the community. We had four community meetings, uh, and our most well-attended was 80. We had other, another meeting with 60. Also, there was 1,046 notices sent out on this item because we have residents all around us. And so the first point I want to make is when we first started this effort, we had a lot of people opposed, and as we met with folks and showed them what we were doing, the number of uh, people opposing it dropped off significantly. Uh, our plan shows that we're going to surround our development with water, so we will have water separating us from our neighbors. That was a very important thing when we met with the neighbors. In terms of the viability of golf, uh, there's an outfit called the National Golf Foundation. It's based in Jupiter, Florida, and it is a support organization for the golf course industry. And even their publications are showing that golf courses are closing all over the country because there are fewer people playing golf. Uh, in 2016, over 200 golf courses closed in the country. 
The state of Florida has more golf courses than any other state by a huge margin. And the National Golf Foundation showed that the places that are having the most closures are the places with the most courses. The place with the most courses is Florida. The place with the most golf, golf courses closing is Florida because there's an oversupply. And this is all coming from a golf course industry support group, not from me, not from my client. My client is currently subsidizing the operation of the golf course every month. Um, the Planning Council staff recommended approval. The City of Deerfield Beach Commission unanimously approved it. So did the Deerfield Beach Planning and Zoning Board. And the Broward County Planning Council made a motion to approve, uh, passed a motion to approve on two readings. It also passed here on first reading on a unanimous vote. We hope you will support it again. If you have any questions, I'll be happy to answer them. Thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker is Brad Watson. Yes, good morning. Um, I represent the informal group of Save Crystal Lake Golf Course. The gentleman before me would give you the impression that nobody plays golf at Crystal Lake, that the facility is underused, and that is completely wrong. During the hot summers, sure, it's not used as much as it is during the winter, but my girlfriend owns a condo on the 14th green, 15th tee, and besides me being a regular golfer there, I see the golf activity quite a bit, all right? Unfortunately, by having this meeting at this time of year, a lot of the owners of houses and condos along this golf course aren't in town. We all know they're snowbirds. Many of them are Canadians who have bought their property because it is on a golf course. And they come down here every winter with the specific intent of living on a golf course and playing that golf course. Now, I've talked to, I don't know, maybe 100. I don't want to falsely uh, inflate that number. But about 100 who regularly play at Crystal Lake Golf Course and others like my girlfriend who's not a golfer, but her and her mother love the fact that they bought a condo on a golf course on a big open green space where they're seeing all these birds all the time. My uh, girlfriend's mother is looking out her balcony with binoculars. I played this golf course. If you all have never been there, besides it being a beautiful golf course, and maybe you all aren't golfers, but I played there this past Thursday, teed off on the 10th hole to begin with, and saw a very large flock of ibis. Now, if you know the birds ibis, you're used to seeing white ibis. Well, most of this flock was the young brown and gray ones. A very large, healthy flock of ibis, and most of them were youth. By the time we got to the first hole, our 10th hole that day, they were all alongside on the rocks along the lake, and it was a beautiful thing seeing all these birds. Besides the ibis, there's a whole lot of Egyptian geese that make this course your home. You see a couple herons out there. There's a whole bunch of iguanas on this course. There's regular ducks. So before you just go, oh, let's ax the golf course. According to this lawyer's uh, information, fewer people are playing it. That's false, okay? But it's also a beautiful open green space. And is it a scam for people to buy property on a golf course? 
They're selling two condos right now. Thank and you. And then to take the zoning away from them when they had the understanding they were buying golf course property. Thank you very much. Mr. I Watson. pray you do the smart thing thank and the you. righteous thing. Okay. So we need to stick to our three minutes. Otherwise, everybody has to run over. Um, could you please be mindful of the three-minute time limit? I know you want to say something, and I know it's passionate, but I, I thank you for being here. Please stick to the time. The next person is Martin Osborne, followed by Jerry Lee. Please come forward. Good morning. Um, I wanted to state that I oppose bulldozing Crystal Lake Golf Course and converting it to houses. I hope that you will all reject this, this uh, proposal. I believe your primary obligation is the safety and quality of life for the current residents of Broward County, not developers, not businesses, and not for envisioned future residents. Quality of life entails clean air, water, open, unpaved, and non-developed land, beautiful land. We're currently, the current period that we're living in now has been referred to recently as the sixth extinction, mass extinction. And part of that is because of man's impact on the environment. I want to encourage you to halt this development. It's a beautiful um, land, as several people have spoken to. I play golf on that course regularly. There are wild animals all over there using it. That's right, I've just seen also, there's a bunch of baby ibises on that course. There are uh, raccoons. There are hawks that live there. There are migratory birds that stop by in the wintertime on their way to South America. It's, it's, it's necessary for quality of life. You keep developing all of the land that's down here. The, Broward County is nothing like it used to be. It's really a disgrace. If you look at it, no one from Florida moves into Broward County anymore. They know that it's really become a cesspool. It's really horrible. People from Broward County are moving north and getting out of this place because we came here for the beautiful land, the open space. Now, as you know, because you've tried to increase taxes to support um, uh, mass transit and also um, raising some money to uh, work on the traffic lights, and the, the voters of the county rejected it because they don't want continued development. We have terrible congestion here, and this is just going to add to it. I read the report that says that there is, uh, that this is not going to impact traffic, but each and every development does continue to, to uh, add to that. Lastly, there was a state amendment, I think it was last time, to preserve and protect the land in the state of Florida, and I think overwhelmingly by 70%, the voters of the state told their representatives, whether it's a local or a state, we want the land protected and to start buying up land. Developing this land is going against what the voters and the residents want. They want nature, land, grass, trees. They don't want any more pavement and houses. Uh, and I just want to thank you, and I want you to please consider all of those that the current residents want. You cannot grow to infinity. You need to understand and figure out how to coexist with an environment the way it is. We're running out of land. You can't just keep developing everything we have. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please oppose this. The next speaker is Jerry Lee, followed by Stefan Hoyer. Hello, I'm Jerry Lee, 4311 Crystal Lake Drive. I'm sure you're all aware of all my letters. I really hope you got through every single one of them. They are all very, very important. I may have made a mistake in Mr. Rosenzweig's forecast for the for the population. 
in our future. I have it in our minutes from the Planning and Zoning Board meeting that he stated it is 40 to 50% increase in the next 20 to 30 years. That is his forecast. I want to make that correct in all of my letters. Second, an attachment one of the Broward County Planning Council Supplemental Report, Public Services and Facilities of the Parks and Open Space, paragraph. The City of Deerfield Beach has 381.6 acres in its parks and open space inventory. If you allow this land use change to be made, you're going to have to subtract 109 acres from that. That will leave you 272.6 acres of open space land for Deerfield Beach. With your ratio of three acres to every 1,000 people, that would then take it to a maximum population with 272 acres of open space. Your maximum population for Deerfield Beach will then become 90,866. Are you willing to tell Deerfield Beach they must stop their population at this number? Is Deerfield Beach willing to stop at this number? We cannot afford to lose this open space. Plus, we have burrowing owls. Did you see that email? Burrowing owls that are nesting in our golf course. This is our beautiful land here in Deerfield Beach. I can see that this does not interest some people, but it does interest most of us in the community. Do not vote for this. This is the wrong thing to do for this, for this city, this town, the county. Make it into a county park if you have to. Call for public space or public land. Make it a county park. Make it a state park. Do what you have to do. This is the last golf course that's available open to the public at an affordable golf course price. Please review all of those opinions one more time. Everybody came through. I'm going to yield. Thank you. The next speaker is Stefan Hoyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for letting me speak. Thank I am the know. developer of the property, and I uh, wanted to come up here and uh, ad address some of the, the, the questions and also state my intentions for this property uh, not only today, but in the very long future from now. I understand that there are still a few residents that oppose this property, and I understand and I take your concerns very seriously. I, I know that it's a big change. Um, we did have been involved in this project for another, uh, about a year, a year and a half now. And uh, from the very beginning, we've been very <laughs> open and try to communicate with as many uh, uh, Chris, uh, residents around the Crystal Lake Golf Course who were interested in uh, what our plans were. And um, excuse me, Mr. Hoyer, I'm going to stop your clock for a second. In this chambers, we do not yell out while others are speaking. If you disagree with it, you must keep your comments to yourself. This is considered a civil place. As such, we conduct our business civilly. Mr. Hoyer is going to continue to speak now, and I would like for you to refrain from doing that. Thank you. Thank Mr. you, Mr. Hoyer. Thank you, Ms. Mayor. Um, so while we've been trying to accommodate all requests by, by uh, making uh, the, the property completely waterfront, uh, creating more retention that, uh, than that's required, uh, building an EMS station in the area that's currently underserved by that need, uh, and also uh, being, uh, being dedicated to providing a traffic signal once it's warranted by the county and completely paying for the costs, uh, and furthermore, 
uh, building uh, a three, over three-acre public park uh, is some of the things that we have listened to and tried to accommodate. And it breaks my heart a little bit that I cannot accommodate and try to do the best for everybody. Um, but uh, I, I promise you that if this is a project that you allow to move forward today, that not only doing these approvals, but doing construction and well after construction, I will be personally involved, my team will be personally involved to ensure that if there's any, any requests, any issues, whether it's people that feels like there's too much dust during construction, we'll be on it and we will, we will look out for the neighbors as much as we can, I promise you that. Um, as it relates to the birds and, and the trees, I, I, I actually enjoy trees and I believe it's very important to provide habitat. We are saving most of the current trees on the, on the golf course and adding even more trees. Um, all I can say is I, I promise that I'm going to do the very best to be a great neighbor to uh, the ones who want me to be a good neighbor to them and, and do the best for this community. Uh, and you got my word on that. So thank you very much. Thank you. The last speaker that I have signed up on item number 112 is Mr. Eric Power. Mr. Power, do you desire to speak at this time? I know you put for questions. Would, do you want to speak at this time or you want to just wait for questions? Okay, he's representative from the city of Deerfield Beach and he's here for any questions. So at this time, I'm going to close the public hearing portion of this item. I'm going to come back to this dais. Commissioners, is there anyone that wishes to speak on this item? Commissioner Geller, followed by LaMarca, followed by you, Dean. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. As I said earlier, Mr. Mealy is my former law partner. Uh, and therefore, as I said earlier, until my final compensation comes out, I am abstaining because of a potential conflict only, which means I will not be leaving the dais, and I ask that the minutes reflect that. Thank you, Minutes Secretary, is that noted? Thank you. Okay, Commissioner LaMarca. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Ms. Henry, can I have uh, Ms. Boy come up to the podium? Ms. Blake Boy. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you just had a question on some numbers that were provided with regard to uh, green space, open space, um, okay. and then I want to get into no something else after that on the, okay. the uh, designation of the property. Sure, attachment one, uh, the supplemental report for the recreation open space analysis. The 381.6 acres that the city of Deerfield Beach has in its certified table, um, actually when you're counting <coughs> golf courses, per the county plan, you can only count up to 50% of a single golf course up to 15% of your requirement. So on the city's certified table, of the three golf courses that they have right now, they're only counting 36.6 total acres towards that total. Once this golf course is, re if this golf course is removed from that, they actually won't lose acreage because that 15% will still be reflected in the other two courses that are there. So there will be no loss of open space, three acres per thousand residents requirement of the county plan um, based on this amendment. And the other two courses that are there are? The other two courses are the um, Century Village uh, Golf Course and the Deer Creek Golf Course. Okay. When, when, and uh, does public have access to either of those? Um, I would actually defer to the city. I'm sorry, I was I was asking the young lady. Yes, <laughs> I know the answer to the question, but I'm asking her. <laughs> Sir, I'm going to okay. have you removed um, from these chambers if you keep yelling so out. So, 
with with regard to uh, okay, so I get my answer from from the dais, but nonetheless, okay. Um, with respect to the process, Ms. Boy, of mm -hmm. this coming here, we are a stop and a change in use, but this must go back to the city commission. Is that correct? Right. So every amendment that you see before you has been transmitted by the local government. In this case, the city of Deerfield Beach transmitted the amendment to the Broward County Planning Council for a proposed land use plan amendment. Um, I went to the Planning Council in March for its first public hearing. We had two public speakers at that meeting. It came back to the County Commission for consideration of transmittal to the state review agencies, I believe in uh, late April. Um, it came back to the Planning Council for its second public hearing um, in June. We had two speakers at that meeting also. Um, and now it's here for your consideration for adoption. The local amendment will also continue through its process. Once the County Commission um, adopts that, they will consider the local version of the amendment for adoption. Okay. Um, this isn't the first time we've had this situation, a similar situation before us. Uh, one was in the city of Fort Lauderdale, one was in the city of Deerfield Beach on the east side of town. Um, one was in Coral Springs. I think there's been four or five since I've been on this dais. So this is privately owned property, is that correct? That's correct, it's privately owned. Um, I was just pulling up on the, um, just on the aerial photo, um, just so that you could, we could get a visual of the course. And then to the north of there was the former Tam O'Shanter golf course, mm -hmm. and 50 of those acres were dedicated to open space. Um, in addition, there's an open space commitment as part of this amendment for another five acres of open space that would be maintained on the city's um, uh, open space uh, acreage. Okay. okay. Um, from a standpoint of, so we, we, we're a middle portion of this, and a lot of times we're asked whether it's a protected tree or something that, that a uh, group of advocates want to stop, they come here. Well, really, it's a city. It's a local. It's, it, I'm not of mind to preempt the city on what their business wants to be, and we've heard from the city. But, but separate from that, what can, okay, uh, if... Uh, oh, Mr. Hoyer, if he, if he decides he does not want to run, pay, pay to run the sure. golf course anymore, if he is the owner of that land, what, what else can they do with that land? Sure. This designation is commercial res, uh, recreation currently. It's not recreation open space. So commercial uh, recreation is a more liberal category. Um, active and passive recreation uses, hotel, motels, and similar lodging accessory to the principal use. Um, outdoor and indoor recreation facilities, uh, such as act, um, active recreation complexes, kind of like a boomers kind of thing, uh, marinas, stadiums, high life, frontons, bowling alleys, golf courses, um, dog and horse racing. Those are all acceptable uses in commercial recreation. And then also recreation vehicle sites, uh, temporary or permanent. And then also any accessory facilities um, that the local government determines um, is acceptable and supportive of the primary recreation use. Okay. Um, you, you probably couldn't speak on behalf of the, the, the landowner, the developer, but from, from a standpoint of, of all of those uh, uses, um, actually, if, if I might, um, Ms. Henry, can I ask the developer to come back up for a moment? Sure question. Mayor. Or Mayor. Yes. Could Mr. Mealy and, and Mr. Hoyer come up, please? I'm not telegraphing my, uh, my intent because... I don't usually do that, but I guess from from a standpoint to get this, as much information as possible, um, if, if for some reason uh, we were not to change this uh, use so that so that uh, residential can be can be built on, and then let me just state uh, for the record that I received a few phone calls from residents from all around Deerfield Beach 
that were supportive of residential component because of the tax base in the city. I just want to get that on the record. So if you were not to have the ability to do uh, residential here, what would be what would be a, a use of this if you're not? Uh, I guess the question is, are you making money on the golf course? Because um, we heard from our friends uh, in Hollywood that they're subsidizing a golf course for half a million dollars a year. What else would be the next uh, uh, most cost-effective use? Let me say it that way. Um, Dennis Mealy again on behalf of the applicant. Uh, Commissioner, I can tell you that on numerous occasions in the past where we've had to analyze these alternatives, we look at the uses that uh, Ms. Boy mentioned. Uh, to, uh, before the Tamashaner course to the north became a city park on the east side and a cemetery on the west side, which actually was what the residents asked for. Pretty quiet, we huh? Were hmm? Pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> we were analyzing all the options, and one of the things we had proposed to do was a water park, and that would be allowed under commercial recreation. Um, there's not a lot of good uses. There's not a lot of good financial uses in there, but there's some. And okay. I think they would have much more traffic and much more impact on the neighbors than what we're doing. Also, I forgot to mention, but Mr. Hoyer did. We're not only dedicating landfill, but we are building an EMS station for the city because this area was annexed from unincorporated Broward a number of years ago, and it has very slow response times for EMS. So we volunteered to do that. Okay, one, one final question on that point. Has the city, with the city being here, is the city committing to staff that uh, EMS with their fire rescue? Yes, we've already met with the city manager and the fire chief. The city uses Broward County Sheriff's Office Fire Department, and they will staff it. Okay. Thank you. I don't have no further questions. Um, on a piggyback for that, um, Mr. Eric Power, you said you're here representing the city of Deerfield Beach. Can you come forward? You asked all of them except that one. Is the city supportive of this? Well, the city it will not advocate for or against any project, but this project has met all requirements for a land use plan that the city has requested to the applicant. Has the city voted uh, up or down for this project? Well, the, the item, you know, it's going up the ladder and down the ladder for the land use plan. So this item is scheduled for September 19th city commission meeting for the, the LUPA agreement. Um, at previous agreements, the city has voted, city commission has voted unanimously to approve it. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, is that uh, prior? Let me just, just um, clear, so I'm clear. When was that uh, vote? I can tell you the dates if you want. Back in September of last year. September 16, 2016. 2016. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, the next person in queue is Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Ryan. Just to add some context to this, because I'm the representative on the Broward Planning Council, um, most of these arguments came up at a couple vigorous planning council meetings and debates that we had on this. And when we saw the end product was, and, and Commissioner Lamarca asked a lot of the questions that were asked at the planning council, the use was much less intensive than what could legally be put on there right now. Most of the residents, or many of the residents, were in favor of the idea. The concepts that were brought up today at this meeting were also brought up, and, and I agree with a lot of them, uh, and, and the issues were made at the Planning Council, and there were satisfactory answers to everybody on the Planning Council, up to and including, if I'm, I'm going by memory, I believe the mayor of Deerfield Beach was asked if Deerfield was in a position to purchase the course and run it as a nine-hole golf course or some kind of golf course, and Deerfield is not in position to do that. They, Deerfield voted unanimously in favor of this um, of this proposal. 
Um, and, and, and I think they mentioned at the meeting, and again, I'm going by memory, that there was another public course, Deer Creek, which we know is right very close to this. Um, there were other public courses in the area, and the schematics that they drew and they presented to all of us at the backup of the Planning Council showed buffering, water features, and an extremely nice community that fit into the context of the neighborhood. And I believe it passed the Planning Council close to unanimous, if or, or yeah, yeah. So, and there's, I think there's 14 or 15 people in the Planning Council. All these questions were hashed out. So I'm gonna support this today. Um, I, I just think that there's no other alternative. You can't force a private owner to keep subsidizing something at a loss, and I'd hate to see a Boomers or a water park go in there when we desperately need some housing that satisfies the affordability areas in the neighborhood. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan? A number of concerns were voiced by uh, the speakers here this morning um, regarding the impact of this development. Uh, one issue that was raised concerned the uh, transportation impact. Uh, I want to respond to the comments made by one of the speakers who stated that uh, the uh, referendum that was before the voters in the last election with regard to uh, a tax for transportation. That particular question was um, approved by a majority of the voters, 51% to 49%. It was tied to a question that had been advocated by uh, the municipal members of the Metropolitan Planning Organization to include an infrastructure tax. The voters uh, rejected that proposal to tax themselves for infrastructure improvements by more than 21 percentage points. Just to clarify the record. Thank you. Commissioner Bogan to close. Well, I don't know about to close, but um, I'll, I'd like to um, first of all say I also, as Commissioner Lamarca, I also received many phone calls um, uh, in support of this. Um, and, um, and based on speakers today who are opposing it and phone calls I received in supporting, um, I look to the Planning Council of Approval, I look to the local officials, the city of Deerfield has approved it, and therefore, based on, on the city officials approving it, which represents the local committee and the Planning Council, and I've gotten both sides, I'm going to uh, support it as well. Thank you. Okay, so that was the final commissioner that I had in queue. That was what I meant by closing. And um, it's back to this day. Uh, I need a motion. Move it. Se second. All those in favor of item number 112, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that that passes eight with one abstention. Okay, so that disposes of item number 12, 112. Item number 113 is a motion to enact an ordinance amending the Broward County Comprehensive Plan to adopt Broward County Land Use Plan Map Amendment PC 17-7 in the City of Plantation Commission District 5. This, um, on item number 113, I only have one audience speaker for questions only. At this time, I have opened it to the public. Is there anyone else that wishes to be heard on item number 113? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to this day is for approval. Second. All those in favor of item 113 signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show that item 113 passes unanimously. Item number 113, 114 is a motion to adopt a resolution, the title of which is follows. A resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, 
pertaining to the Environmental Protection and Growth Management Department, amending Section 40.23 of the Broward County Administrative Code. Um, there are no audience speakers signed up on item 114. Is there anyone from the audience that wishes to be heard on item number 114? Seeing none, the public hearing is closed. Back to this dais. Move it. Second. All those in favor of item 114, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Let the record show item 114 passes unanimously. Item number 115 is a motion to hold a drawing to award 25 taxi cab certificates of public convenience and necessity certificates and nine luxury sedan certificates to qualified applicants as authorized by the Byrd County Board of County Commissioners on June 13, 2017, public hearing item number 39. At this time, I would open this um, item up to the public. I do not have any public speaker sign-ups. Um, the public speaking portion of this item is now closed. Um, may, um, staff will now select the winning lottery numbers and then read those numbers into the record. After the winning, uh, winning ticket numbers are read, if any member of the audience has questions, please exit the rear doors of the chambers and staff will meet you there to address your questions. <laughs> You, you have a question? Okay, sure. Commissioner Lamarca? Mayor, if I might, it, it's, uh, it's not this exact item, but it is certainly this topic. Um, and I don't know if we would cover it, um, being that we're going to a meeting straight from this, uh, if we had a non-agenda, but there was a 90-day extension request for the United Drivers of Broward with regard to the wheelchair deadline. Um, are we able to address this in this body? Not, not, to, not on this item. No, um, when we, you, at some point. You could informally give us some direction regarding bringing back any necessary ordinance change. It would require an ordinance change to extend the 90-day deadline. Okay. We, can I make yes. that motion? Sure. To make a motion that Cool. Can we, I lay this on the table first so there's sure. no confusion? Sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay item number 115 on the table temporarily. For Commissioner Lamarca to insert a new motion. Thank you. Uh, with regard to a request that was given to probably all of our offices, the United Drivers of Broward, Inc., uh, the, uh, the request was for a 90-day extension of the wheelchair deadline uh, for those licensed uh, license vehicles that are uh, in process uh, that make a motion that we extend that 90 days. Second. All those in favor of the motion on the floor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Aye. We'll bring Let, back the necessary ordinance change to that effect. Okay. Let the record show that. His motion. Go ahead. To br bring back an item that uh, will give will give us the ability to vote an extension. On, on the, the United Drivers of Broward licenses that were the independent licenses that were that were uh, granted um, prior to the summer for 90 days. It's separate and apart from what we're getting ready to vote on. He, this is a new motion that he's just brought forward to give direction to the county attorney's office on the extension of the um, a 90 day extension on the United Drivers of Broward of Broward's request. the wheelchair licenses we issued before. No time. Thank you. Okay. All right. So with the minutes, Secretary, reflect that that um, motion passed on an eight to zero because I don't have permission. You want it nine? Okay. Commissioner Geller is right there. He'd like to be shown as um, voting in the affirmative. Thank you. Okay. So now I'll take item number 115 off the table. I believe the staff have the numbers 
the, the winning um, tickets staff. Can you read those winning tickets? Yes, um, Joe Jean for consumer environmental and consumer protection. Uh, the taxi driver only numbers are 2034, 2102, 2123, 2001 2054, 2072, 2069, 1006, 1006, 1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1026-1
Yes, sir. It says District 2, uh, Kokomar Water District. Where, where is that? Where is the Kokomar? Is that Coconut Creek? Coral Spring? It's, it's uh, I believe it's Coconut there. Creek. Do I have a staff person that can explain? John Krause, if you could come to the podium. Had a, had a discussion about this, but it's been a long time ago, Commissioner. The location. Just, explain. Good morning. John Krause, Water Management Division Director. Yes, it's mostly Coconut Creek with a little portion of Margate, hence the name Kokomar. <laughs> you learn something new every day. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, item number one. Well, here's another one coming for you. Item number um, 118, I need a motion to open the meeting as the governing board of the Water Control District. Number four. Okay. Yeah, Water Control District number four. Do I have a motion? Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. The meeting is now open. Item B is a motion to approve the reappointment of Jill Sarver to the Water Control District number four advisory board for the two-year term of September the 9th, 2017 to September the 8th, 2019. Can I have a motion? Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. All opposed, let the record show that um, that motion was approved. Item C is a motion to close the meeting as the governing board of the Water Control District Number 4. Can I please have a motion? Okay. <laughs> All in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, let the record show that, that the, motion is, uh, the meeting as the governing board of Water Control District Number 4 is now closed. Now we're on to regular agenda. The first item on our regular agenda is item number 119. It is a delegation request by Eric Kozlowski, Aaron Kozlowski, representing the Special Olympics. Hi, good afternoon to you all. Thank you so much for allowing Special Olympics to present today. It's really an honor to be here with all of you. Um, my name is Erin Kozlowski. I'm a Senior Vice President for Special Olympics Florida, and I'm here today with my lovely colleague, Linda Mills, who has been a Broward County Special Olympics Director for over 20 years. We're here to describe our program and to request financial support for county transportation for our athletes within Broward County to get from their homes to our different venues for training and competition. We currently serve over 6,000 athletes in Broward County with year-round sports training, competitions, and medical care. 1,000 of these athletes need transportation in order to get to all of the things that we provide. We provide all of our services at absolutely no cost to the athletes and their families, which is crucial because 65% of all of our participants live at or below the poverty level. We serve anybody who has an intellectual disability who is age two and above, there's no age limit. This includes the entire autism spectrum, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, fragile X syndrome, and any intellectual disability. I will now have Linda Mills explain the impact that you all can achieve by supporting us. Thank you for this opportunity to uh, bring our proposal to you today. 
Um, as Aaron said, Special Olympics in Broward County serves over 6,100 athletes, unified partners, and young athletes. But we have the potential to serve almost 50,000 individuals with intellectual disabilities, developmental disabilities, and autism. Transportation issues are the number one barrier to us achieving this goal. A few weeks ago, I had a chance to talk to one of my athletes named Jesse. He first participated in Special Olympics when he was in middle and high school. Then, after he graduated, he moved into a supportive living situation that was on the other side of town. He lost touch with his friends and his fellow athletes. Then two years ago, one of his friends found him on Facebook um, using social media, and they reconnected, and Reggie asked um, Jesse, come back and join our teams. Well, it just so happened that Reggie's teams all practice at Nova Southeastern University. That's about 10 and a half miles from... Um, Jesse's house to go and reconnect with his friends. So um, since then, he has been going out there by either private uh, transportation, which um, costs him, I'm sorry, it's a two hour, if he goes by public transportation, it's a two hour bus ride out there. Then he has to walk from the bus stop almost one mile to the actual training facility on Nova Southeastern University. He practices for an hour and a half and then takes that two-hour bus ride back home. He has um, used Uber before, and it's a 20-plus one-way trip when he's using Uber. Jesse only has a part-time job at the AMC theaters, and it takes most of that income for him to become or to keep up his part in Special Olympics. He loves being in Special Olympics. Since being back in the program, he's lost over 45 pounds in the last two years. He eats healthier foods because he knows this will help him be a better athlete. He is thrilled to have his social life back and be with his old friends and make new friends because of Special Olympics. He told me that being back in Special Olympics is the best thing that's happened to him. So that's why we're here asking you to help us provide transportation so that we can provide our program to even more athletes and consistently to those athletes who are already a part of our program here in Broward County. Thank you. At this time, um, I'm going to come back to the dais. I know that you had been um, speaking to Commissioner Geller, and also Commissioner Bogan has asked to speak. Um, Commissioner Geller, since I know yours is going to be a little bit longer, I'm going to go ahead and let Commissioner Bogan speak, and then I'll go right back to you. Okay? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Commissioner Bogan. You know, um, Special Olympics is a great organization, so I want to tell you right up front, I think you have a great organization. However, there's the but. How do I, as a commissioner, approve transportation? Well, then every other great organization wants money for transportation. Like tomorrow, the Boys and Girls Club, and, and so I got an issue. I mean, I could see maybe we can give you free, uh, free passes on all of our public transportation, maybe our, 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 you know, what we have going, but I need to hear, maybe from my other commissioners, tomorrow the Boys and Girls Club are going to want transportation. And then after that, another organization. I love your organization, don't get me wrong. But in, in determining dollars and how they're spent, um, you know, I, I certainly want to help. And um, I certainly would be for giving them free trans uh, passes if we have them, free train, bus, whatever we can do on a tri-county or own county basis. But, but. I need to hear of what do we do when the next wonderful organization says you help them, what are you going to do to us? So, so 
really, you will be having a tremendous impact on the future of Broward County because every single one of our athletes could potentially be solely dependent on Broward County for food and housing for the rest of their lives. But it is a fact that 54% of Special Olympics athletes are employable, while the rest of the intellectually disabled population in your community is at 10%. So you're gonna be changing the future. These people are going to be able to have careers, they're going to be able to have social lives, and they will not be dependent on you. But what does that have to do with what I just said? Because all of the rest of these organizations all of those people don't have intellectual disabilities, and so they do have the ability to just go out and get any job. That's, it's totally different. For Special Olympics athletes, they need an extra support system, and we need the support from you to be able to bring them and to participate. So you're distinguishing yourself, saying that the, the, the people who participate in Special Olympics don't have the ability to get maybe access to money on their own or have jobs on their own, while, where you're saying other organizations those people will and I'm saying that other organizations may just be um, supporting people who are living at like a very low socioeconomic level but there are still jobs that they can go out and get whereas people with intellectual disabilities have been um, classically conditioned for years to feel that they shouldn't go out and do any of these things and so what Special Olympics does for them is it gives them the confidence and the self-esteem that they need to be able to go out and take that step to get employment and the difference is that anybody who's participating in the Boys and Girls Club is not going to be able to claim disability and have you fund their food and housing for the rest of their lives the way our athletes could. I, I, I just used them as an example. I didn't mean right. just the Boys and Girls Club. Okay, I, I'm going to let the, the other commissioners chime in. Okay. Commissioner Geller? Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, and Commissioner Bogan, you raised a good point, which I'll, I'll, I'll touch on in my brief remarks. But I've worked closely with the developmental disability community in the past, and I've met with them. I've met with uh, uh, Paul Strobis, the paratransit manager, and Chris uh, Walton trying to figure out what can be done. There's a threshold issue which I wanted to bring to this uh, dais to decide whether or not there should be any funding. Well, let me tell you what, I've, what I think we've worked out. I think having met with them that we can actually really accomplish what they want, not for the million 90,000 that they're asking for, but probably for a number between 175,000 and 250,000. Before, there, and there's some questions. If we're going to proceed on this, you know, having met with the county attorney, we want to make sure that we do this in a fashion that there is no legal liability for the county. Uh, their request is currently that, um, or as we're working, that only children under over 13 would be eligible for these. And there may be a question whether or not it's appropriate, whether a person with developmental disabilities at 13 is old enough to be in a cab without any uh, adults, although we presume that in most cases there'll be an adult with them, but that's another question. But what I wanted this board to do a policy decision on, following up on what Commissioner Bogan is, to authorize us to proceed to negotiations to come back to this board, to come up with a program that will accomplish what they want. We think it can be done between 175,000 and 250,000, not the million 90 that they're asking for. But before we did that, we needed direction from the board as to whether or not it 
we want to fund this at all. And Commissioner Bogan, just to follow up on what she was saying, one of the important things and the reason that we were finally able to pass insurance for children with autism is because we realized that if you properly fund uh, education, training, things like that, while children are younger, you can make them productive for the rest of their lives. And if you do not provide these types of things, then what's going to happen is these people will be, if you can use the phrase, wards of the state for their entire lives. It seemed that the investment is certainly needs to be treated as an investment. But of course, I could say the same thing about Boys and Girls Clubs as well. I recognize your viewpoint. That's a very good example of investment now will reap a multiple return in later years. So I want direction from the board. If we're willing to fund it, I think it can be done between 175 and 250, and I will follow up in with negotiations with them. But we need to reach that threshold question first. Um, Commissioner Geller, is um, this is this an annual ask? Yes, ma'am. This is a recurring number that they're okay. asking for. Okay. Um, the next person in queue is Commissioner Chip Lamarca. Thank you, Mayor. I, I, I want, just want to state, uh, number one, I'm uh, on the honorary board for many, many years for uh, Special Olympics Broward County, and uh, I know the work they do with not just the annual event, at Nova Southeastern, but in many other sports and uh, the way they touch members of our community. Uh, we had a uh, function with the Knights of Columbus out at Central Regional Park last uh, two weeks ago and uh, very well attended from athletes from all around the county um, and members of the community to support and help. Um, so I'm very supportive of, of finding a way to utilize our existing resources uh, or some way within that. And I had a, a similar meeting with uh, uh, both uh, Mr. Walton and Strobus and uh, support getting to a point where we can offer something like this within our, our county uh, resource, our county services. Um, I would say that if you bring up, if, if other organizations come where there's a legitimate need, I know in the past uh, many, many of the resources that, for example, Boys and Girls Club use are uh, school buses. Well, their big, their big issue for resources is when uh, we're in summertime and those, those resources aren't there. Um, if we can do for one, we could probably do for those who can show the same need, but um, they're not here right now. Uh, Special Olympics is here. So um, I'm supportive of this, and I want to try to find a way to, to utilize what we have with, within Broward County, and we have uh, quite a uh, transportation division, so uh, our department, so I'd like to figure out how we can do that. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Rich, followed by Holness. Um, this is a little painful <laughs> um, because I think there's not a person up here that does not appreciate the work that Special Olympics does. And I have been in the legislature and voted on funding. But I have to say that I, 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 have, a, I have a problem with um, something not being a part of a process. You talked about policy, but there's also process. We have many providers in this community. We passed today the Children's Services Board money for special needs children. These are for so many providers in our community that provide for special needs children. And those children are facing the same barriers and the same issues that these children face. So we have people who went through a process through the Children's Services Board, and then we have, you know, someone who's coming here to us to ask, 
for recurring dollars, which is out of uh, kind of sync with all these other providers in our community like ARC, CDTC, all these wonderful people who, you know, every year come and uh, go through RFP process. I mean, I, I um, you know, I, I guess I'm saying, you know, I would be willing to look at something for this year, but I would not be willing to go to recurring because I think it's unfair to all the other people and all the other providers that provide for special needs children in our communities. So, um, you know, I don't know exactly where we go for, from here, but I mean, if we want to add more money in the budget to the Children's Services Board, I'm all in favor. Let's add money there and then put everything through a process rather than coming through and not really us not knowing what debate, what dialogue has <coughs> taken place to get to where the people were today that came in and put in a, a, a proposal to us for over $13 million that went through an RFP process. Thank you. Commissioner Holness? Yes. It, what you do is great. It's good that people move and, 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 and exercise and, and participate in sports. It does great for them, their health, for their mental state. But in this process, I'm wondering where we're going to find the funds from. And it's recurring. And, and we've been through a process, and they're competing interests. There are other folks out there who needs, it, needs funds also. Not that your cause isn't a great cause. It is. Uh, but at the end of the day, how do we leapfrog over those other folks and do this? It, it, it's a challenge. Uh, and the amount is quite a bit, and it's recurring. And I'm thinking, for this kind of money, we could buy you a couple of vans. And, and you find some volunteers and take care of it, rather than having a recurring amount. But we're still going to have to figure out where we get the funds from. Uh, so, I mean, a million is a lot of money. And even when we go down to 175000 to 250000 it's still quite a bit of uh, nice. recurring cost. So I, we have a budget uh, workshop in, in a few minutes. Uh, I think that's probably the place that uh, this discussion ought to be held in, in the budget process. Thank you. I'm going to close by saying this, that um, coming before us and asking for a request, that's appropriate. She's doing the appropriate thing. When a public has a, a request of this board and it concerns funding, we have to put it on as an item and it has to come on as a delegation request. So her um, actions are appropriate. So I appreciate the fact that you have followed the protocol and putting it on the agenda for discussion. Secondly, um, the reoccurring aspect of it does have to be addressed during the budget process and we're in the process of budget and so it is appropriate for us to include it in one of our budget discussions and have uh, more uh, in-depth and detailed pro um, thought, you know, thought behind it in a discussion. And so uh, while today um, there may not be consensus to do reoccurring, there is an opportunity to have this presented in our budget discussions and maybe at some point we can find some level of funding for it. But it, it, you did appropriately, you did a fine job, you do a great job. We appreciate you coming here. Um, at this time, Commissioner Geller, I know you said you wanted to proffer a motion. Yes, Madam Mayor, I, I'm looking for direction from the board to come to further refine a plan to come up 
with a proposal for approximately $200,000 to work with specifically the county attorney who raised some concerns to work with the transportation people to work with the Special Olympics for one year. Obviously, we're not binding any future government, but I'm looking for direction from the board as to whether or not this is something that we should be proceeding with now for a one-year so $200,000 like appropriation. Would you like to add it into the budget discussion so that it can be, um, you can have time to work out what your ask is? Um, okay. Uh, I'm just trying, like I said, I was just looking for direction from the board at this point in time. If the direction from the board is to take no action now, but put this into the budget uh, discussions, that's an action. If the board wishes to say, sounds good, bring us back a firm proposal, that'll give us time to negotiate something. I'm uh, at the pleasure of the board, Madam Mayor. Okay, at this point, Vice Mayor Furr. Thank you, thank you, and thank you for being here today. And I think all of us, as everybody said, appreciate everything you're doing. But I think I would prefer right now to refer this to our transportation department for consideration for to let them they they know how to get around in this county and maybe they can come up with some ideas that would that would before we think about what we're funding what's a, what's the best way of getting people from a to b and 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 letting it and maybe working with our transportation department finding out where everybody is i know they're everywhere but you know what are some possibilities and i think that makes more sense okay to, to start we've, off with. we've already done that when I talked with them yesterday, they, they were suggesting this still needs to happen. Okay. So that's why I'm saying this. So these things can occur at the same time. Sure. So what we can do is um, we can have this uh, item, <coughs> this discussion, go back to staff under the purview of our of Chris Walton, our transportation director, and he can further work to develop what the actual need in terms of dollars is going to be and that can be incorporated into our budget workshop and our discussion on what we can fund from our general fund. Okay? I think, yes. I mean, Commissioner Galvin has always been here. You can make a motion, you can vote on it. Well, that's what I'm trying to help him to craft the motion that he wants to vote on. If he wants to vote it up or down today, that's fine. You want to vote up or down on the 200,000 or do you want to go back and do it? Madam Mayor, I'm not, Thank you, thank you, Commissioner Bogan. There's no finalized program to vote on today because we have not completed the negotiations. Again, county attorney raised some specific concerns that have to be worked out with transportation, and we need to come up with the exact numbers, and they've suggested that through negotiations we can lower the numbers. We don't want to do all of that if this board's position is we don't want to give them, let's say, $200,000 because they didn't go through a process. If the, so what I was here just looking for is direction from the board. If we can do this for approximately 200000 and we can work it out, is this something that the board is willing to do? I would move that Okay, if, so that we pass something contingent on working those in the, items in the out. entire discussion, part yeah. of what I have to do is pay attention. Right. You don't have consensus today to vote this through. Okay. And I'm trying to craft it in a way so that you can come back before the board 
after budget discussions and try to um, get a resolution on it. But today, right now, I don't. You don't. Even, you don't have six. You don't have five. You don't have four. So everybody who has spoken, yeah, I don't even think you have three. But but from everybody who has spoken today, there's no consensus to move forward with the funding request, and we're trying to get you to the point where bo the board may be comfortable with that. And so my job is just to help you get yeah, there. Sir, I yeah. Think that at this point in time, uh, suggest that we postpone further discussion. I will continue to work and come back at a budget meeting with a finalized proposal, having completed negotiations. There you go. All righty. So at this time, that is the will of the commissioner. I thank you again for coming out, and uh, we are going to move forward. Thank you. Thank you so thank much you. for your time and thank you for your consideration. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The next item on our agenda <clears throat> is item number 121, and we are on the regular agenda still. There is, this item has um, motion A, B, C, D, and E. I do not have any public speakers signed up on this item. I need a motion on, on item 121 to vote on A, B, C, D, and E at one time. Wait. Yes, Commissioner Lamarca. Prior to you moving it, Mayor, if I might, uh, there was I, I received a concern from Henderson Behavioral Health with regard to um, the Homeless Continuum of Care uh, Advisory Board. Mm -hmm. um, is this something we want to touch on before we move forward? Did you sure. receive the same? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it was motioned and seconded. Okay. You can, you can discuss. So I'm not sure, is someone here from Intergovernmental Affairs? Mr. Labrador or somebody from? Oh, there's two. Ms. There's one, two. And Mr. All right, Labrador. Well, we, got, we got two out of three. Uh -huh. So if if I might, um, Ms. Campbell, are you here? If you could come to the podium as well. Um, I understand that there's been some, some discussions about um, that item, Commissioner Lamarca, that happened shortly after the meeting started. Okay. So I'd like to... Okay, and I'll just touch on this and you can address it, uh, whoever's okay. most, most appropriate. Um, right today to share my concern regarding the item on the commission agenda, it's this item A, sunset review recommendation attachment related to the homeless continuum of care board. If approved, this item result in the immediate removal of knowledgeable homeless service providers being able to serve on the board as advocates. The knowledge and commitment of the current advocates serving is important to moving our agenda of resolving homelessness forward in our community and goes on to say that it would decrease the representatives of the homeless providers and stakeholders council by one, which is unnecessary and will diminish knowledge. So. Prior to you moving forward, Commissioner Lamarca, what's on our screens? Gareth Curtis proposed design. Why, why is that up there? Public art. I don't know why it's on there. No. I don't know why. No, <laughs> oh, but it's being broadcast at the same time you're talking about this. I'm not sure if that's really good. I'm just glad they have a little pony along with the big horse. Well. Uh, it's not applicable to the discussion, but okay. It's, it's definitely not. <laughs> okay. So. Still up there. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Anyway, if I. Are they going to answer your question? I, I just, uh, Ms. Henry, if we could have someone from, uh, why don't we go with inter intergovernmental okay. affairs to find out why that was removed? Uh, or uh, Ms. Campbell to find out if that what I just read was a concern. They're going to, they're trying to modify this. <laughs> okay, Miss. There we go. Yeah, it takes a musician. Miss Campbell. <laughs> Good afternoon. 
Yes, ma'am. So, yes, yeah, so the council has uh, the chair position and the vice chair position both as seats on the continuum of care board. And so their recommendation is to remove the vice chair so that they, they already have the chair that represents them. So they don't need two seats. And then to replace that with a representative to uh, represent affordable housing. Okay. Is it, what, do you see any concern with, uh, with that statement I just read from, this, uh, from uh, Henderson? If I, if I might, and I think the issue is, if I, if I understand losing, this correctly, losing, losing someone on the board um, that's been involved and, and an advocate, and I thought that um, part of our discussions uh, really had centered around that you know vacancies come up on that board pretty routinely, and it's going to take some time for the ordinance changes to effectuate what has transpired, and our goal would be to obviously keep those individuals that are vested uh, in this issue. So we were trying to work through it from that way. And, and if anyone else has any other issues to add, please. That's correct. We're, we're making decisions that are in the best interest of the continuum of care board as opposed to individual people that serve in the seats, knowing that vacancies come up and the commission has the authority to appoint people into those seats wherever they see fit. But we want representation of both the hospital districts and affordable housing, which are two missing seats on that continuum of care board. And we can't let it get so big that it's so unwieldy that it's just too big. There's already 28 voting members, so. Okay, and then I'll see, uh, would pose a issue with uh, quorum as well. The larger you make the board, right. okay. Um, I, I wanted to bring it up because it was brought to my attention. That's really one of the purpose. Commissioner, uh, Vice Mayor, did you and I'll speak to it in a minute. Commissioner Rich. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I, I just want to say uh, um, that I, I serve as the uh, designee on this board from the County Commission. And um, I also just kind of learned about this uh, uh, kind of issue even though I knew obviously about the change in the, uh, uh, in, in the makeup of the board. But it does, I, I will say, uh, Commissioner Lamarca, that I, I do have some concerns about knowledgeable um, homeless advocates that have been there a long time. And I do agree, we don't do it, we don't fill slots because of people. We want to put the, the right agencies and organizations there. But sometimes my, my experience has been that um, some of the people who are advocates who can't be considered in the, for the advocate slot because they're involved or are part of an agency, which would give them a conflict, and then sometimes the people that are put in as advocates don't have quite you know, the experience and knowledge that the, the, these people had. So I, I, th I think that um, you know, we do need to make room for the affordable housing person. I think we do need to make room for the second hospital district so that we have both hospital districts. Um, but I, I think that um, it goes to the county, I believe, for reorganization, and it does take time. And I think that um, we need to you know, be mindful of the people who have a lot of skills that might you know, lose their positions on this board uh, as a result of the reorganization, and as uh, Kim mentioned, uh, there are, uh, you know, these, these slots are filled by committee, by commission appointments, and we need to make sure that the people that are appointed have that broad range um, of experience. And there, as you said, I mean, there are a couple of people who are caught in the middle of this right now who are extremely valuable people and, um, you know, hope that we would be able to uh, work it out so that they could 
uh, have positions uh, on the board. Thank you. Thank you. Vice Mayor Furr? Thank you. I'm okay with the, uh, with definitely with adding the, the extra hospital district, but on item number 10 of that, where it crosses out advocates for the homeless, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we should keep those people on there. Those are the people that are on work on it to me. On a regular basis. On a regular basis. They, uh, yes, there will be conflicts, but then they, they know when they, when they're not supposed to vote. So by legal, you know, they know when they have to recuse themselves and when they don't. Um, I would, I would proffer that we go ahead and pass this with, but um, take out the, the part of striking out the advocates for the homeless. So you're in favor of leaving one additional member on that board then? Yes. Well, it's saying, yes, you're right. Yes. Yes. You want to leave one additional member. Okay. So then how That's would correct. that work out when they get ready to vote? We have 29, you said? I hadn't counted them all. <laughs> well, you need to have an uneven number. Correct. Well, they were going to 28. Okay, so, what, so, you, what so do you have? Um, Eddie? Mr. Labrador. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, in, in, in respect to number 10, uh, I, I believe that when there was discussion before the Homeless Continuum of Care Board, there was a consideration of the fact that, you know, it's even though you're reducing, you're going from, from four to three members, uh, you are expanding that to include representatives of youth, family, and veterans, which are considered advocates for the homeless. Uh, right so now you're, you're, you're being more specific. And, and so the recommendation is to be more specific as to who those advocates are. And they're going to be representatives of youth, family, and veterans. So, okay. so there, was a, there, there was a bit of a compromise, as I understand it, uh, in doing that. And then... And, and, and the reductions is to take into consideration the additions that we're doing with respect to uh, the hospital districts and in some other areas. For example, there's also an addition, I believe, on page, uh, if you look at page 10, oh, and I'm, I'm on number 21 on page 9, yeah. which is the adding of the affordable housing developer. So there's a give and take. Uh, on, on moving the membership. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I misspoke. I actually wanted to keep um, the four advocates for the homeless there. That's why this board is, exists. This board exists. What, well, it says what was, what was scratched out was four, and what was in there before, what was there before was four advocates for the homeless appointed by the board. It was, that was scratched out in, an, in favor of three advocate representatives in the areas of youth, family, and veteran affairs. You're taking away the four advocates. No. No. All right, tell me, tell me, explain it to me. I know that I understand that they can advocate for youth, family, and veteran affairs. I understand that. But I also understand what's being taken away, which is those people that work to me, from my understanding and from my conversations with people that are on that board, that you are taking away those, many of those advocates that work for the homeless on a regular basis. Mr. So, Wright? Um, I'm Michael Wright. I'm the administrator of the Continuum of Care and the board coordinators. So um, we're in a highly competitive environment with applying for HUD funds, and the, um, the only thing that takes people's voice away is the conflict of interest rule. So we have a very a highly conflicted board. We're getting ready to vote on our HUD Continuum of Care um, application in a few weeks, and we're going to have 
six, possibly seven members of the COC board of the 22 members who will have a conflict of interest and can't speak or vote on the items. So part of this restructuring of the COC board is to address that conflict interest. So the folks that you're talking about cannot speak or vote on any county-funded, state-funded, or HUD-funded um, projects. So that's what limits their voice in terms of voting. Their voice is not limited in any way in terms of uh, participating in continuum of care committees. Once you become a, a member of a continuum of care committee, you're a member of the continuum of care um, voting process. All your uh, experience and um, professional input is uh, facilitated through that process. So we're looking, right now we're doing the HUD NOFA and they have a <clears throat> scoring category for engagement. And they're, they're scoring us on our engagement around youth, families, and veterans. So we had a veteran seat that was on our COC board and the VA would not fill it because they said they had a conflict. So that seat went unfilled. So we want to have an advocate who represents veterans, an advocate who represents families, and an advocate who represents youth so that we will be more competitive and that those advocates can speak freely and engage the continuum and help us formulate policies. When we uh, went to apply last year for the youth demonstration grant uh, through HUD, we had a gap in the way that our continuum is responding to youth homelessness. And so this is another vehicle to help fill that with having targeted advocates for, for those specific subpopulations. I appreciate that, but as a commissioner, I really do want to, do want to be advised by mm -hmm. those people that are out there um, on a day-to-day -day basis that, that work with the homeless. And many of these advocates are those people. And I want to hear from them. Well, that's, yeah, this that's does just, not, that's this just does me. not, I, this not does not preclude that. I know, but I, I would rather see them on the board. What? Um, I, I, I've been on the homeless continuum of care board for many years mm -hmm. prior to my um, handing over that reign to um, Commissioner Rich, and I can tell you that um, everyone that is involved in our community and involved in any uh, activity in terms of assisting the homeless or getting the word out about what their needs are, they are present in that room and they are an, allowed to speak. And most of the time when we come back with items, it is from full input, not just from the board, but also from community partners. It is a lot of community partners out there, right? I think at one point, Mr. Wright, there was over 400 community partners to help with homelessness. or With people, yes. Yes, with people. And so um, I don't think that we have a shortage of hearing their voices, Vice Mayor Furr, and if that's any comfort to you, I have said, and I, I see it. <laughs> but he wants, so um, at this time, is it possible? Can, can we wrap this up? Because we have, a, it's 1231 and I have to um, go ahead and, and, and uh, put the meeting on hold to go to the workshop. And there, um, if we were just speaking on item A, that was, I'm fine with that. I had a question on item E. Thus far, all the discussion has been on item A, so I haven't said anything. Yes. You want to ask? No, no, Madam Mayor. Thus far, all the discussion has been on item A. I have a question on item E. I haven't said anything because we've just been no. on A. You can go ahead and say it. If we're up to E, then I'd like to speak. You can say okay. whatever okay. you like. Thank you, Madam Mayor. The concern that I have on item E, and I've discussed this with staff, and I understand the reason that they're doing this. They, 
are suggesting that it takes too long to fill vacancies, which is why they're suggesting that change. I just want to remind this board that um, in the past, there has been at least one commissioner who, whenever a vacancy came up, had a tendency to fill that, those vacancies immediately. So you had one commissioner appointing a vastly disproportionate amount of the appointees to the boards. With the nine of us that we have today, that's not an issue. None of us is doing that, and that's what staff has indicated. But were we to elect a commissioner that once again was rushing to fill every vacancy, then we could have again the problem with one commissioner having a disproportionate number of the appointments, and we would not want to make the change when one commissioner is doing that and say, well, it's being abused. So I have a real concern about changing this at all now because I'm concerned we will revert to the days where one commissioner could have 40% of the board appointments. And I made up that 40% number. So I have a concern about item E and think it's at a minimum that warrants additional discussion. Okay, so at this point in time, the time is now 12.33 p.m. We have a workshop that was publicly noticed for 12.30. Um, we really need to break this meeting and go to the workshop and resume this after the workshop is completed. Um, can we complete this item? I don't know if we can complete this item. He just said he wants additional discussion on item E. You're only on A, and um, it's been going on for a while. Do you think that we can wrap this up? I, I agree with Commissioner Geller. I want to discuss E as well. So. Okay. so. At where we need to break and we will okay. come back after the That's workshop and we will continue the agenda at that time. All right, thank you.
Okay, good afternoon. I'm going to go ahead and start our budget workshop, uh, fiscal year 2018. Today is August 22nd, 2008, uh, 2017, and um, it's, it was um, it's 12:47 p.m. Our first presentation is going to be employee benefits, followed by Port Everglades operating capital and debt service. And the last um, presentation will be on the transportation capital program, roadway and right-of-way construction and capital maintenance. Ms. Henry, can you go ahead and kick it off? Thank you. And I will immediately turn this over to Mr. Kelleher to sort of run through this presentation. You may recall we introduced um, um, a new uh, concept to the board at a workshop earlier this year. Well, we're excited that hopefully we were able to deliver that. So with that, we're going to kind of do a recap of what you saw before and just sort of talk through um, where we are at the end. And at the end of this um, presentation, and com um, Mayor Commissioners, what I wanted to um, impress upon you, this is if, if there appears to be um, consensus on this, we'll get started right away gearing up for open enrollment, as you know. We, uh, we have a lot to, to gear up for um, with our overall benefit program. So we'll be trying to get consensus so that we can move forward with that and have an official item before you um, in September, in the September timeframe, September 14th. All right, with that, Mr. Kelleher, I turn it over to you. Okay, good afternoon. Um, first is just to, as a part of recap, just the goals of our county's benefit program. Our goals remain unchanged to provide affordable quality health care, improve the health of our workforce, and provide overall long-term stability. Um, from the May 16th workshop, we uh, were happy to report that our overall plan performance is running well. Um, both the county and the employee costs are well below the national trend, those increases. The total plan cost is projected to be about $50 million for 2017, and our numbers show that employees are utilizing services. Um, however, there may be, there's still some room for more education on appropriate place of care, i.e. the um, urgent care versus emergency room. Um, where we left off from the May 16th workshop is we talked uh, about the health savings account for the high deductible health plan. The IRS uh, this past year increased the health savings account, um, has increased deductible, that's the minimum deductible for the high deductible health plans. Uh, by $50 on the employee side and $100 on the uh, family side. So um, we propose to increase the deductibles consistent with the IRS code and uh, for the upcoming year to also continue to fund 100% of the deductible uh, for the HHP base. Uh, the HHP at a network would be the same funding as the HHP base. Um, as a further enhancement for the uh, employees, decreased coinsurance for the high deductible health plans from 30 to 20%. Uh, which means once they meet their deductible, instead of paying 30%, they would pay 20%. Um, and then as part of our three-year strategy, we eliminate the health reimbursement account funding for the CDH plans because they already have first-dollar coverage with co-pays. Um, the main option that was outstanding that we introduced the last time was to replace the CDH low plan that had low utilization under 100 employees that participate in it with a second um, CDH high plan with, with what's called a narrow network in the hopes of getting them uh, better benefits at a lower cost, just restricting uh, where they can go. And uh, we have more information on that. The good news about um, everything that you see on this slide is that we're able to accomplish these and maintain the employees' costs. So there would be no increase to the employees uh, this upcoming year. Excuse me, Mr. 
enjoy this wonderful gift from Mr. Ryan when he's talking about health. <laughs> 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 We've all this ice cream sitting in the ice cream is nutritious. You know what he's talking about health. I mean, how are we supposed to get some ice cream? Can we talk about something else? Hi. <laughs> No, I, I said the same thing about the pasta. Sorry. <laughs> I said, of all days, you couldn't have salad today. Really? So, but, um, so let's go to the narrow network. And, and narrow network is, is, in its pure definition, is a client-specific network with a limited network of the hospital systems um, and providers. Um, and what we would propose here is we have 44% of our spend is in four hospital districts, uh, the inpatient spend. That's Memorial, North Broward, uh, Cleveland Clinic and Holy Cross um, but as you can see here in a narrow network we can give higher level benefits that's on the left hand side as you see the deductible is lower the max amount of pocket is lower the, the uh, co-pays for PCP and specialists in ER are, are lower um, and we can do it at the same price that we currently do for the CDH low um, as I mentioned, 44% of the inpatient cost comes from those four uh, hospital groups. What we propose is a new option to replace the CDH low because it's low utilized uh, by using a third-party administrator um, community care plan. A community care plan is a not-for-profit company that's partially owned um, by Memorial Health Hospital Systems and North Broward Hospital District um, that can manage this and get us uh, cheaper uh, prices. As, as no other publicly owned TPAs have their own network currently, uh, we can do this rather quickly uh, under the most reasonable source designation. Uh, so how does, how does community care plan do it? I'm going to turn that over to our consultant, Wells Fargo, so they can explain how they, how they do it. Good afternoon. Um, community care partner, community care plan is actually a health plan that is uh, the entire entity is owned by both hospital systems, Memorial and North Broward. Um, they are they are set up as a um, as a TPA or a health plan, and they are accessing the hospitals, North Broward, Memorial. They're going to bring in Cleveland and Holy Cross, and they're contracting directly with them. So this is a separate plan um, with the TPA who tightly manages uh, employees' health. So um, they have a very, they have a very thorough, um, comprehensive program that they do from provider relations through claims management, clinical management. Um, they also do population health management. So all of the individuals that would choose this plan or may choose this plan would be fully integrated into community care plan with their programs um, and they are delivering better results at lower cost um, which is why we looked at them to begin with and that they are a, um, owned by both of the hospital systems and they're accessing better networks um, better discounts certainly will help bring the cost down to the the county as a as a whole and if I can add a couple of key points to this is they also have real-time data because it's a narrow network all the hospitals and all the doctors will have the data at their fingertips because it's one system that will have all the all the data there and the TPA has an outcomes based model as opposed to the, the typical fee-for-service so they're looking at the outcomes as opposed to 
you know, having so many more tests done so they can just run up the bill. So that's how they keep their costs down. Um, can we, are you finished with your presentation? Well, we're, we're going to move on to another section. So if there's a question about the narrow network, this is probably yes, a good time. Okay. okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can we get put them in queue? I'll start with Bolgan, followed by Geller, followed by Eudine, and then Lamarca. Okay. Um, Kevin, who's the TPA? The TPA would be Community Care Plan. Community Care Plan. I mean, who's the company TPA? Is that the name of their company? That's that's the name of their company, and it's, it's And how much money do they like manage to pay? You know, for the county. Currently, currently they don't manage anything for the county. No, the TPA pays the bills, correct? Or no? You're a third-party administrator. What does your third-party administrator do? Yeah, they're going to pay the claims for us. That's what I just said. So they're going to pay the bills, the claims, right? Okay. Okay. Do they do this for other? Uh, entities, I assume? So they, they do this for other county entities. They do it for the Memorial Health Plan system, so their own memorial docs and employees. They do it for um, part of Broward. Okay, so my, I, let me tell you where I'm going with this. And Bob, uh, this is what I wanted to talk about. So what controls do we have in place so the TPA isn't using our money to pay other potential claims. I'm very aware that TPAs in this country, ones that are not honest, will pay claims from other uh, buckets of money uh, for other reasons. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but what, what, what controls are in place to make sure our current TPA is not paying a claim from county money from somebody else? You understand my question? So the way the process works, and I I'm going to try to answer the question. I, th I think I understand where you're headed, but um, as they process claims, those claims come through on an invoice just like they do today with your current administrator, and they come to the county to approve, and the county sends the money to them. And those claims are identified by the employee's ID. So there's always okay. a match back uh, to the fact that it is a county employee. Okay, so the county then, the county will then initiate the, the payment. Right. So you don't. We're, we're self-insured. Right. I understand. Right. Right. I understand. I, I'm just talking about the the company that's administering the claims. Can so, I help? I, I deal with this all the time with this particular. No, I, so I just want you to understand. So I I became aware <laughs> as a lawyer, I became aware of a TPA managing different uh, different entities for claims, right? And so let's say they want to favor this for some reason, they would be paying claims from here out of someone else's pocket. So that's all I was getting at. And you, but you're saying that can't occur because we write the check. You know, unless, you know, it's since we're self-insured, it's going to be identified to a, a county employee and an ID number. So unless okay, they good. do something fraudulent, you know, that's, we'd be only paying for our claims. Great. Thank you. Well, the TPA manages many entities for this um, throughout the state managed Medi Medicaid Medicare program. And um, they manage under Medicaid itself several umbrellas of Medicaid recipients. So they keep it all separate and they pay it all separate. They are. So that's the way it works. Keep going. Um, Commissioner Geller, followed by Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Lamarca. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, Mr. Kelleher, in the narrow network, uh, 
the way that they're able to achieve cost savings is that everything goes only to the four hospitals. Correct. In my experience, lengthy experience in policymaking in healthcare, most people are not always aware of the provisions in their policy. So my question is, if somebody enrolls in a narrow network program and decide, and they live in North Dade and they decide they want to go to Baptist or they want to go to Jackson or something like that, what happens if they enroll in the narrow network and go to a hospital that is out of network um, and what education is done to ensure that people would realize as they're signing up, because a lot of people just sign up for the cheapest plan or the one with the richest benefits, not realizing that they may not be able to use their preferred hospitals. Can you address those two issues, please? Yeah, I, I'll, uh, I'll address the education issue first. Obviously, if we go this direction, there's going to be immense education, which is part of the reason why we need to have the direction now so we can start developing uh, developing that educational material, including making sure anybody who signs up for this that they know that they are limited to just those hospitals and the doctors within those within those hospitals. Um, as far as if they have... So it's, when you say, and the doctors within those, so if you go to your family doctor who is not part of, of one of those hospitals, but you end up at that hospital, you can't en end up having your doctor, your, your regular visits to your doctor? Generally, doctors have hospital privileges. I, I know that, that you wouldn't be able to go to them in Correct. the hospital, but if you want to go just for your normal checkups, that's not covered? No, because they're not affiliated with the hospital. Okay. They'd have to be affiliated with one of those four hospital districts. Okay, I understand. And so for it to be covered by the insurance, if they go, okay. they can go to them outside of that, but if they go to outside of that, they'd be on their own That was my own first dime. question. Be, that's the first question, and get to that. They'd be on their own dime. Uh, except I think if it's an emergency under state law, they have to be covered. Um, so it's you know, not like an out-of-network 70% coverage only. It's 100% on your own dime. Correct. Okay. This w and, and I'll say this right now. This is not going to be a plan for everybody, and that's where the education is going to be in there. However, if you look at the, the four hospitals that we've used to make this up and the number of spend that's in there, a, a great deal of our employees are using those 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 plans and almost using them exclusively but part of the education that we're gonna have to do with this is to make sure that they know that that's that they are limited in that to get the increased benefit at the cheaper price they're gonna know that and the other thing I want to point out is it will even at this cheaper price it's still not our cheapest plan our high deductible health plan will still be our cheapest plan a final question on sure. that um, if they I'm a, a cancer survivor kidney cancer. When I was diagnosed, I chose to go to Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center down at UM. Um, is there any coverage available for those, you know, specialty hospitals if, if you needed, for example, a children's hospital, I guess Joe DiMaggio, but if you need to go to MD Anderson or if you, I'm sorry, Right, if you went to MD Anderson, if you went to Sylvester, if you went to Moffitt Center, is there any coverage in that cases, those cases? So typically how that works is that if there is not a specialty that is covered within that network, then the plan must make an exception to go ahead and authorize 
that member to go somewhere else and go outside that network, but pay it as an in-network claim. Okay. So if they just wanted the top hospital, like I did, uh, that would not be covered because I'm sure that they have cancer programs. Correct. That would not be covered. Great. Thank you. I appreciate your your thought. Okay, so Commissioner Udine says you answered all his, you asked all his questions, so he's out of the queue. Commissioner Lamarca. Is it, Kevin, is this the, this is the former SFCCN, Florida Community Care Network? No. That was the combination, isn't, I don't, yeah, I don't think it so. Was. I don't think so. I, I don't, it what? is. Thank you. It I'm was. Um, they, so, so didn't this start with a, with basically with, basically was a capitated plan, uh, did it come down from did this come down from a bucket of money from Tallahassee or is it just the two hospital systems put together? It is it I I don't know about the past or if they were under a different name, but um it is currently it is owned by the two hospital systems. And is the CEO of this John Betts? Yes it is. Okay, so that's a SIP form. It was started under it Governor started Bush. On the and that's where it all started. Um so basically it's a it's it's a capitated plan with just those the two the uh, now four four hospitals. Um, and if your doctors are part of any of those four, you're covered. If you go to any of those multiple locations of those four systems, hospital-wise, you're covered where Commissioner Geller made reference to outside specialty, that type of thing is not. Is that correct? Well, if there's, it, it's not covered if, if they have <clears throat> a um, specialist within that network that can cover for your diagnosis. Okay. Um, but if it's if it's a specialty that is not in that network and they need to find someone outside, then it would be covered. Okay. Um, Kevin, I see page five, you show the CDH narrow. That's this plan here, right? Yes. Where does that compare to the, is the, the one that most of us went into called, that's the HDHP? Where's the comparison of that? I see CDH high versus CDH narrow. Are you talking about for costs? Where does it compare? Co costs per employee or family, as well as um, uh, deductibles and, and all that fun stuff. As we all learn to care for, from a care for our pocketbooks as well, as well as our health care. From a benefit standpoint, the benefits will be identical to the CDH high, which is the richest set of benefits that the county offers today. From an employee payroll deduction standpoint, it it doesn't change from where it is today. The benefits just get richer. So it's- wait, wait, wait. HDHP doesn't So the change. HDHP, none of the plans are changing from a payroll contribution. So okay. the HDHP continues to be um, $5 a paycheck. Okay. Um, and then the out-of-network plan, yeah. the, then the HDHP out-of-network plan is the next um, buy-up. Okay. And then the CDH narrow network is the next and the and the most costly to the employees is the CDHI. <clears throat> okay. It, it, it's just that your the comparison here is either CDHI or, or narrow. So we don't I don't unless we haven't gotten to it yet. Is there another table that shows that? No. The reason why we did just the, the comparison there is that because that's the one that's going away. The the one that's going away is okay. is, a, is a CDH low, and we're comparing it to the the CDH high benefits, because that's what the benefits you're going to get. You're just going to get it in a narrow network. So you get the higher benefits, but okay. just, you're restricted in where you're going to do that. The um, We can get, I don't, I'm looking real quick. I know I have it somewhere, but I can. I mean, it was the effort of this, 
of the county really for most of the employees and that means the nine of us as well to go towards the HDHP and out of the CDHI. The, the, the effort here... Um, no, in the past I'm saying, but that's why I'm looking at how do I compare HDHP versus CDH narrow. In other words, what's the cost? What's the deductible? What is put in by the what is put in by the the county and that type of thing? I've asked staff to go get uh, to go get that spreadsheet. Okay. So that you can you can answer your question. Yeah, we, we definitely have that. Um, okay. The, the goal, but just so we're clear, the goal here is we had the CDH load plan that had low utilization. Right. Had about so you're 80, getting rid of it. Eighty lives, but to give another option that may be more suitable. So we were trying to find a way to find something with. Increased benefits, but still at the affordable cost. I understand, and that's why we came up with the. I guess where I'm looking at it is, just like anybody else can, we can only uh, look at this based on our own experiences Correct. and our own involvement. And in my situation right now, I think most of us are in the HDHP. I know Mr. Wexler was was a fan of that, so there there is an HCDHI, and we were all in that before. So I'm trying to see where we go from HDHP to the narrow, because it, it, you know, in our case. Those four hospital systems and those doctors will encompass probably. It, it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be cheaper to be in the um, high deductible, the HDHP. Right, but but the from a premium standpoint. From the premium standpoint. But from a, in other words, a doctor visit, nothing's really, you don't nothing's covered until you get to your deductible. In that case, how does that compare to the CD? How that CD compares scenario? to here is that this would be the copay type system, so you would have first dollar coverage. So when you went to your PCP, your primary care physician, you'd be paying $25 okay. instead of having to pay your deductible. And what if you're would going be, to a specialist, you'd be paying $50. And what would we, what would be uh, put forward on, on behalf of the county into those into this plan what would for be the deductible the subsidy. issue? I can't say that word. I'm glad you said it. Yeah. Subsidy would be Correct. comparable to the... Uh, uh, subsidy that we're currently doing for the CDH yeah. which okay so, so we, it's just it's just swapping it out which is 20 these numbers right 2142 or 1326 no, no you were talking about the subsidy to cost the the, 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 uh, county. In, the county Correct. pays oh. um, have somebody work on that. Want to get back, man? That's right. Yeah, right. but you. back on your other point is is the cost for the um, <coughs> the high deductible health plan. Mm -hmm. It's for the employee only. It's five dollars as mm -hmm. compared to forty nine dollars for the CDH narrow. Okay, compared to sixty nine for the CDH high, okay. and then for the employee mm -hmm. plus chill, family. I, I I could see this here, but I don't. You don't have a chart that compares what. Most of us probably have to this as well as with the subsidy or what the deductible is. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Ryan. On the narrow network plan, you have on page five a breakdown of how the employee contribution would be reduced by selecting the narrow network plan. Looks like it's about a 30%. Uh, reduction in the uh, contribution by the employee. Um, do you have an estimate of what the health care costs 
will would be reduced by what percentage if um, if we went with the narrow network plan as far as the total cost that the hospital would charge the patient for services for you know a similar patient that went into Memorial Hospital that didn't participate in the narrow network plan versus one that did so we're estimating here's the contribution um, we're estimating that there's about a 12 to 15 percent claim cost savings when we sit down and do the projections for the county in the total cost of what it will um, for all of the plans because there are less than a hundred people in that plan today um, and they are generating a per employee per cost from a claim perspective when you decrease that by 12 to 15 percent the change is insignificant so we won't be able to realize what that savings is we're estimating 10 12 to 15 percent on the claims but we won't know until we see the enrollment in that plan so right now, if I just took the population in the plan enrolled today and applied that claim decrement, you would see no change in, your, in, the, in the overall cost. So there, there needs to be, in order to realize the savings at a bigger scale, there needs to be more enrollment in that plan. Okay, I you know, was, was considering this in the context of uh, personal experience. Uh, recently, one of my children had uh, an inflamed appendix, not a burst appendix, but went into Memorial Hospital and had to have a, an appendectomy. And that's a two-day hospital stay. And the cost, not for the, the surgeon or the anesthesiologist or the consulting physician, but just for the hospital for two days, routine appendectomy, surgical procedure that's been done successfully since the 1730s, the, the cost for two days at the hospital, $51,000 for two days at the hospital. And I mean, it shocked me. I, I, I was amazed. I thought it might be $15,000 for two days at the hospital. The, um, the plan paid $24,000. And then the hospital contacted me and wanted another 3000 So, I mean, I just was taken aback that this is how much we pay under this plan. Uh, and so I'm interested to know, I mean, is, is that consistent with what um, a Medicaid patient or a Medicare patient would pay for similar services? So Medicare, those rates, those allowed rates are set by the government. Um, so no, we're, we're paying, the commercial market is paying considerably more than the Medicaid or Medicare market. Okay. Um, that concludes the questions on the first portion. Um, Mr. Kelleher, do you? We'll, we'll come back. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're going to come back, and um, we want to sort of get through the, the rest of the presentation. And in the meantime, there was some information that Commissioner LaMarca asked for that we're, we're gathering. We'll circle back and make sure. You, you have it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've got it. Okay. Um, so from a contribution... <coughs> Just lay this out. So in, in 2017, which we're not recommending that it's changing, um, so it'll be the same for 18. Today on the um, on the H, HDHP base, I'm going to give you monthly rates because that's how they're calculated here. Okay. 
Um, the, a, the HDHP base plan, which is where the majority of the um, folks are sitting, it's a $10.83 payroll deductions on a monthly basis for employees. And the county is paying $453.77 per employee. So that's just employee. I'm, I, if you want me to run through the dependent tiers, I can, but those are employee-only tiers. Um, the CDH low today is $107.10 per month for the employee portion, and $559.04 from the counties um, is making that uh, contribution. So it's sitting above that. And then on the CDHI, it's $151.43 a month for the employee payroll, and it's 603.37 for the county subsidy. The county on the CDH high, the county's paying 603.37 a month, and the employee is making payroll deductions of 151.43. No, that's what the count. So what, that's your piece of it. So, so the health savings account. For 2018, it will be um, uh, 13, 1350 Correct. For the year. For the year. Right. Correct. And that just keeps up with, because we needed to move the deductibles. It's not quite a double. It's 2600 for the family. It's 2600 this year. Next year, it'll be 2700 Okay, so here's what we're going to do so that we can keep this presentation moving because we still have the rest of the commission agenda to complete. We're going to. Um, <laughs> All right, guys. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and um, we need to finish the presentation so we can get all of them in. We're not voting on anything today. We're not doing anything that we have to necessarily do before the end of the budget cycle right now, before the last budget hearing. So we're going to listen to the presentations. They're going to give their questions at the end so that we can get finished and go back to the commission meeting. Because um, I had allotted 30 minutes for each presentation, and right now we're at 40. So I need to keep it moving. The next thing I wanted to say is that the audience members, we have ice cream here, compliments of uh, Commissioner Ryan, there's chocolate chip, um, uh, wait, um, chocolate, mint chocolate chip, vanilla, and strawberry. Please help yourself before the ice cream men leave you. Okay. They're not getting any. Don't give me any. They're, All right. They're going to leave in about 10 or 15 minutes, so come on up now. All right. So thank you very much. So that at this time, we're going to continue with the presentation. We'll um, hold the questions, and then we'll, get you, we'll give you questions afterwards, okay? Thank you. Okay, so next up is just a continuation of our, our current programs about the annual waiver credit for people who, who uh, waive coverage, our surcharge for working spouses and domestic partners who have health care uh, coverage elsewhere, uh, continue with the engagement incentive that uh, in order for them to get the health savings account money or the HRA money that they can, they have to do a risk assessment and uh, a physical um, we're going to continue with our interactive online decision tool and increase our education for employees. 
other benefits that we have. There's two other benefits that we want to talk about. Um, prior to the break, uh, the commission had requested us to review the policies for Miami-Dade and Palm Beach counties with, re with respect to um, county paid parental leave. Uh, we've done that. We've also worked with the uh, Office of Management and Budget to come up with the cost of it. We have a proposed county paid parental leave program uh, that would be um, for, in the provision, we um, it says eligibility. It says for non-bargaining unit employees. Um, that's the way Miami-Dade and Palm Beach did it. But this this is all costed out on it going to the um, bargaining unit employees as well, too. Uh, the They would have to have one year of employment, um, and it would be done concurrent with uh, FMLA, which is consistent with Miami-Dade and Palm Beach County. The length of leaves would be six weeks. Uh, and if there's two um, parents that work for the county, they get six weeks each. Um, it would be only one period of parental leave in a year. And the reason for that is um, that, you know, there's, in addition to newborns and newly adopted, it's newly placed foster child and uh, newly placed uh, uh, legalized partner uh, guardianship. Uh, so there could be a, a chance that there be multiple, so we're limited to one a year. Um, the use of the time would be consecutive, meaning that once they go out, they're out for the six-week period of time. It would pay, be paid at two weeks at 100%, two weeks at 75, and two weeks at 50. Um, and the estimated value, cost of that, if it covered all employees, would be $312,000 uh, with $85,000 uh, estimated to go to uh, the general fund. Okay, and then the other option we have here, um, we are, we've finished negotiation with emergency loans with uh, BMG and we're going to start that, kick that off in September. Um, but another option for employees, and this is for our deferred compensation plan for those people in deferred comp, if they want to take a loan against their deferred comp money, they can do so where they pay the loan back to themselves and whatever interest they're paying back to themselves as well too. So this is something that we would have to come back to the board. So we're just letting you know about this uh, provision um, that we are looking to give the employees another option. So the summary of changes, uh, you know, and the direction that we were hoping to look for today is um, we're doing no premium increases to employees. Uh, the, the high deductible health plans, we reduce the uh, coinsurance from 30 to 20 percent. Uh, the high deductible health plan funding, we're going to use the IRS, uh, IRS amount, 1350 and $2,700, um, and we'd fund that same amount for the HSA for the high deductible health plan and use that same amount for the out-of-network. Uh, the CDH plans, the HRA funding uh, would be phased-out consistent with the three-year strategy. Um, the CDH low, we need some direction on whether to replace it with the narrow network and paid parental leave and the loan provision for the deferred comp plan. And that's our presentation. Thank you. At this time, do we have additional questions on this particular um, presentation? Okay, Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Rich. Yeah, what we in our research and comparing the Miami-Dade and Palm Beach County and, and other policies that have this, uh, they've all tracked the the FMLA requirements, which is one year and twelve fifty. So that's why. 
Commissioner Rich? Yeah, I just have a question. Does anybody, in your research, does anybody have anything that has to do with, uh, with parents, with s seniors at all, with having, you know, if something happens to a parent, to be able to have some kind of leave to go out? Just, have you, have well, you personally, personally, I would love that. So, but that's if you knew what, if you knew what I was going through. I was I, I spent a couple of days in the hospital these past couple of weeks. Yeah. But that's uh, um, I, I don't we all know. Let me come up. But, um, I was just we, curious. We could we, we could look at we could yeah. look into that. And it, uh, yeah. So you could come back with an answer for that yeah. question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, current, no. the current provisions of FMLA would kick in. You're eligible for those. But not paid. But not paid. That's, not paid. That's but the point. But yes. Okay. So yeah, you're looking for paid for I'm senior. I'm just paid. wondering if any of the other jurisdictions have looked at that. Do they have anything? Because we have such a large population where something happens, you know, you might need to go to the hospital, you need to go find a caregiver for a few days, to, you know, something like that. So we'll, that's we'll be what I'm asking. glad to research that. Okay. And the other thing is, I, I just to say from my perspective here, I, I think that it is uh, with proper education out there and outreach, I think that the narrow network plan is going to be unbelievably responded to by uh, employees. I mean, when you look at those four hospitals and the coverage that you get, uh, and I'm really happy to see the TPA is um, the one that is owned by the, the, the districts, because I just noticed in our, uh, an, another item on our agenda that had to do with Beacon, um, which is a third party <laughs> the TPA for uh, Aetna, Humana, Coventry, AdMed, so forth, that um, the, the reimbursement rates are so low with behavioral health and, uh, you know, through Medicaid. So someone was, you were asking about that. I mean, it's just, you wouldn't want to have to deal with having an illness and being reimbursed, you know, or having the Medicaid reimbursement. And, and I, I, it's, you know, it's very different than what you're looking at here. This is really much more of a, you know, a, a a good quality plan that offers a lot of options for people, I think. Yeah. If I had to guess, um, I would anticipate the first year we'd probably have a little slow participation in it. Um, you know, our, our population doesn't really move quickly. Um, so they're, no, they're going to look to see how it, no, they're going to look to see how it works out and see, and they'll track themselves to see are they using exclusively those four hospitals and, and take that, because there is a risk involved in that, yeah. and that's, right. Not but so. you look at, I mean, just just take Cleveland Clinic as an example, the incredible building and programs and uh, research and all the things that are going on there. It's just, you know, remarkable. It's, a, it's you know, a top-rated hospital, and you're, it's going to be part of this network. So yeah. no, I'm not, not to minimize the other three, but I'm just saying it's, it's quite a, you know, a, but in a this broad, network, they're going to share the, and they're, yeah. In this network, they're going to share the data, too. So yeah, it's right. not like right now in my personal situation I had – one that was Broward Health and one was HCA, they don't talk. You got to go right. get the documents over here to bring them over there. We're here, they'll have that at the fingertips. Yeah. Commissioner Lamarca? You know, if I didn't get 11,000 steps in this morning before I came to this building, I wouldn't make this statement. But if anybody hasn't tried the Jackson's B100, you need to get your butt over there and try this. This is amazing. It was good. And I'm sure that my cardiologist will love it, too. Yeah, right. It's last call. All right. Is that it? Okay. Yes. 
Ms. Henry? Uh, yes, what, um, what we're really looking for, I know that we, we have to bring a number of documents back for approval, so there's no approval today, but we would like to get started on building our open enrollment program, so we'd like to know no. if there's anything that we've discussed today that's problematic so we can back off of uh, those. And that the right. only thing that we're introducing that's new would be the narrow network, so if we're... Um, uh, and and an overall change to the 457 program that would allow people to borrow money and, and parental leave. Well, that one. Okay, so mm -hmm. um, to the county attorney, is it okay? Because I'm at this 40, just 47 mm -hmm. minutes on this. Is it okay if I ask for a general cons consensus on what Ms. Henry just asked me? I, does anybody object to that? Or? Yeah, a better way to find out is if there are specific objections. Okay. okay. I think she can read the rest of the sum of the board. Okay, so I'll take the first one. Are there specific objections to the narrow network? Um, I think Commissioner Holness had his. It's okay? A statement at the end, okay. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I'm not comfortable at this point in time with the narrow network. I think it's a, a great program that you've formulated. I think if everybody knew what they were signing up for, it might work. In my lengthy experience in this area, a lot of people, no matter how much education you have, really don't understand the limitations. And I am very afraid that people will take their loved ones to the closest hospital whether or not, it, and something that's not a true emergency will not transported by ambulance, but will take their loved ones to a local hospital, Baptist, uh, an HDA one, some local hospital, and not realize that by doing so, they are giving up all coverage. It's not just out of network, it's there's no coverage at all. And that concerns me to the point where I today, even though I think it's a great idea and 44% use it, I'm not comfortable today and would have to vote no on the narrow network. Okay. okay. Thank, you. Thank you. Okay, so that's that. Now the next one is the changes to the 457, right? Any, any objections to the changes that were proposed to the 457? Perfect. Okay, thank you. Okay, now Commissioner Holness, you said you wanted a statement. Um, Commissioner Holness, could you please turn your mic on? Yeah, we had earlier in our regular meeting uh, someone seeking funding. We have just now, uh, and I think some of the some of us got this before. Hopefully, you all did. Uh, someone else seeking funding. Where do we go in terms of getting these? Funding request balance, and, and 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 at what point in time will we discuss these items to see whether or not we will be able to support these calls? This 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 request has a match that I think we've done this before in the past from Ms. Fraser. Uh, there's a chance for us to gain from the state 
$211,000 to help uh, people in our community who need health care and support. Yeah, just wanted to clarify because many of you did get a copy of this presentation today uh, on the dais. This is not related to our employees' specific health program. This is a request to augment primary care in our community as a whole. So the conversation, as you've indicated, where we talked about these items um, uh, earlier, um, we are planning to have um, a budget discussion on August 29th and then a subsequent one on the 31st. So the appropriate time probably to start to engage in that conversation is at, our, at, at the next one. On the 29th. Uh -huh. okay. And Commissioner Holmes, you could bring a discussion item if you want as well. Okay. That way it's, you, you have your okay. explanation in the record. Good. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. If I can just add one thing to re to respond, if if it would help the commission, if somebody selects the um, narrow network, we can meet with them one on one after open enrollment, and we do have a window period between open enrollment and the beginning of the year, and really impress upon them, have them sign, understand, tattoo them, whatever we need to do, so they understand what it what it means, and then they can always make that change, provided it's done before January first there is that window period. So I don't know if that helps or... That would um, okay. minimize my concerns. Okay. Thank we you. We would do that. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Oh. No, no. <laughs> Come on. We got to move this along. Okay. Um, Remember, this is not a final. You guys can still still ask questions after this, but we have mm -hmm. to move these work this mm -hmm. meeting along. Ms. Henry, Port Everglades budget workshop presentation. All right. Um, if we could have a four staff come on up. Yep. You were right behind you. Come on up. Mayor, uh, Commissioner, so we're going to um, get started um, starting mis and turn it over to Mr. Cernak. Good afternoon. Um, in the interest of uh, getting you back on schedule, I'm going to go through some of these slides uh, quickly. If you have any questions, stop me. I'll be happy to answer them. Uh, Port Everglades continues to maintain its rankings and competitive position in the major categories as shown on this slide. As this slide shows, Port Everglades continues to compare favorably to its major competitors in total annual volume for TEUs and cruise passengers. Although our TEUs were down slightly last year, we are up over 5% for the first nine months of the current fiscal year. Now we're going to move on to the recommended budget for fiscal year 18. 
forecasted operating revenues for fiscal year 2018 total approximately 159 million with crews being the largest category at 34% of the total followed by petroleum at 22% and containerized cargo at 21%. As this slide shows, the port is anticipating modest increases in all revenue categories for fiscal year 2018 except for crews and other with overall revenues estimated to increase by approximately 1%. On the operating expense side, the total operating expenses for fiscal year 2018 are estimated at approximately 92.9 million, with the largest categories being public safety at 34% of the budget, followed by personal costs at 22% and crane operations at 12%. Fiscal year 2018 operating budget increases over the prior year by 2.6%, with increases by category ranging from less than 1% for crane operations to approximately 23% for other, primarily due to an increase in cost allocation charges. These increases were offset by decreases in the professional services and material and supplies category. This slide summarizes the historical position count for the port since 2010. In addition to the 20 positions transferred from the Public Works Department in 2016 for seaport construction, the port is also requesting three additional new positions for fiscal year 2018 in accordance with recommendations included in a 2017 internal management efficiency study to move facility maintenance services under seaport engineering to take advantage of synergies between capital construction and maintenance programs. That concludes the presentation on the operating budget. We'll now move in, into the recommended capital program for fiscal year 2018 through fiscal year 2022. The recommended capital program for, 20, for the 2018 to 2022 time period totals $857 million <laughs> and is broken out in the pie chart on this slide in the major categories of deepening and widening the Southport turning notch extension, cargo, bulkhead, crews, other general port capital projects, and reserves. This slide shows a map of the location of the cargo-related projects included in the port CIP. This slide shows a map of the location of the crews, petroleum, and other related projects included in the port CIP. Key priority project for the port, the Southport Turning Notch Extension and Crane Rail Infrastructure Project is currently underway. Important updates related to this project include the up Upland Mangrove Enhancement. Uh, we had a notification of trending towards success received from the Florida DEP in November of 2016, and a recent annual survey completed shows continued growth. And uh, we expect that the fee simple land transfer to the state of Florida is scheduled for today and it should be completed by close of business today. 
We're just awaiting final word. Uh, Westlake Park mitigation, designs completed, and construction procurement is to begin in the early fall of 2017. And turning notch crane rail infrastructure construction, the agreement for managing general contractor was approved by the board in May of this year. Pre-construction commenced in June. Um, the berth 31 to 32 crane oil construction is estimated to be completed in June of 2019. And overall construction completed is estimated for September 2021. This slide shows a rendering of the additional cargo berth space that will be available after the project is completed as well as a breakdown of the project funding sources, which include $86.8 million in state grant funds received to date, an estimated $132.8 million in loan proceeds from the uh, federal TIFIA loan program, which will be discussed on a later slide, and an estimated $217.9 million to be paid from other sources, including internal port funds and or bond proceeds. One of the port's other key priority projects that is underway at this time is the Army Corps of Engineers channel deepening and widening. Important updates related to this project include congressional authorization for the project was included as part of the Water Infrastructure Improvement for the Nation Act or WIN Act of 2016. And our focus now is on receiving a new start designation and federal funding for the first phase of the project, the Coast Guard Station reconfiguration. The pre-construction engineering and design, or PED phase, is currently underway with an estimated completion in mid-2018, and that part of the project is fully funded on both our side and the federal side. Uh, of the estimated $5.6 million cost of pre-construction engineering and design, the port has received $3.6 million from the state. The port has also received $22.5 million from the state for construction with an additional $69 million programmed in Florida Department of Transportation's five-year work program. As this sl slide shows, the total estimated cost of the Army Corps of Engineers deepening and widening project is $389.3 million, with an anticipated federal share of $198.9 million, appropriated and program state funds totaling $96.1 million, and the remaining funds to be provided by the port and or additional state grant dollars. As the previous slide demonstrated to date, the port has received uh, generous support from the state for the Southport Turning Notch Extension Crane Rail Infrastructure Project. The port is also working on other initiatives to fund the project, one of which is a Transportation Infrastructure Finance and Innovation Act, or TIFIA loan through the U.S. Department of Transportation. If successful, this low-interest loan in the estimated amount of approximately $132.8 million is expected to generate annual savings of approximately $1 million when compared to a traditional municipal bond financing in the same amount. This slide shows amounts budgeted in prior and future years for major capital projects. As this slide demonstrates, the port has made and will continue to make significant investments in its cap capital infrastructure. In summary, total fiscal year 2018 appropriations for operating capital debt service and reserves 
increases by 60.5 million over the previous year with the largest increase associated with the capital budget. In conclusion, the port's continued key focus areas for the future include a continued concern for the impacts of competition among Florida ports, a continued effort through the county's legislative channels to achieve parity of state contributions to Florida ports, environmental stewardship. Internally, the port intends to continue to work collaboratively with our partners at the CVB and airport and is committed to implementing a more efficient approach to execution of capital program and improve the alignment between capital construction and recurring preventative maintenance programs. And that concludes the presentation. Thank you. I have one commissioner, three commissioners in queue now. Commissioner Lamarca, followed by Commissioner Rich, followed by Commissioner Holness. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I feel like those I feel like I have given many times actually over, I have given that exact presentation um, throughout my district and throughout the business community because it's such an integral part of why our economy is the way it is here in Broward County. And um, to have Dan in the room from the chamber is important because that uh, PET amendment was done during, uh, actually was, wasn't that done during uh, sequestration? When we were up there a couple of few years ago. And I know we've been up there to DC and, and Tallahassee so many times these efforts and, and uh, Steve and David and uh, Glenn, you know Glenn the whole team has been very integral in that but really a lot I just wanted to, to thank them for uh, being so inclusive of the Port Everglades advocacy team the business community the education community all of the different uh, industries and, and uh, parts of our community that uh, have been supporting this and understanding why and it wouldn't, wouldn't have happened if not for both your predecessor and you uh, making sure everyone really understood how important this is whether you ever take a cruise you ever uh, go into the port or do any business with the port um, for them to understand whether it's petroleum that comes from there or any other business that that goes through there how it hits our economy so um, I'm very supportive of your 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 minor asks and uh, I'm glad to see these projects actually s slated out into times that we can understand 19 20 21 um, you know it's a uh, it's been been a tough fight for you and the entire team but uh, we're I'm, I'm certainly here and I know the Commission is usually uh, almost always unanimous on everything that uh, is brought forward because we know the plan has been in place for a long time that 20-year master vision and the way you update it it's just it's an easy sell so thanks for all you do well uh, thank you for your comments and on behalf of uh, myself as well as my staff you know thank you for your continued support as well as the support of the rest of the commissioners here it's appreciated and you're right. It seems like we spent an awful lot of time up in Washington, D.C. Thank Save you. Save some of that for next month when we go up there. Okay, Commissioner Rich. Thank you. <laughs> um, certainly join my colleague in support of uh, the uh, very professional way that uh, things are are done for it. And I thank you for, uh, as a new, relatively new, anyway, Commissioner, that, uh, uh, you know, coming and making sure that uh, I understand uh, uh, kind of the workings of the port. It's been very important, so important economic engine. I just had a couple of questions on the uh, budget, uh, the expense uh, budget, and I just wondered, um, you know, the the one of the the top category there is fire and EMS, and um, I see it it goes up a slight amount, but I was curious if that included restoration of 
firefighters. We had, um, before I came on, um, obviously there was a, a reduction of um, firefighters, um, uh, deputies at the airports, things like that. And with things that have happened in our community um, and, you know, certainly the fact that we want to be, you know, very uh, cautious and make sure that people are safe. So I was just wondering if this it has anything to do with um, uh, bringing back uh, some of those uh, positions that were eliminated along the way. So I think what our question is, this, this is maintaining the existing level of of support it does not include mm -hmm. uh, major increases. In fact, of, of both the properties, the only property that's showing somewhat of an increase is the airport. Those positions that, I mean, we've been talking about them for a few mm -hmm. years now. I just want to remind everybody, we created a regional um, um, program many years ago uh, during the downturn um, the then sheriff made reductions in those programs. Um, ultimately, the current sheriff is starting, and as was done in many programs, but the current sheriff has started to make, um, uh, bring back some of the, as he's been able to get more funding, he's bringing back the programs that he's prioritized to bring back, uh, just as we're doing. So again, those positions um, were not uh, resident in the in the port of the airport. Um, the uh, the then sheriff at the time decided to go after some grants to plug the hole that was created from the reductions he had made prior. Um, but um, ultimately, we knew that those would have to somebody would have to if they wanted to bring them back. And again. We, we made a lot of cuts and we're slowly bringing those services back. And, I, and again, the reason I have not brought them back to you is that um, that's, that portion of our budget is over 50%. And um, just as we're starting to bring things back slowly, that's really the prerogative of the sheriff, unless this board has, decides to do something different. Is this not funded through the, the, the fund of the, of the port itself? Those positions were not funded um, through the port or the airport. So if there is a need, I mean, I, I don't know if there is or not. I'm hearing from people that there is a need. So, so we have, uh, we, we have definitely, a, um, we have indicated at least on the police side, um, there is a need and I suspect that they're having conversations and more discussions about specifically what we need on the fire side, but, but it would just basically be the typical EMS uh, type services with, you know, the population is growing at the port, so we, air, uh, wow. seaport, I mean airport, so we would bring on those resources, but um, to the, t I, I don't believe that we, at this point, we're anywhere close to 22 positions. Well, I, was, I wasn't saying 22, I was just no. asking if any of this was an increase because people are saying that they're there is more traffic, but you look and see the increases at the port. So, uh, you know, do the do the services, the fire services, so forth. You know, get get you take a look at that to see. Uh, we if you need we, to we will it. we will continue to take a look at that, and as the as we as we believe we need to bring on those services, we do negotiate those increases in the contract. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Holness. Thank you. We're moving forward. 
the, the crop is growing, so to speak. <laughs> uh, the trending is, is, is a good thing. We, we, we uh, need to ensure we're deepening, of course. Uh, I want to also acknowledge uh, Don Lindblade from the Greater Fort Loyal Chamber of Commerce and, and specifically thank him and the Chamber for supporting Florida's International Trade and Cultural Expo this year. Uh, they will be uh, uh, manning and, and working with us uh, to make this a greater success than we've had in the past uh, with the two lunch programs that we'll have. Uh, we have a couple of uh, former presidents uh, from Latin America that will be attending uh, from Bolivia and from Guatemala, already confirmed and working in three others. I have a uh, question for you, two actually. One, you usually put in, in, in your presentation the number of jobs that are directly supported and uh, that, that are direct jobs and those that are supported. I think it's like 11, 12,000 and 260,000. Right, yes. Uh, uh, those, are the, those are about the numbers. Yes, they're, they're about the numbers. You know, they, they have probably increased slightly. The direct employment, you know, it's, it keeps inching forward. Okay. And it's significant for us to all be reminded how important the economic engine this uh, port is to us in, in not only Broward County, but in all of Florida. And, and I'm really heartened to see the continued collaboration between port, CVB, and airport. What I'd like to know is, t can you describe to us what that effort is? How, how, we, how is that happening? And uh, what synergies are we creating, especially with the CVB having offices uh, throughout the country and overseas? How are we linking with them to, to really support and sell Port Everglades and, and the airport? Well, I can give you a recent example, okay. where, you know, which would just be a joint advertising or you know, a focus section. I was on a American Airlines it was on their magazine. I was on a flight. I opened it up. I mean, there it was a whole section on Fort Lauderdale, and it was sponsored between the port, the airport, and CVB. So it's efforts like that where we'll work together. If there's an event where one can collaborate with the other, we'll bring each other into that. I mean, we do communicate on a regular basis and see where we can identify synergies. I mean, I bring up the piece in the magazine only because that's a very recent example of that collaboration. Are we seeing more uh, of that than before or about the same? I think if I would have to say it's trending towards the upside. You know, we're working that. I mean, we're trying to be smart with how we do that. We don't want to just blindly go into something, but there's a, there's a continued dialogue and um, where we see advantages to working together, we clearly take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, thank you. I, I also w will be going to Washington, I guess, not with you guys. I'm going to Congressional Black Caucus, and I'll do my advocating there also for uh, whatever support we can get for port, especially with this evening. Sure, um, we certainly are in interesting times up in Washington to <laughs> seek funding. So, yes. All right, thank you. Thank you. Vice Mayor Fur to close. Thank you. Uh, first of all, I love the first, the first page is always about it. <laughs> I think we've all tried to commit our, uh, or tried to commit this to memory. These numbers they change slightly, uh, a little bit, right? The number one, number two. Sure, they always will shift on a, on a given. You know, it's but it's all good as long as the overall bottom line picture is trending in that direction. Yeah. 
I'm but, happy, you know, because you're, you're going to have ebbs and flows in every line. But I like the five number ones, so that's, that's a good start. Um, I also appreciated your editorial that you had in the paper about a month ago on the um, essentially the environmental mm -hmm. aspect to this, to the entire uh, dredging. And I see one of your focuses is, is the environmental stewardship. As you probably know, and I, I don't know if you had a chance to go over there, at the Coral Reef Conference in Fort Lauderdale last week. And they, they, were, they had a lot of different scientists talking about different ways to um, protect the coral reefs. I don't know if you had a chance to. I was out of town out of with town. the family on annual leave last week. I know so. some, of, some of our staff went there, and it might be worth touching base mm -hmm. with them on, you know, they, they were aware of, you know, other places where this happened, and, and they, they had some decent ideas. Um, of ways to that we may want to go every everything from moving corals entirely um, that you know just clearing the place out and move and and re, and transplanting and saying that works pretty well so there you know there things that I didn't didn't know you could do mm -hmm. um, but it might be worth uh, touching base with some well we've maintained dialogue I mean I see an opportunity you yeah. Know, Granted, we have to coexist with both features here and widening and deepening the channel, right. but it presents an opportunity um, when you talk about mitigation mm -hmm. and thinking outside of the box and perhaps do, doing things a little differently. I know that will help improve the overall situation in the longer term, and I've been consistent with that since day one in articulating those ideas, and I think that ultimately we'll see something move in that direction as this project advances. Yeah, and I, and I know we've set aside a considerable amount of money to help on this. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I think we may want to, you know, avail ourselves of some of those because this is going to be happening throughout the world. And, we, you know, it, it'd be nice if, if, if we do it right, other people can benefit from that. And so I, I you know, strongly suggest we try to do it right. I mean, I know we're going to try to do it. But, they, but some of the um, ways that they were going about were pretty good. Uh, I also was pretty impressed. I didn't realize how much of a nursery, coral reef nursery we had locally, sure. transplanting. Uh, so that was that was uh, good to see. But I appreciate everything that's going on here. It's always it's uh, <coughs> like Commissioner Market said. It's always a, a good thing to showcase that for everybody, and uh, the collaboration is fantastic. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you, and I'll just say your comments are well points well taken, and they're consistent with our philosophy. So. We're on the same page. Great. Thanks. Commissioner Lamarca. If I might, I, um, to, uh, to Vice Mayor's point, we are doing. I, I think we're setting an example, but we're, we're having to set an example after, after there was a previous project that didn't set a good example. And it's really difficult to say, well, but we're going to do it different. Just one, one last thing, and really it was a, uh, something that Commissioner Holmes said that got me thinking. Where are just if you could tell us with regard to advocating, if anyone's in Washington, the big issue right now is is appropriation. Is that it, correct? It's yes. It so is. it's not. We, we have construction authorization. So no, it's just that now we need the appropriation. There's a couple of things that we we have to have a conversation with because traditionally, the new start comes after you have your all your environmental uh, data in place. But there's two components. This is a unique project. That's there's a piece of it that's what I would call vertical construction with the reconfiguration of the Coast Guard base, as well as the overall deepening and widening. And traditionally, 
I don't know of any other project that's had the two combined. So we're having conversations with the Corps right now to develop a mechanism to allow us to commence the uh, Coast, Coast Guard reconfiguration because that'll alleviate um, a choke point in the channel that's got a lot of congestion. And it's more, I mean, it's more of a congestion and safety is issue at this point and allow us to start that process because that has to occur before we can do any widening and deepening. And we already know the timeline for the supplemental environmental studies that are ongoing right now. So we're working that through with them. And, you know, before we go up there, we'll have, you'll be fully briefed on the, on the talking that, points that we is need. Is that knuckle project or that relocation of the Coast Guard Station, is that set to be done, obviously separately, but um, is it funded at the same uh, appropriation or is it different? No, it's out of the. It's included in the overall project cost. Okay. So when you see that number up there, that includes everything. Okay. So how do we? How do? We, who do we ask for the hundred ninety-eight million dollars? And 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 well, where, it's and where, be where the, does it reside right now? The um, the Coast Guard base component would involve in round numbers, as I recall, around let's say let's call it thirty million in federal funds. I'm sorry, so if we're asking for the nearly two hundred million dollars or whatever that number well, is. Well, we have the overall. We need to get the new start designation. Okay. Um, you know, having what they've done historically, we're trying to get them right. to think differently, and we're working, we're having those conversations, and they're, quite frankly, two options been presented, you know, and um, one will be one where you go with the new start, and you start that, and and separate the project. The two, two components is a harder sell. The other is a um, MOU, and since we have state funding and we have our funding in place, it may have to re go down to that path where we agree to provide that portion of the funding in advance with the ability, the ability to bring it back in and get full accountability and credit for what we put in against the books on the project to allow that component to start and with a commitment that as soon as they're done with the environmental component for the channel portion, we go after the new start. So that would allow us to keep the project moving and, um, you know, from my perch, that seems to be the way it's heading at the moment, but I intend to have some further discussions with the Corps before I, if I say, well, one approach is better over the other. I know I would much rather have the new start and the federal funding right now, but if that gets bogged down and ultimately delays the project, then we have to have a, a conversation about moving this project forward, and particularly since there's state funds in place that we can access today, you know, we could... We could, I could see that being a plausible scenario moving forward. So if somebody was, was in a situation where they were around <coughs> legislators, the president or the vice president or something like that. Just uh, tell them, just say yes. Well, funding, I you know. mentioned that because the vice president will be here tomorrow uh -huh. in Miami and there might be an opportunity to make sure that. Uh, sure. I, it, it, we definitely need to have the focus on there. I mean, there's a lot of things that have transpired on my trips there, um, you know, and. Okay. Uh, we can have that conversation, you know, in a different forum, but uh, yeah, I'm in the interest of keeping this moving along. But, you know, we're going to have to be creative to move to. this forward on a timely basis. That's very okay. clear to me. Perfect. Thank you. Commissioners, the time is now 2.02 p.m., and we have a third item on this uh, workshop agenda. Thank you, Mr. Cernak, for coming in. It's nice to see you getting back on track. <laughs> we're not yet. <laughs> we're 30 minutes behind, but we'll try. Uh, Ms. Henry? We're ready to continue with the next uh, presentation. Transportation Capital Program 
roadway and right-of-way construction and capital maintenance. So commissioners, as they're gathering at the table, I wanted to clarify when you, uh, when we talk about transportation, we're either talking about transit, which we're not talking about today, or we're talking about roads and bridges and traffic lights and things like that. So today we're going to be talking about roads and bridges. And um, with that, um, uh, Jennifer, are you kicking it off? Okay. So Jen Jennifer will be kicking it off. And uh, then we'll um, transfer over to the staff, and obviously we're all able to answer any questions that you have. So, Jennifer, let's go. All right. Good afternoon, Mayor Sharif and Commissioners. I'm going to go over the FY18 through 22 recommended transportation capital program. Currently, Broward County levies 15 cents of gas taxes. 12 cents are local option gas taxes, and we primarily spend those on transit operations. Currently, 11 of our 12 cents are covered under four in the local agreements with cities. Then we have our two cent gas taxes of constitutional imposed by the state, which are primarily spent on capital projects in this program. Then we have one cent of our county gas tax, which is spent on operational programs and highway construction, highway bridge, traffic engineering divisions. Gas tax revenues are generated based on the number of gallons of gasoline sold in the county. We always have to clarify because people think that it's when gas is higher, we make more money. It's not about what it costs. It's about how much you use. Thank you. Here are the 14 cents of the 15 I just spoke about, which are primarily spent to support this program. Gas taxes are volatile, and recently we have experienced an increase, which is reflected in our FY18 proposed budget when compared to our FY16 actuals. But over time, as we have more fuel-efficient vehicles on the road, this will impact our amount of gas taxes that we collect. So we are forecasting these revenue source to level off into the future. And I wanted to point out that virtually all of our local option gas taxes are transferred to support our transit operations. Earlier I mentioned some of our local option gas taxes are covered by interlocal agreements with cities. The original local option gas tax, which is six cents of gas taxes, is in an interlocal agreement and it expires August 31st, 2018. Our FY18 estimated county share of this revenue is 33.2 million, which is transferred to support transit operations. Currently, we're working with the county attorney's office on the timeline for reauthorization of this gas tax. Here are some other major revenues that support the program. Due to our low recurring revenues, we program road projects when we have state grants to fund up to half of the project cost. In our current program, we have three road projects that are supported with grants. The county is managing the Pembroke Road Dykes to Silver Shore project, and it's 100% funded by the state, the city of Miramar, and the city of Pembroke Pines under a county incentive grant program. So I just want to, uh, again, acknowledge this is one of the areas where counties provide benefits to municipalities. The municipality would not be able to apply for this grant, only the county, and the county, um, um, as a result of that, the state expects the county to manage the, the project. So this is where, again, we do add benefits to our municipal partners. 
So during the recession, we shifted our gas taxes over to support transit operations. So now this hole is filled with our fund balance, which will be completely spent down over the five-year program. Having this fund balance has allowed us to reallocate our recurring revenues to support transit operations during the recession. Moving on to our major road construction projects, we have five road projects that are partially funded by state grants. New to this program are our four intersection improvement projects to improve traffic flow and safety. The University Drive to Sheridan Street project is 50% funded by a grant. Also new to the program is our future Pine Island Road, Nova Drive to Griffin Road project. We're pending approval of a state grant that will provide up to 50% of project funding. Our ongoing capital program has three key focus areas, safety, traffic improvements, and maintenance. We're moving into our traffic engineering projects, which is a continuation of our three major county incentives, mast arms, signalization engineering improvements, and school zone improvements. Now we're moving into our major rehab, maintenance, and improvement projects where most of our funds are programmed. Our focus is to maintain our existing infrastructure, so we need to continue allocating our resources. If not, our infrastructure will degrade over time. An example of this is our Andrews Ave Bridge Rehab Project, which is 34 years old. And we're also continuing the installation of bike lanes on shoulders of various county roads. New to our program, is the North Pine Island Road and 81st Street Roadway and Safety Improvements, which corrects the super elevation of the roadway, and we're continuing to improve our ADA ramps that are adjacent to road resurfacing projects. Continuing with maintenance and improvement projects in our Highway Bridge and Maintenance Division, we have $37 million programmed over the five years for various maintenance-related projects, and in our transportation Traffic Engineering Maintenance Division, we have $27 million programmed over the five years. These projects are crucial to maintaining our infrastructure. And as discussed earlier, virtually all of the 12 cents of the local option gas taxes are transferred to support our transit operations, which leaves only two cents of the gas taxes and fund balance to support this capital program. As also mentioned earlier before, we expect that this revenue source will level off in the future. Wrapping up, here is a list of our major capital projects that are currently budgeted in the capital program that are underway, and that includes their project status. And these projects are not requesting any additional funds in FY 18 through 22. Okay, all right. So the first person I have in queue is Commissioner Ryan, followed by Geller and Udine. You spoke about the renewal of the local option gas tax and um, the um, reauthorization is required by the end of August of next year. Um, if that doesn't occur, what's the default position? Uh, right now, it's uh, a split of 62.5% of that funding for that local option. The six cents goes to the, the county and 37.5% goes to the cities. If there's not, uh, I guess this has to be an interlocal agreement between the county and the cities. If it doesn't work out, what happens? There's a statutory formula that um, it would default to. And without um, doing a lot of analysis, um, it's hard to say at the moment um, um, whether uh, where we would be. But I suspect that we wouldn't be 
in a in a worse position um, if we went with an in, in, in an in a local agreement because it's it's a formula that uh, takes into consideration expenditures over a period of time that's reported directly to the state so we would have to engage um, the state but we're the primary road builder so I suspect that we would still get the majority of that. All right, so you don't you don't perceive if we if we don't reach agreement that we'll move off uh, very much at all from that 62.5% that the county currently receives. Right. I, I don't have any information that would suggest that that would be the case. Okay. Next question is, um, I'm, I'm always speaking with, with Scott about um, signalization, and um, there's, there's two references to it uh, on page 8 that speaks about the traffic engineering projects, and uh, over the next four years we have... Um, allocated $13.5 million for signalization and engineering improvements. So is that primarily, and, and perhaps I'll, I'll address it to you, Mr. Bruner, is that primarily uh, going through these intersections and putting in fiber optics and, and, and the more high-tech high, high tech, uh, um, uh, communications to improve the signalization at intersections? Yes, that program is mostly fiber optics and supporting technology. All right. So. Uh, the second reference is um, traffic engineering maintenance, and um, in my discussions with you, you have have um, confirmed that you know these traffic lights, from time to time, they have um, you know certain malfunctions, and and perhaps the camera, you know, the, the the lens can get dirty or something can happen, and it just it doesn't sequence the way it should. Um, is is the funding to maintain those traffic signals? Does it come from from that source? That, uh, that source is the capital equipment side of it. It doesn't mm -hmm. include the labor related costs for staff. All right, because we last year I think we added a couple of engineers so you could stay more proactive in addressing concerns because with what is it 1,200 intersections around the county frequently we have traffic signals that get out of sync and. Um, it, you know, it, it contributes to traffic congestion. It's not the primary problem, but it, it contributes. So um, how many engineers did you bring on last year in last year's budget? Was it two or three? Uh, two. All right, and you said that you were not able to bring on any additional um, engineers at that time, because that's, I guess, as many as you could assimilate in one year. What, what about this year? Can you bring on a couple more? Uh, well, I would like to... And I see that Bertha's smiling because she knows where I'm going. With this. <laughs> well, I, I want to be careful answering that. Uh, Don't worry, you're not going to get fired right now. <laughs> it's, um, it's, 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 it's very specialized, and we have two new people. Uh, fortunately, one of them actually came from Palm Beach County working on very similar systems. So I would say that progressively we could always use more engineers in every aspect of the county's operation. But uh, I, I think we should let our, our current staff, um, you know, our, our two new engineers get used to the current system and then we could, then we could talk more. All right, thank you. Commissioner Geller, follow up by you, Dean. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. A couple questions. First, on page five of the report, it says that um, uh, some of our major revenue has been coming from the 48.8 million fund balance over five years, it's just under $10 million a year if it was straight line. Um, what specifically has that been going towards? And since that amount will be used up now, apparently, um, 
soon. Um, what shortage are we going to have? So I, I will have uh, Mar Marcy, do you want to yes. take a stab at that first? Well, it is a, it is a challenge um, that we wanted to identify for you all. And um, so since it's, it, the priority really is maintenance of our existing infrastructure, I think we probably would have to continue to more aggressively seek grants for any expansions like we're doing now and, and maybe forego expansions in order to continue maintaining. So obviously something has to give unless there's another funding source. Um, you know, obviously if there was an additional sales tax, that's another funding source. But the point is, is if we had to live within the resources that we had now, once the fund balance um, is depleted, there would be tough choices to make. Okay. Second question on page seven in coordination with page 13, the Pine Island Road Project. Uh, I see that there's a new one, hopefully, pending approval of state funding that appears to be slated for fiscal year uh, 22. Um, on page 13, it refers to the existing program, which it says is 45% complete on Pine Island from Nova Drive to 595. Since I drive that road almost every day, um, sometimes I take Knob Hill, just because of the traffic on Pine Island, because of the construction, I think we're what, like seven years into that program now? Or does it just seem like that? No, no. <laughs> Actually, we're on schedule on Pine Island Road. Yeah, you know, we we just begin. Yeah, we're we're um, we're moving along. Uh, we're supposedly going to be finished. So Pine Island Road from between Nova Drive, right? Between Nova yeah. Drive and 595. How long has that been going on right okay, now? Okay, um, that's, that's been only about like eight months or so. No, yeah, been much yeah. longer. Okay. Um, so, Co Commissioner, you may have seen some of the other work that we had previously done on Pine Island Road. There was some um, work that we had to do in terms of repairing some local areas and so forth. That may have been what you caused the, the, the long period of time. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. it, it was not related to that right. project. There was some utility work that right. the city was doing that could be confused Is with Is there going to be a break between uh, the completion of the existing um, backlog and then starting again? Yeah, yeah, actually. People hate it, that road now. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's going to be completed hopefully sometime in the spring of 2018. And... Uh, right now, um, the other road, of 22. course, is going to be in design. It'll be a couple of years later before that construction will begin. Okay, and the last question is on page 9 under bike lane construction. Is any of that um, money going for the clo to put bike lanes in, which would result in closing of traffic lanes? And I know that that has been the policy of this board in the past, when that comes up in front of me, I'm not going to be supportive of closing traffic lanes to put bike lanes in. Can you tell me if there is money in that to be closing yeah. traffic lanes to put the, in bike lanes? The, the short answer to the commission is no. Um, and, okay. and, and what this program is, is that if the board approves the requested budget in here, what it would really allow us to do is to get start, initiate this program. And what this bike lane program is, is that we're actually trying to strategically uh, built some bike lanes that have multiple purposes. Obviously, bike lanes, the first project that we're going to do under this program is really to connect to bike lanes to one of the greenways that we have constructed, the new, um, um, the, the Cypress Creek Greenway. 
But the dual purpose in here is, is that we're looking for situations that we're not interfering with traffic, we're not cutting down on bike lanes, but at the same time, in addition to the bike lanes, we're also building up and expanding the um, shoulder of the road so that it actually improves the stability of the road and make the maintenance of it you know, much easier. So the short answer gave you both the short and the long okay. answer. Mm -hmm. I will hold then my remarks on the wisdom of that till the appropriate Commissioner, time. I have threatened all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> okay, the next person in queue is Commissioner Udine, followed by Commissioner Rich. Thank you, Mayor. Quickly, thank you for everything you guys are doing in Coral Springs with all the road projects you have out there. Much appreciated. My question is on um, page six on Locks Road from Parkside to the Refuge. Yes. I, I know that there's a master plan for that area of road. I've seen it um, over the last few years. What does this mean here? So the only person, because I know this is funded by the state, the county, and the city. Correct. So that Broward County is fully funded on our end to get this project done? Yes, uh, the state is funding about 11.5 million. Right. We're funding about 3.8 million. And we have that budgeted for fiscal year 18? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're, we're all set. We're, and the state right now just uh, is getting ready to issue notice procedure for design. Okay. Uh, so the design will be starting shortly. Can you send me an email with all the details? Oh, yes, so I'll, I'll give you the dates, updates, so and any okay. kind of dates for design, construction, and so forth. Fantastic. Thank you. That's You're welcome, all. Commissioner. Okay, the next person is Commissioner Rich, followed by Holmes. Okay, thank you. Just one quick question. On page 9, uh, the major rehabilitation projects. So when you talk about a rehabilitation for the Andrews Avenue Bridge, um, I'm assuming that's not a new bridge since it says rehabilitation. All right. So what happens during the period of time? there since the traffic is unbelievable yeah uh, what, um, what happens to the traffic where i mean you, you know yeah it, it's it uh, it is an existing bridge and right. during the construction there's going to be obviously traffic impacts is going to be associated with it what we have Good done is, is that we have um, um uh implemented a number of very stringent constraints on a contractor when he starts to work in terms of when they can do work and so forth uh, the way that we're game planning it is, is that uh, during the entire time of construction, there'll be at least one lane that's open in, di in each direction. Um, it will limit the time that the con contractor has to work and is going to place more constraints on them. But we want to maintain traffic. Um, there, there won't be, um, uh, there, most of the period will be, he will be able to maintain traffic on it. Um, uh, there's going to be some diversion of traffic to adjacent neighborhood roads that's going to be necessary. And, um, uh, but we're gonna try to limit it and manage the situation as much as we can while we have to maintain this age bridge. We also talked about having a significant portion of the work being done at night. Would really be a good idea, because that's really a, quite, quite a bottleneck as it is. Right. Well, all of it can't be, but where, yeah. where we can. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Holness, followed by Vice Mayor for I think, uh, Commissioner Geller, you're talking about Knob Hill. Uh, when, when will we be finished with Knob Hill? <laughs> I'm going to look to you. <laughs> um, no, Knob Hill. No, you Knob mean, the, no. The new no. Knob Hill. No, I'm sorry. Hiatus. Oh, Hiatus. Hiatus is the one that's in the uh, Yeah, right. Yes, right. Years. Yes, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Hiatus is uh, about 95% complete. They're doing the final friction course right now. So... Uh, we're coordinating with the City of Sunrise on the opening date. We're trying to figure out a date. So it's coming very soon. We're just trying to figure out when it's appropriate to open the road. So before the end of the year? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. It's a, you, you can keep <laughs> Before the end of this year. <laughs> Look at it. Uh, and, and, and Commissioner Geller and bike lanes. Uh, there was a plan to put bike lanes on 19th Street, and, and the folks in the neighborhood were up in arms. Uh, but I got to tell you, our staff listened, and they made the adjustment, and the people were happy at the adjustments that were made. Uh, so I, I, I want to thank you guys for your work, for listening, for, for making adjustments as the community demands, because they know their needs better than we do, and, and, and how they travel these roads, we don't. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so, so I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, in terms of additional tax, the penny tax, are we, how would that play into what we've got here, and, and how much more would we be able to get done? So, commissioners, we, um, um, have spent a considerable amount of time um, working on a plan that we intend to present to you this fall. Okay. Um, and um, hopefully we'll be able to sort of talk through uh, a lot of what we would be able to accomplish both um, on, with respect to trans uh, transit uh, as well as transportation, roads, bridges, uh, and the like. Thank you. Look forward to that. Okay, Vice Mayor Fur, followed by Commissioner Lamarca to close. Thank you very much. Um, about five or six months ago um, at, the, at the MPO, there had been a list of all these projects, and the signalization part of it was pretty far down for the lack because there was like lacking four or five steps. So we, so we brought this to, to the County Commission. I'm sorry, you, you said uh, before lack. There, like, there was a whole list at the MPO of all these projects. And signalization was one of them, and it was like number 30 or 40 or something. It was way, it was way down the list. And, and it was for the lack of having four or five staff. And I, and I brought it to the county commission in quite a six, five or six months ago. And you said, yeah, if we can do this. We can get four or five more staff, and then we can add, we can start working on, for lack of a better word, signalization 2.0, which was more copper. That's what it was. No, five so, the, so, uh, so so my question okay. is, is that is is that additional addition of staff being budgeted now for this coming year, or was it already done, or where are we on? So that? I'm going to let Scott um, clarify because we think there was some miscommunication, at least at the MPO level. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Vice Mayor, the the fiber optic communications. Uh, line items that were on the MPO's unfunded list. Yeah. The county had one for approximately $26 million. FDOT had a, had a much larger sum. Okay. Those are consistent with the same SCI capital program improvements that we have, fiber optics and technologies. It had nothing to do with staff. That was something that MPO staff misspoke about. I'm not sure who spoke what, but it was, it was an error. We started that line item gosh, probably seven or eight years ago. It, okay. it not only was on the, the 2040 long-range plan, it was in the 2035 plan, at which time it was entered as item six, priority six. No. DOT's was seven. It's just gotten pushed further and further down the road over the last seven years. We committed seven years ago to fully operate and maintain whatever that funded. So I'm not sure. So why did you get pushed down? Any idea? Oh, well, 
other other local projects got jumped ahead. But I, I, there, was a, there was a vote there, just so you know, <coughs> of the entire MPO at that time, mm -hmm. of voting in favor of putting it right on top. Where, where did it end up, though? They thought. Well, here's what they th here's what they thought. They thought it was going to, it was for lack of staffing that it could be there. That's where the misunderstanding might be. So, yeah, I, I don't know where we, it is we now. Corrected I, that's, my them. that's my question. Yeah, yeah, we we had heard about that okay. and um, and. Um, um, we're able to go back and find communication to the contrary, so we're not sure where that came from, but it didn't come from us. Yeah, they, they thought it was a maintenance and operation lack of commitment on our part, but in fact, we were we were working with their staff directly. We already committed to that seven or eight years ago, so we're, we're not sure how that all happened. But well, uh, my understanding, they had wanted, they had voted to put it on top. Does that mean the funding that they had had they not had it not been committed to this, and now is or where is it? Vice Mayor, we we don't exactly know where they have placed it on the list at the moment because since the, the since the miscommunication that has occurred, the county officially clarified it with them that we have always always have and always will commit to fully operating and maintaining those systems. So okay. they were going to go back and readjust the list. And I don't believe they have officially come out with a revision of that list yet, but that's in the that's words. That's good to know. I understand it. Because there was, there was full support for it being up on top. Because every city wanted that to happen. Yeah, I think it's still listed in the 20s, though. No, that's not and, good. And, and keep, it, and keep in mind, it was ranked much higher seven years ago. Well, my question is, we want... What's that? Because the the MPO uh, voting members approved moving it up, but yet the no, staff is so slow. The, the MPO the MPO members approved moving it up, but yet the staff is just intransient and in, and in, in doing anything that will you know elevate a county project. So that's where the hang up is. I mean, let's let's cut to the chase on this one, and. Uh, I, I think our staff needs to to make the inquiry and say we want to we want to see where it is now on the ranking based upon um, the directive of the voting members of the MPO. And I thank you for bringing that up, Vice Mayor. Okay, that's all I had. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, the last person to close, Commissioner Lamarca. Uh, first of all, uh, actually, everybody at, at this table. Uh, who's presented, I want to thank all of you every time I've ever had any requests for anything. And I know that, I know that we can't always perform miracles and we <laughs> can't always put in a traffic light where people want it. We can't always put in traffic calming devices or whatever it might be, but we've always, uh, you've always had uh, staff, whether yourselves or other folks, uh, help with, with issues that are important in communities. One of the things I want to, um, just on this Andrews Avenue Bridge rehab, this is, is this going over the New River? Yes. This, yes. Okay. Um, so when you said traffic would be deferred, basically we deferred to Third Avenue or Fourth or you know, I guess Seventh right. you know, behind the music, uh, Performing Arts Center. Um, I know that we have a schedule for the Wave project. Are we thinking about maybe tying in that work in this project, or do we have to come back to that bridge and, and retie it up with construction? It's a different bridge. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's um, a different bridge. Go ahead. Um, <coughs> the Wave project is going to go over the Third Avenue Bridge. The it's not going over the Andrews Avenue Bridge? No. Uh -huh. uh, wait, no, it's not. Uh -huh. 
Okay. It, it goes down. Um, uh, it goes down Andrews part of the way, and then it cuts over okay. to right. Uh, okay. What, what what we have done, just so that um, uh, you know, is that in our contract for our, our Andrews Avenue bridge rehab work, <laughs> we specifically included language to <coughs> preclude both bridges being closed at the same time to try to alleviate impacts, the overall impact in the community. Okay. Okay. We do a train bridge at the same time. So what's the, what's that? Industry, <laughs> the industry would love that for some train tracks. Okay, Commissioner Holness. Let me just acknowledge uh, my interns and my granddaughter. Uh, Granddaughters? <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 yeah, you let them miss the ice they, cream. They've done a tremendous job over the summer. Uh, we'll, I'll be losing some of them, but I, I got to tell you, uh, the future is bright for us as, as, a, as a community and as a country uh, with these fine young people doing all the work that they did over the summer and the behavior, the conduct. I'm very proud of them. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, with like that, this workshop is adjourned. We're back to Let's commission go back meeting. And wrap up the meeting. Yeah.
eliminating the county commissioners at large rotation process. You want to go back to A since he's not here? And we can go to A, um, which is um, Vice Mayor first okay. question. Um, at, previously, I, I'd had a concern on uh, item number 10 where it, uh, where it was saying it, it had struck out the advocates for the homeless. Had a chance to talk with Eddie and everybody afterwards. Have a slightly different wording that kind of satisfies both the what they needed for the grant as well as make sure that there's homeless advocates there so it re it reads if everybody's okay with this uh language it reads three advocate representatives for the homeless in the areas of youth family and veterans affairs appointed by the board so it covers all the bases if everybody's okay with that well i'd like to add that to the language is that okay, it. County Attorney? I second that amendment. Yes. Okay, so I have a motion and a second for that amendment on mo on, on number A, A item A. Um, and now we just have E to address. Um, uh, Mayor, I think they're going to withdraw E. We talked uh, to somebody at staff. Mr. Labrador? If, if we could just go back for a moment. Uh, Y'all should be receiving, if you haven't received it already, a yellow sheet mm -hmm. uh, that changes pages four and five. This was an error that we caught during the break with, with respect to the changes for the CSB, the Children's Services Board. So now you should have with those pages the correct modifications that were approved by that board. Uh, with respect to Exhibit E, or Motion E, uh, I have, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a recommendation that's coming from our office to you. I have uh, no issues with drawing that. If you want to keep the at-large rotation system that we have, uh, that's fine. We were doing that solely because at one point or another, we've received you know, information from you all about how cumbersome the process is, and we wanted to figure out a way of making it less cumbersome. So uh, I, I thought that that would do it, but you know, I understand the concern about uh, everybody getting a fair chance to appoint Which, uh, individuals. Who, 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 if you don't mind, Mayor, uh, who, yes. who said it was a cumbersome process? We, we've received that in talking with, with you all. I mean, There's we've had talks confusion. on this dais for three years. I've never heard one commissioner before or current there, saying that was a cumbersome those, process. Those were, not, those were not public. You said it. Uh, those were yeah. No, but what he's trying to do is, right now, we all have a shot to, to, if we want to put somebody on, under your under your way, I can go and fill all the slots with somebody, all the people I want. Theoretically, although that's not what our intent was. I, so I didn't say it's what your intent. I'm just talking about the practicality of it. And so it's a fair way, yes. so everybody has their own being fair. Okay, so right. we discussed and, and this previously. Are you, I just state what it is you're doing. Okay, you know what? Why don't we just withdraw E? Okay, so we're going to withdraw E. Yeah. There you go. You guys agree with that? Yes. Yes. Sure. yes. I'll make a motion to approve then with the E withdrawn and with Beam's amendment. Okay, so we're going to approve 121 A, B, C, D, withdrawn E, and amended as A. As amended A as Beam of Vice, Vice Mayor Fern. <laughs> I'm, I'm repeating my go-to guy here. Um, okay, so all those in favor of item 121 with the changes signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. The next item on the agenda is item 123. It's a motion to approve the final ranking of qualified firms
for request for proposals R2114326 P1. Um, there are no speaker um, uh, sign-ups on this item. Commissioner Geller? Thank you, thank you Madam Mayor. Um, I want to say I did have a concern initially at this um, based on there was um, one ranking that was, again, disproportionately out of line with the others. And any time I see one ranking that is way out of line with everything else, I'm going to raise a question. I did meet with the people, and I'm completely satisfied that the reason that this was done is his particular expertise was in buses not purchasing, and this was a bus backing up question. So I'm fine with that, but I'm going to continue to ask questions anytime I see a disproportionate score. Okay. So with that, commissioners, do I have a... Move it. Second. Okay. All in favor of item 123, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? Let the record show that passes unanimously. Okay, the next item is item number 126. It's a motion to adopt a resolution, a title of which is follows, a resolution of Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, expressing support for the Say Yes to Second Chances Project and the proposed voting restoration amendment to the Florida Constitution. At this time, I'm gonna recognize our county attorney because she said that I had to tweak some language, so. Well, members of the board and mayor, um, just in an abundance of caution, I'm gonna recommend that you place an amendment to the title and to section one which would simply provide that if you um, see fit to pass this resolution, that it's express support for the principles underlying the Say Yes to Second Chances project so that you will not be in any way expending okay. public resources um, to advocate a particular initiative petition. You're simply advocating for the principles underlying it. That would also occur in section one, page two of the resolution at line 17. Okay. With those changes, can I be added as a co-sponsor? Yes. Uh, Okay, that's it. Yes, you. I had you already, Commissioner Holness. Yes. Yes, Geller. Okay, so minutes, Secretary. Um, can we please add co-sponsors, Commissioner Geller, Commissioner Udine, Commissioner Rich, Commissioner Holness? Sir, you're already on. Okay, and Commissioner Bogan, as co-sponsors to item number 126. And I have a motion and a second with the uh, amendment that the attorney proffered. Um, all in favor of item 126 signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Let the record show that that passes unanimously. Item number 128 is a motion to approve um, funding for the construction of the back of the house expansion project of the Miramar Amphitheater at a regional park in the amount of $500,000 in cooperation with the city of Miramar. Um, I brought this item forward um, and I wanted to discuss it with uh, my colleagues on the dais. First of all, I sit as the TDC chair, but I didn't feel it was appropriate to bring an item to the TDC without discussing it with this board first. It is the appropriate order to bring an item before this board, and that's why I brought it here. I know in some of the emails that we received, they said that I should have brought the item to the TDC first, but that is really not the way that this board operates. There are nine people on this board, and you're supposed to weigh in before I do that. That's number one. Number two, the reason why I brought this is because on July the 4th, when I attended the amphitheater um, opening and the concerts there, what I noticed on the back, they were utilizing um, these, uh, move, move these buses, and they're like dressing room buses. 
and they were all parked in the back and there really was not a lot of room and basically they had to provide those for the artists that were performing and these were not small uh, acts. And so when I looked at that from a perspective of like what do we want to be viewed at when people come here to an entertainment venue and what this venue in particular has to offer, I felt like we needed to do something to improve the back of the house on the Miramar Amphitheater. Considering that this project did receive dollars previously through the, um, cha um, the, the challenge grant, the program, um, through the grant program for um, uh, the TDC money, it could not apply again for five years. So what that means is that if it needs something else, I have to bring it in the form of an item or they have to bring it in the form of an item. I brought this forward because I feel like it's necessary. It's a $500,000 investment if we um, approve it to go to the TDC for review. The project has the, uh, the appropriate return on investment um, uh, included in the backup. They did an appropriate study. It's 91 pages. I actually attached it to the item after someone asked for it. Um, I, I, this is a project that's going to more than yield a, a, the appropriate um, return on investment once we do this. Um, right now as it stands, it was set to clear just in facility rentals alone in year one, 222,000, year two, 435,000, year three, 552,000, year four, 688,500, and year five, 870,500. The ticket sales were um, slated and forecast for 189,000 just for 2015, and it will increase over the period of time from 16, 17, and 19. There's five hotels in the vicinity of this project that generate heads and beds dollars. So there's five hotels. Um, we have Hotel Row in Miramar. And I feel like it's a worthy project. Um, my intent here today was not just to bypass the Tourist Development um, Council. I wanted to bring the item to the Tourist Development Council, but I also wanted to give my colleagues the opportunity to weigh in on it prior to doing that. I have two options. I can ask for it from general fund and put it in as a budget request and let it be considered with the other budgetary items. But I think it's more appropriate for it to be taken from TDT eventually. And so um, what I'm asking for is your input and then I will would like to move the item on to the TDC for um, review. Anybody have any questions? Commissioner Lamarca? So it's probably a very worthy project and I know that there's a lot going on out there. Um, I did work at for the city of Miramar years ago when they were converting from their old city hall to a lot of, uh, a lot of new facilities, Anson Sports Complex. And so I know there's a lot going on out there. Um, but if we pick one municipality, now I'm not going to say 31 uh, would qualify, but, but we have a, an amphitheater in Pompano Beach. What's keeping Pompano Beach from coming here to saying, uh, you know, we'd like uh, some support as well. Uh, Coral Springs has a uh, performing arts center and whatnot. Uh, Plumber Pines just built a brand new city hall that has a 3,500 seat uh, cultural arts and, and performing arts center uh, that's convertible to different type of uh, acts and whatnot stages. Um, I, 
my concern is in Hollywood, and so this, I'm sure this goes. I'm sure the list goes on and on. What what is uh, the process, and what would be uh, the situation if we all brought from our districts nine half million dollar projects? I guess is my is my question. Doesn't make any less worthy, but did, is is the city unable to, to to fund this? It's a city facility, right? Right. Well, we um, the the city doesn't have all the money to fund it, and so they this is a seven hundred thousand dollar project. They had already set aside two hundred thousand dollars. In my asked to the city as to what it was that they needed to complete that, that was the answer that I received. So it wasn't like they were saying that they couldn't put anything into the project, but they had allocated the $200,000 thus far for the um, project completion. Um, in terms of other people coming to ask for money, I mean, they're more than welcome to present uh, a request. We've had them presented before, and we have approved some and not approved others. So I, I don't really see um, why that's... Um, that would prohibit somebody from coming, but I brought this item because I want this item to be considered during this budget cycle, and it may not get funding for this budget cycle. It may be funded over a period of time, but I felt that it was worthy of having this discussion. Commissioner Geller, yes. Madam Mayor, I, I just have a question, and I don't know if it's to you or to Mr. Bosworth or to administration, so I'll ask and whoever can answer. Um, I know, and uh, I'm familiar with the county uh, TDC, TDT program. Uh, I think it's a great program. You said that this one is ineligible for that. Does the Tourist Development Council normally or have a mechanism for funding other programs like this outside of that program, the, the challenge? Yeah. And, okay, and can that be explained? to me yes. because I'm not familiar. Ms. Henry. So uh, many of you were here when there were several proposals um, presented to the county commission to um, have the uh, Tourist Development Council weigh in on uh, any projects that the board may consider. I, this, this goes back to the discussions that we had with the arena um, capital um, program. At that time, if I if I believe correctly, the the board passed um, uh, an item that basically said that it would um, uh, present um, any it, before it uh, approves specifically approved funding um, that they would ask the TDC to weigh in on the project. So, at that point, the TDC would look at the issues that. Um, that were at least brought to your attention, whether or not it, it supports heads and beds, whether or not it advances um, where they would like to go or like to see these type of funds spent. So it's my understanding um, that, uh, that the item that you have uh, from the mayor um, was still going to go through that process. But I don't, um, at this point, um, the TDC will weigh in and they will make a specific recommendation to you and the item would come back. Okay. Good, Commissioner Gillen? Uh, I think so. Are they funded outside the challenge grant? And I guess, well, I think it's the only one. Are they, are they currently funding other programs? So, they, uh, so we have a tourist development um, uh, council budget that is made up of a number of programs, beach renourishment, um, uh, marketing, uh, uh, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, they are, uh, they meet, I believe, quarterly or something like that. And, and basically, if something comes up um, that um, this board or some other entity would like to have the, con the Tourist Development Council weigh in on, they would do that and um, make a recommendation to this county commission who ultimately makes the approval. But at that point, they would be looking to pull that money from reserves or um, some other, um, other source. The tourist development capital project, which is the million dollars a year that um, uh, Earl, uh, Mr. Bosworth, um, administers um, is a program that we put out a solicitation once a year. It has some certain criteria, pretty much the same criteria that the Tourist Development Council would would have, but um, it is it's limited to about a million dollars a year. Okay. Commissioner Holness, followed by Commissioner Ryan. Thank you. So I, we, I was here when the uh, TDC, TDC, TDC decided, well, we've got to go to them first before we spend any money. Arena was one item. Performing Arts Center, the Discovery Museum, had come to us for funding. And, and we now have the Challenge Grant. The Challenge Grant is a challenge, especially for entities that don't have a deep pockets. We require a two-to-one match. Every, every dollar we give them, they have to find two. And if you can't find that two, even though you might have a wordy project, you don't get any funding. Uh, so that's, that's a big challenge here. And I know we had uh, helped Miramar previously. And, and, and I know that the, the TDC leans towards advertising, but I believe that we must build a product for folks to come. We have to ensure that when folks come here, they have that cultural experience that brings them back and have them tell other folks to come back here also. So it can't be just uh, some bikini ads on, 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 on television in New York in, in, in the cold weather. It has to be, in my mind, an experience when the folks come. And I know that Mayor Meyer has been doing a tremendous amount of work to bring sports and cultural event to that city uh, over time. So I think this is a worthy cause for us to, to support going forward to the, to, to the TDC for them to then do their vetting and, and, the, and their discussion uh, going forward. Uh, so I'm supportive of, of this item because again, we have to put some things in place to ensure that when people come here, there's an experience beyond just the sun and the sand. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan, followed by you, Dean. There's, um, may sound like there's a lot of money, $55 million a year that we collect in tourist development taxes, but um, we had an earlier item when we spoke about uh, beach renourishment and specifically segment three. Segment three alone is uh, $40 million for one of the three portions of the beach on Broward County, throughout along Broward County's coast. So there's a lot of um, needs out there with regard to the tourist development tax funds. 
And marketing is what has made, I think, us successful in having so many millions of visitors that we're, you know, we're breaking numbers here in Broward County. Uh, we were showing, I think, some level of deference and respect for the Tourist Development Council members when we um, changed the code to say that if you go outside the challenge grants, then we, you get a recommendation from the Tourist Development Ta Council first. So I don't think we really need to do anything here other than say, you know, go ahead and let the Tourist Development Council give a recommendation. We're not going to be here and make a recommendation to the Tourist Development Council and then have the Tourist Development Council make a recommendation that comes back to us. That's not how I understand it works. You go directly to the Tourist Development Council if you want funding for a cultural project that is outside the challenge grants. Now, you can't collect this under the challenge grants because there's already been access for this project through the challenge grants within the past five years. You wouldn't make it anyways because you don't have the two-to-one match. This is $500,000 from the county and $200,000 for, for the city, so it's upside down. The two-to-one match is twice as much from the entity that's requesting the money, the, the TDC money. So I, I think we just let it go to the TDC and uh, let them make a decision, and it'll come back to us. If the TDC says no, we don't recommend it, it comes back to us, and we still can override their decision. But it seems premature for us to make a recommendation before the TDD, the TDC does so. So the whole point in bringing this to the dais is because we ultimately make that decision. Many items that come before us that have gone to the TDC prior to, you don't have uh, as extensive a backup and understanding of why that item is coming. And I'm saying that I'm bringing this item forward because I want you to weigh in on it. Um, but also because we have the ultimate say in the decision, I also I want you to be thinking about it prior to it coming back because even if they say no, I'm going to be asking this board for support on this item because I think it's worthy. And so that's my, I, I'm, I'm not premature in any way in bringing this forward. I think it's appropriate for a commissioner that sits on this dais to notify its nine member body of a, of a request and why. Commissioner Udine. Um, I had put a couple PBMI questions in because I'm not as up-to-date on the intricacies of all the TDC statutes and rules, but I think that it's more appropriate for this item um, to go to the TDC with a clean slate, let them bring back the backup of what the return on investment is, how many heads and beds are being put in, because I thought a lot of that was statutorily controlled, at least at the outset. They may come back because I would like to see there be more stuff done in some of the other cities out in the western part of the county. They may come back and say this is a good idea and the return on investment is so good that we want to do this. Mm -hmm. Or they may come back and then they and they may say no, there's no return on investment here. This is not something that TDC dollars should be spent on. And then we could have the debate at that time. Yeah. Um, so I would like it to come and as a bottom-up, I don't want it to be forced down the TDC as far as we're saying we want this to happen, make it happen. i just like it to be evidence-free, a clean slate, and bring the investigation back to us. That's, and that's fine. I did attach the return on investment study that was done on this, on this item, um, and, I, and I will be forwarding all my attachments over to the TDC. Okay? Commissioner Rich? I, I just really agree with what uh, Commissioner Udine said. I, I think we have some, uh, you know, very thoughtful, uh, professional people on our uh, Tourist Development Council. We've 
that uh, charge them with uh, doing this kind of thing. And I think it's a little, it just feels a little disrespectful to me that if we make a recommendation and then they have to, you know, they have it, they can say no, but I just think it should be a clean slate and then it comes back and then it's up, you know, to, to us to do. So uh, by presenting my item, I didn't mean any disrespect. No, I know, I'm trying just, to yeah. get input to send it over there. But the, the emails that have come in here, you know. I, mean, I can't people, help what people whatever. feel. So I, I'm just saying, I, I think it's if we send it in with a clean slate, they look at it, send it back, and then, you know, we, we, we are a nine-member commission. We can do what, you know, right. what we feel was correct for us to do so, so I would like just, I would like really consensus to send this item to the yeah, TDC for review mm -hmm. and for them to come back to us with their recommendation mm -hmm. if, if I might uh, mayor what what and, and, and I listened intently what Tim had to say and I guess part of it concerns me that there's 40 cents on the city's part versus you know our, our matches our matches inverse but the Forty cents on the dollar. So forget about that. What I what I don't want to see, even if we say, all right, TDC, look at this. What I don't want to see is his final comment was, and they if they don't like it, we can bring it back here and we can still vote on it. We heard people really strongly tell us that when we had the Panther vote, that they didn't ever want to see that happen again. Now, when we made an investment in our building uh, four or five years back quote unquote scoreboard infrastructure all that that was one thing well when they when we came back and we had that vote that was that was a very difficult time for them and that relationship with with that board so I, if we're going to send it there i would like to see us commit that if they say that this doesn't meet the whatever their decision is they're an advisory board i understand that but i don't want to see it come back here and us just us just whitewash it and say well we're we don't like their answer we're going to do something else otherwise if i was in their shoes i wouldn't waste my time uh, serving on the board Okay, so I have Commissioner Holness followed by Commissioner Bogan. Mayor, if I understand what you're saying is you wanted to not go out in front of us uh, since you are representing us uh, as though we had... I condone It was something, idea. yeah. So, so, so I, I think if you, your language was changed a little bit mm -hmm. uh, rather than uh, motion to approve funding for the construction of back of the house, mm -hmm. that the motion be that we give you the authorization to send it to the TDC for them to uh, weigh in on the validity of this and, 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 and their opinion. Right. That, I guess that the reason why the county, uh, the administration had asked me to put that is because I had asked for two different sources um, for consideration. So it would have been from general fund or TDC initially. So I can, I can uh, work with that amendment if it's only going to go to the TDC, but yes. I wanted it. You I can, wanted the op option of going either way since okay. we were in budget. And, and you can still come back. And I can still come yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that okay. would be my recommendation if you. If so you, if you, that's you, what I had asked for is okay. a, um, just a motion to move the item forward to go for review before the TDC. Right. Just to clarify, just to clarify that what we're what we're going to be doing is just passing a motion asking them to review this and report back to us Correct. and it's not going to say motion to approve funding motion to recommend funding it's just going to say and we're sending this to the tdc for, for review. their review yes right. 
Yes, I'm sorry. Hold on, hold on. I can't catch everybody at the same time. You were in queue, Commissioner sorry. Volkin. Sorry. Yes. I, th I, yeah. I, I think there's consensus amongst most, if not all of us, to send this to the TDC to get their opinion, period. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. Right. Let them do their job, and then we'll see what happens, period. Okay. Let's do it. All right, so my, my only question is, you've got a lot of cities that have cultural facilities, cultural programs, so by, you know, it looks like we're kind of plowing new ground here. If we say, send it to the TDC, does that mean every other cultural program that wants to go outside of a challenge grant has to come to a county commissioner, get a sponsor, yeah. get, the, get the county commission to say, okay, send it to the TDC. So in and of itself, aren't we making some kind of an analysis, some kind of a preliminary decision? Because otherwise, wouldn't all of these cities with cultural facilities be able to submit it directly to the TDC and then it would come fresh to us? Once it comes through us once, I mean, and we're saying, okay, we recommend that you review it. We've made a recommendation. So we I haven't made I, it. That, that is not the case. I, we have sent other items to the TDC for review, and they have come back, and they have uh, either agreed with it or not agreed with it. This is not that. I didn't ask for that. I am the maker of the motion, and what I'm asking for right now, whether you vote up or you vote down on it, I am asking that this item be sent over to the TDC for review and come back to us for approval or disapproval. You can vote I, yes or I, no. I, I understand up or that. Down. I understand that, oh, Mayor. That's so, my so motion. Here, so here, Mayor. So the question was, and I'll pose this to the county attorney: If if a city has a cultural facility and seeks money from the from the Tourist Development Council, is there anything in our code of regulations that requires? The, the city, the, the sponsor of the request for the funding to come to the county commission and get a recommendation that it goes to the TDC? Or can't this city, can't the city just submit it directly to the TDC? There's no prohibition. On the other hand, there's no direct program that allows access, you know, for an application like this um, to the TDC. It's just silent on that issue. All right, so, so is, it, is it your opinion then that the TDC is not obligated to take up a request from a city to, to access funding outside of a, outside of a cultural, excuse me, a, a challenge grant unless it comes through the county com commission first? Yes, a challenge grant or any of the other programs that the TVC administers. Um, I, there's just, it's just silent, so okay. there's no obligation. Well, so, so I'm trying to figure out what the process is going forward because once this happens, then I think the cities are, are gonna ask me, um, do I have to, come and get you to sponsor a request uh, for us to get funding out of TDC money for something that will, you know, enhance heads and beds. You, you could clarify that. As a board, you could say not only are there these specific named programs that the TDC makes recommendations on, but that um, if you have um, a special item, you can still go directly to the TDC. You simply haven't said that yet. I, and so I think that's the, the generic question that we should we should answer first. Do we want to establish but a that's policy? Not well, I mean, if you're doing it here, aren't you establishing a policy for the future that- I'm not uh, establishing anything. This has been done in the past. I'm just doing the exact same thing we did in the past. 
and I'm asking for um, the TDC to review a project that I think is worthy in my district. You could do the same. Any of us can do the same. I'm not prohibiting anybody from asking for anything. Well, I don't, I, Mayor, I, have I don't a recall. I on the floor in a second. Mayor, I don't recall that, that a member has sponsored a project before that, to Absolutely ask the TDC to consider it. Absolutely we did. Um, there you? was plenty of projects on that on that first list. Um, there was something in the uh, orange packing project, um, the cultural, uh, um, they brought them to a commissioner and a commissioner sent them down. Yes, yes, absolutely. We've had previous, yes, yes we have. Um, but anyway, I did make my motion and I have a second. I made a motion, I have a second. The motion is to have the item go before the TDC for review and come back to us. Is there a second? I already had second. a second. All, All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? All opposed. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you. All right, that concludes our regular agenda. Yay. Okay. So that concludes our regular agenda. At this time, we're gonna go ahead into the mayor's report. So, <laughs> First of all, on um, Tuesday, July the 4th, I attended the grand opening ribbon cutting for the amphitheater at Miramar Regional Park. It was an excellent, yes, I'm sorry. Mary, you had a speaker's card on that item? Oh, sorry. She put it on the side, I'm so sorry. I didn't. Well, why, why did you wait till we were finished? Yeah, I um, no, I, it's my, it's, it's yeah. my fault, um, Mr. Lindblade. I'm so sorry. I put my papers over it. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 yeah. Mr. Lindblade. Madam Mayor, Dan Lindblade, uh, President and CEO of the Greater Fort Lauderdale Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we support your direction of taking this to the TDC. Uh, there, there was a miscommunications out in the field with this motion that came out from the mayor. I talked to her this morning about it. Uh, we still got to fix that because uh, I don't think that the process that we have here is congruent with what we all in the community uh, as business leaders and hoteliers and whatnot understand the process to be. And I think if we communicate a little better among each, each other about these items and, and processes that it'll be much better for everybody because we definitely don't want to hammer with emails and get everybody all riled up. That's not our intent at all. Our intent is to be productive, as you know, Mayor, as I talked to you this morning. And, and that was my commitment in coming here and talking to you all, is just make sure that we're all on the same page, rowing in the same direction on what we want to do so that that spend that we have, and it's nearly $60 million that we have right now annually, and slated to go up if you approve another penny, another 11 to $12 million, uh, if you approve that this fall, uh, for, of TDT dollars that we're going to be spending. So that's still limited as to what we can spend. So we want to make sure that we do a thorough analysis and vetting on all projects in a performa that we can bring back to you uh, without constraints or, or direction so that we support what you all do and you support what we can do to bring those millions of tourists here and uh, keep our economy going. So thank you very much for the time. And I'd just like to add on that, I did not speak to him until this morning when he when Correct. he called. And so all these emails and craziness went on prior to my ever speaking to him, but I also, out of deference for my board, 
felt like I need to bring that item here first. Yeah, I stopped, I, ma yeah. Madam Mayor, if I may. Uh, I did stop communicating after our conversation because okay. I saw no need based on the direction you were going. But the way it looks on the outside looking in is that this is a motion to approve thumbs up, thumbs down, oh. and so that's why the, it kind of amped up the, the uh, pressure. So apologize for that. No Thank problem. <laughs> he had some. Oh. <laughs> okay, so on Friday, August the 11th, I attended Edith Letterberg's 40th anniversary celebration with Commissioner Holness. Um, I thought that was nice. Um, and I think that she's been such a staple in our um, senior community, as well as Commissioner Rich. Yes. Oh, yes, and we played Jeopardy together. And Commissioner Geller, that's right. Did we win a couple? We won a couple of times. Um, Yes, <laughs> was on health care. Um, and then on Saturday, August the 12th, um, we assisted uh, with a, the OESBD, Broward Means Business, Opportunities for Non-for-Profits, the ABCs of Accessing Broward County Human Services Dollars. It was a packed house. We did well. Um, and then on Wednesday, August the 16th, I attended the, and welcomed the attendees to the 2017 Washington Summit kickoff reception at the Riverside Hotel. For those of you out there who are listening, this is a group of 100 individuals that are going up to Washington, D.C. to advocate on behalf of Broward County. And they are, um, I would say they are a crackerjack group of people that are going to get things done. And I couldn't be more proud to stand beside my colleague, Commissioner Chip Lamarca, who is going to go and represent us as well. Um, and then the, the next thing that I wanted to talk about is we have um, so there are no indications that the opioid crisis is slowing down. We have a number of opioid-related drug overdoses in Broward County, totaling 282 in the first six months of this year. Um, so on Thursday, August the 24th, along with the city of Pembroke Pines, at the request of the Conference of Mayors, I will be hosting an opioid epidemic town hall meeting at the New Pines City Center located at 601 City Center Way, Pembroke Pines, Florida, 33025, along with government leaders, healthcare professionals, substance abuse specialists, first responders, educators, and other interested parties. This epidemic has no boundaries, no age limits, no race or nationality exclusion, and no socioeconomic status. The crisis is affecting all of us on a daily basis. The meeting is from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. For more information, you can call our office at 954-357-7008. As of today, we have 200 RSVPs, and we have 100 spaces left for walk-ins. So please, if this is affecting your community, you are welcome to come so you can um, be educated on what's out there. Um, on Friday, August the 25th, I'll be attending the sixth annual Suits, Stilettos, and Lipstick Empowerment Leadership Conference at the Broward County Convention. This uh, program is supported by our Tourist Development Council, as well as our CVB. And um, I'll, I will be receiving a Community Leadership Award from Dr. Elizabeth King, Founder and Chief Inspiration Officer. And I'll be participating on their leadership panel as well. Actually, <laughs> there were some men that attended. And um, from all reports, Heiko was the um, hit last year at the suits, um, suits, stiletto, and lipstick. On <laughs> August the 30th, um, I'll represent Broward County on the Public Policy Outlook Panel at the Urban League of Broward County, hosted by Impact Broward. And then um, finally, at our, our main library on Saturday, August the 26th, from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., 
There is an afternoon of art, music, and dance with DJ Mark setting the mood. Find the best deals from local record dealers at Vinyl Record Swap and meet local artist Larry Joe Miller, who will lead us in the Bob Ross technique of painting and dance to Bruno Mars 24 Karat Magic with the A360 dancers. Lastly, we have a grant application workshop for the Cultural Diversity Program, and it's scheduled for Tuesday, September the 5th at 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the Broward County Main Library, located at 100 South Andrews Avenue on the seventh floor of the Cybrary Computer Lab. Um, eligible non-for-profit cultural organizations are invited to attend. The awards range from 5,100 to 25,000. And um, lastly, I'd like to congratulate Commissioner Rich who was recently appointed as the Florida Association of Counties designee to the Florida Legislature's newly created affordable housing work group. So congratulations. And um, that concludes my report. Now on to the commissioners. Commissioner Udine. You can find all my information and upcoming events at Michael Udine on Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, or on my website, Michael Udine Commissioner, www. I just want to... Uh, thank Kelvin in the library department. I know he was here before and he left. The Northwest Library now is, and he's going to bring it out to some other libraries, is going to be offering some sign language and some other classes uh, for the community so that they can get out there. They do the foreign languages and they team with a lot of the high school clubs. This is a free, free that they do. It doesn't cost the county or the libraries anything because they get volunteers from the local high schools to come in and teach the classes. And we were missing some of the sign language, and I know that that's offered in the schools now. So they were able to get that together and put that. I know they're going to roll it out at the Northwest Library, and I've already gotten a, a very positive response on that. I just want to thank all the department heads who came by my office over the break and left me all the reading. From affordable housing to uh, transportation, I had, I had reams of stuff that I took with me all summer. So... Thank you, welcome back, and I look forward to a very productive year with everybody, and uh, I look forward to working with everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner thank you. Rich? Thank you, and thank you for mentioning the affordable housing work group. Uh, I just want to say that I am kind of very excited about it. I was a little surprised uh, that uh, you know, the Florida Association of Counties decided to make me their designee, but I have been working on this, as the county administrator knows, since I got here. Uh, and before and I'm really pleased that Broward County is actually going to have representation because we don't have representation in Tallahassee on many of the uh, the groups that have to do with this like the Florida Housing Finance Corporation so it'll be good I think for us to have our voices uh, heard and I am um, actually meeting with uh, we have wonderful staff in this uh, county uh, that is so knowledgeable about affordable uh, workforce housing, so I'm meeting with them so that I can be prepared for all the discussions on all the different uh, issues. And the report will be, uh, it's a short-term committee. The first meeting will be August 30th in Tallahassee, and it has the report has to be to the governor, Senate president, and Speaker of the House by January 1st, 2018. So uh, short-term, about, you know, running around the state and having these meetings, but I am, you know, really excited to uh, have been appointed as, as their designee. And I do want to just mention that our county administrator was also in attendance at the 40th anniversary oh, yes, that's of, true. Uh, of uh, Edith Lederberg. You Letterberg bought the raffle tickets. The, yeah, she was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was a wonderful event and, you know, a milestone for someone to be at an agency like that for 
uh, 40, 40 years, years and have affected the lives of so many seniors, so many people in our community. Commissioner Volgan. Um, I just wanted to uh, point out uh, really what a great administrator we have. I had the wonderful opportunity of going with her to Northwest Pompano meeting with a group of pastors and uh, and I uh, was just amazed at uh, how she is always able to handle uh, people and herself in a great way, and I thank you for that. And uh, <laughs> anyway, for, for the uh, for the for the ten people who are for the ten people who are watching this, I'm, I feel sorry for you, and um, have a great week. <laughs> how, can, how can you be certain that ten people are watching? It's well, there's a, I think there's 10 right here. So. Oh, I thought you were speaking of, of the, the audience, the TV audience. And there's about 10, uh, Larry and some other people, uh, so we got about 10. I'm, I'm glad that um, all of my colleagues have returned from their summer vacation um, safe and, and in, had an enjoyable time. Uh, I certainly missed all of you, and I'm glad that we're back together again doing the work of the county. Um, we miss you, Merle Haggard. Uh, Vice Mayor Furr. No, Thanks. I'm first. A uh, couple okay. things, real quick. Uh, first of all, Monica's list that we all got—that's an unbelievable list. That I mean, what, looking at all the things that happened while we're not here was that is tremendous. Uh, that was con that was a condensed list. That was, was a condensed like, list. I, I kept thinking so that. that's the end of the list. No, it just kept going and going and going and going. So, a lot of work there. Thank you. A um, couple things. Uh, I did want to um, uh, congratulate Carl Schechter for having the Southwest Focal Point Center has now named the Carl Schechter oh, nice. uh, Southwest Focal Point Center. It happened on his 90th birthday, oh, nice. and uh, he was visibly moved, and had his all his family there. And it was he's done so much for them for years and years and years. So it was really well worth it. Um, as you all know, we just had the Coral Reef Conference here. Recently, I, I attended a lot of the things. Most of it was way over my head. <laughs> so, but it was, thank goodness our staff was there to, to listen. But the one thing that did come out of that that was good was I think you're going to see uh, a alignment between the Treasure Coast Regional Planning Council and the South Florida Regional Planning Council to uh, advocate to pass HB, I think it's uh, 53, which is to put a box around the reefs and essentially try to um, make it make it so that it can be a managed reef. It allows for um, studies to be done on that and federal funds to to go on that reef all the way from Martin County all the way down to Key Biscayne. So th the fact that all five of those counties will be advocating for that is a big is a big thing. Um, I also noticed that over the summer. The consultant and all the bullet points for the for the trash for the trash has all gone through. The only thing I'm going to ask is if there's any way to expedite that. I know I know they're trying to get it done in six weeks, but all the cities are in a place where, and I think you already know this, all the cities are in a point where they're having to make decisions very 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 quickly uh, with with regard to their hauling, their disposal. All those contracts come up in 2018. They're wanting to know what's going on with the big picture. Um, they may have to make some decisions just, just to get them by. But anything we can help them with, I, I think that would be great. And uh, I already mentioned congratulations to Chip on your legislator of the year. And Nan, I'm glad you're going to be our, our uh, spokesperson on that. And it's good to see everybody again. And that's all I got.
Um, Commissioner Lamarca. You can also follow, follow me on at Michael Udine. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you can probably follow him on mine. Uh, I, I know. The long-awaited summer recap, recess recap is here just in time your evening reading. Are you kidding? Seriously? <laughs> it was about 5 o'clock this morning. Last night was most of the stuff that was coming in on other things. But I did want to, <laughs> did want to um, highlight following up on what... Uh, with Commissioner Furr just uh, gone through about the coral reefs. We uh, did sink another vessel in Pompano Beach. Uh, the uh, Okinawa, which was a Army tugboat, uh, was brought from Hillsborough Inlet uh, to about a mile off of the Pompano Beach Pier in 70 feet of water, and it's about 37, 38 feet tall. So uh, you could just about snorkel the top, uh, the top of it when, uh, when you get out that way. Um, there's some artwork on it, some public artwork um, from the same artist that uh, uh, did the Rapa Nui uh, art, which is, as most of us know, is on the underside of the top deck of the <laughs> ship up in Deerfield. But nonetheless, we've learned how to, to drop these things uh, carefully to the bottom, and this one landed perfectly and, and quickly. Um, there had uh, been, I think, three meetings, three or four meetings over the course of uh, since... Uh, this board uh, asked me to join Alan Cohen, Commissioner Trantellis, and um, Chris Lagerbloom from uh, Lee Feldman's office uh, to talk about start looking at the city governmental facility, city county governmental facility. Uh, the meetings are going well so far. Just as an update, we're in the process of doing uh, the city and the county of doing uh, needs assessment studies. Uh, there are a lot of, believe it or not, there are a lot of excellent options uh, in and around this area here. As we get more uh, more uh, details, I'm happy to allow Alan to share them or whatever he wants me to share. But uh, the, the the meetings themselves are going well, and I want to thank Alan uh, and the Fort Lauderdale folks for their diligent work. Um, if you didn't see, the new animal care facility just received a LEED Silver certification uh, from the U.S. Green Building Council, which is very important for our buildings. We set examples uh, with our own uh, capital investments as well. Uh, the Replacement Pompano Library and final, final library bond issue is nearing completion. The furniture fixtures and equipment are going in. It, uh, there is a cultural center as well as a brand new Pompano Beach Library near Pompano Beach City Hall if you're ever up in that area. Uh, I believe the library will open up in November. At least that's what my newsletter said. Uh, we also had uh, some good news. Rabies, rabies license sales exceeded 100,000 tags in July. Online sales accounted for almost uh, about 22% of that. Uh, every time we have somebody register their pet and uh, do that do that tag, that is more money we have for uh, spaying and neutering, which will get us to uh, be a no-kill county, which is very important. Uh, finally, the Port Everglades Sand Bypass, the state permit for the Port Everglades Sand Bypass was issued in February this year. The federal permit is in the final stages. Uh, very important. Uh, we also want to thank our, uh, our state legislator from District 93, George Moritis, for his work on that project. Uh, with regard to funding, I think out of the $60 million that was given out in Tallahassee this year for beach or inlet projects, we received about 30% uh, of that. For the, We actually got just about all of the dollars in there that were in there for inlet projects, $14.9 I think it was. So uh, with that, I want to thank them for their help. And uh, Commissioner Rich, I know that you're going to have fun in Tallahassee. Of course. Thank you. Had more fun in Washington. Commissioner Holness. Well, one, welcome back <laughs> to all. I, I spent a good portion of my summer, summer uh, 
working on FITSI, Florida's International Trade and Cultural Expo. Uh, <clears throat> I want to thank uh, Port Everglades for their support, the Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport for their sponsorship, and I uh, want to thank Nova Southeast University for their consideration of supporting us in this effort, along with the presidential mission to bring five former uh, presidents of Latin America to our event. We already have two confirmation. And I want to also thank Baker Concrete for their consideration of, of our efforts. Uh, and I know that we're talking to some other sponsors. Hopefully, uh, we will get them on board. We're looking pretty good so far uh, in that we have uh, about 12 countries confirmed to being a part of this this year. We have delegations coming from several countries and many local uh, entities participating in this effort. We have uh, Labor Day coming up, so I wanna, uh, we need you. We need your labor and your love. Paint, landscape, and learn. Join us on September 4th uh, as we help neighbors to empower themselves to revitalize their community uh, in the unincorporated Broward Municipal Service District. Uh, this is a Monday, September 4, 2017. Uh, we'll meet as early as 7.30, and we'll work through 3.30 p.m. We'll meet on Northwest 9th Court, uh, just west of Northwest 27th Avenue. So look forward to you being there. Habitat for Humanity is our lead on this project with many community sponsors uh, being a part of it. Tomorrow evening, I'll be uh, on a panel with uh, fellow commissioner, Nan Rich, and it's Browd's People's Immigration For Forum. And the forum will be an opportunity for residents to share their stories on how the new immigration policies are affecting their families and our community. Uh, the Immigration Forum is from 6 to 8 p.m. at ArtServe, which is located at 1350 East Sunrise Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale, 33304. And for more information, you may reach Paula Muniz at 954-980-6411. Also, Saturday, August 26th, the Lord Hill Mall Citizenship Drive returns, where volunteers and experienced lawyers an immigration professional will provide free assistance in helping folks complete their citizenship application called an N-400. Uh, we start at 10 a.m., we go until 3, and that's at the Lauder Hill Mall, 1399 State Road 7 in Lauder Hill. On Thursday, August 24th, State Attorney Michael Satz's office will have a free sealing and expungement one-stop shop in collaboration with Brenda Foreman, Clerk of the Courts. The event is from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. and it will be take place at the Oveta Makitan Recreational Complex located at 445 Southwest 2nd Street in Deerfield. Uh, this is a great opportunity that if you've had some issues, uh, you can uh, go and get some help uh, getting your records expunged. Uh, the state attorney's office number that you may call is 954-831-6955. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Geller? 
Thank you, Madam Mayor. Good to see everybody again. Um, I hope nobody damaged their eyes yesterday looking up at the sun, um, like at least one noted politician did. Um, the, um, but, and over the summer was great. I got to spend some time in the Baltic where it wasn't hot. I also have been doing a series of town meetings in my district um, along with meetings with commissions. And tonight is my city of plantation meeting at Plantation Town Hall. And you can look at my email as I may or may not have a website, don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I am extremely sophisticated with computers. Uh, I, I have been, I will have to check with my aide as to what existence, but uh, we have been sending emails to many thousands of people about the uh, series of town meetings. I'll be having town meetings in every city that I represent. Thank you. Okay. County Administrator? I didn't have anything, but I would um, ask that if the next time you do see Kelvin Watson, and he, he got away before I was able to, to mention it, but he was the recipient of Award of Excellence in Librarianship. Um, this past over the summer and uh, we're congratulating him and encouraging him to keep moving ahead perfect county attorney county auditor all right this meetings adjourned